warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 247. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean it, race it, let's embrace it. Tupperware parties. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, Jake, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the week off. It was nice. Got to watch a bunch of wrestling, and now I'm back not watching wrestling again. Yeah, what's it, what's it like to have a week off? What's that like? What's that feel like? <laughs> yeah, I'm not tr- I'm not trying to give you a guilt trip. I'm actually intrigued. No, it's interesting. You, sh- you should try it, man. We should add an extra week to the year so you can have a week off. Uh, I get weeks off, but then I'm doing something that week. I just want to, you know, it would be nice to just have a Sunday to fuck around. <laughs> you know? We should just do some bullshit episode, like on a weekday one week. And, and people piss take a weekend off. People will piss and moan. Ah, take the week off. Ah, this would be the perfect week to take it off because there's like literally no news this week. I mean, not anything really amazing, you know. Okay. Well, I'll catch you guys later. Cool. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Anyway, we got June joining us this week. Welcome back, June. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me again. Absolutely. So, yeah, we got stuff to talk about. It just, Jake, it just feels like, uh, it's almost, yeah, June, that, the June introduction was like, bre- it was like, I just brushed it off so quickly. <laughs> 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 it was like, back to, back to my self-indulging, taking a week off here scenario. But. <laughs> <laughs> we got important topics to discuss, so we gotta, gotta get, yeah. the, get the June introduction out of the way so we can get back to it. It's the thing, like, uh, it feels like the shows have just been dominated by good pop, bad pop, because, like, the news coming out is slim pickings. Yeah, what's with that? We're at, like, a weird period yeah, where it's we just, haven't really been getting any new announcements lately. It's August, man. I honestly think that it's just this is what happens in August. And what's fucking crazy about this, though, is, like, our shows literally should only be two and a half hours, yet they still turn into at least four, which is fucking stupid, Jake. There's something wrong here. <laughs> well, that's that's the skills we bring to the table. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, uh, yeah, I, taking a week off, man. I just need to plan it. 
just be like, yeah, I'm taking this week off. And then that, that'll be the week that, like, they'll, like, uh, cast the new Batman or some shit, right? Uh, Captain Marvel trailer will drop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I'm spending five hours trying to break down that fucking trailer. <laughs> I should just come in here and be like, yeah, she did a bunch of really cool shit. Um, <laughs> Costume pissed some people yeah, off. Some yeah. people thought it was okay. We saw uh, Jude Law's in it. Uh, Nick Fury had both his eyes. That was pretty fucking cool, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, but we should just All do right. a fake, like pretend like we saw it before anyone else and just throw it yeah. out there like that. I think it's pretty cool though that they didn't, yeah, we should do that. Uh, it's pretty cool though that they didn't cast Colby Smulders as Maria Hill. She's not in this, is she? I thought she was. Dude, how, she's gonna be like, like a teenager, right? Right. Now yeah. she's in the Spider-Man, I know that, but I don't think she's in Marvel. Captain yeah, Marvel. I, I, I Okay, I, that's yeah. right. It's Coulson that's in it too. Yeah, they got Coulson. Whenever I think of Coulson, I think of coleslaw and I get hungry. <laughs> oh, not this again. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's it, Coulson. Coulson, we got Ronan coming back. We got, uh, was it Korath the Pursuer? Well, how did they tag that onto his name, the Pursuer? Like, who, did, like, who was the original guy that did that, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was the pursuit that was so big that he became the Pursuer, right? Maybe That's... he was, like, really good at Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> it has nothing to do with bounty hunter. Nothing, absolutely Just, nothing. This guy is a board game and trivia master. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the pursuiter. It's just everyone keeps misspelling it. Exactly. Huh? Yeah, and he's. It's gone on so long. He's just like, fuck it, whatever. Pursuer, sure. I got into bounty yeah. hunting. It fits. It fits. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you want me to find? <laughs> okay. If, if you can't beat him, join him. <laughs> Gosh. Got, sorry, guys. I'll get back to the game later. I got to go hunt somebody down. Um, I want to I wanna thank a few people here. Uh, I had a GoFundMe, you know, a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, people were a little late to the party, but I wanted to thank them anyway. I wanted to thank uh, Philip Guillet, uh, Anilia Sundra, Rebecca Daling, uh, Sarah, I believe, from the Comp My Pod podcast, uh, Chris Gonzalez, Jacob Forbes, uh, Lenny Aiello from Nerdaholics podcast, and uh, go out there and uh, look up Nerdaholics. They did a uh, San Diego Comic Con episode. It's fun stuff. Their friend was actually there at San Diego Comic Con, so you get that point of view from somebody that was actually there. And it was kind of cool to hear, hear like her experience while she was there. I believe her name was Tracy. If it wasn't, I'm sorry, uh, Beth, Gertrude, Nancy, whatever the fuck your name is. So. But, uh, that was cool. And then I want to thank Dan Ramirez from the Heroes of Noise podcast. So thank you, Dan. Dan's actually going to be coming on the show hopefully sometime in September. So he's a listener. want to have him on. So I want to thank everybody. You guys were awesome. Uh, times were tough financially for me when I was out of work and I was only getting the uh, short-term disability checks and I still had uh, fucking medical bills piling in like crazy. And, uh, so I want to thank everybody. That's one of, that's, that's why I can't take a week off, Jake. All these wonderful people. Yeah, there you go. That's definitely, you, you definitely feel the guilt with that going on if you take a week off. It's true. It's true. So, yeah, next week we're going to take it off. No, I'm fucking with you. Um, <laughs> guilt's over. <laughs> guilt trip is over. I'm going on a vacay speaking of trips. Um, Oh shit, I had something to say. Oh yeah, this episode is brought to you by Mudslides. I bought, uh, <laughs> ready to serve, uh, TGI Friday's Ultimate Mudslide 
comes with the alcohol, Jake. I don't have to mix this up myself. This is all made. That, made that used to me. be a PCL favorite standard for it was, a while. Yeah, it was a PCL staple for a long time. I've been drinking the uh, the beer every week. Been drinking a fine Belgian brew, and uh, I was like, "Fuck it, I'm going to go back to to chugging this uh, this these mudslides." I really enjoy them. Tasty stuff. Yeah, they're fucking delicious. You got me into those for a few weeks. I remember the I, churro was fucking the greatest. Oh, the churro! Oh my god! Now that you mention it, didn't we do a mix and match? Didn't we, like, mix yeah. them up one week? It was crazy. We were wild men. We were at Jay's with, like, three jugs of the shit. I know. <laughs> you had your choice. You could choose whatever you wanted. It was crazy. You got your orange dream. Oh, the orange dream. Oh, my gosh. I was dreaming and creaming over the orange dream. Oh, my gosh. All right. Uh, anyway. It's a, it's a nice lazy drink, though, you know? It is. It is. I, it's just like it's like dessert that fucks you up. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of alcohol I got to stay away from. Oh, man. Yeah. Reminds me. Rebecca Daling will know what I'm talking about. Look it up, people, if you haven't seen it. Girl Drink Drunk by the Kids in the Hall comedy sketch group. It's a fucking hilarious sketch. One of my favorites. Actually, I think it is my favorite now that I'm thinking about it. Anyway, guys, we're going to be moving into iTunes reviews. Since I can... Here it is. It's <laughs> Yeah, Jake, take a week off. We don't read the iTunes reviews. They just come pouring in. They pour in like these goddamn mudslides going down my gullet. <laughs> no iTunes reviews last week? No, we had them. I just, I save them for you. Oh, that's it's, very considerate of you. Yeah, it's one of those things. I know you enjoy them, and uh, it's, I gotta have my co-host here, my host, to yeah. kind of like, you know. How could we sufficiently blow each other over iTunes? I know. One of us is in here. I know. We've got to go full on fellatio with one another <laughs> while we read the <laughs> iTunes reviews. Um, this one comes from Fred Rock 3230 uh, It's titled Running Weird. And he goes on to say, uh, you know what bothers me about certain movies? Jake, have you ever mm. wondered what bothers Fred Rock about certain movies? Mm, nah, maybe a couple times late at night. You know, it, it just kind of pops in my head. He starts this off like he's like '90s Jerry Seinfeld with his observational humor, right? <laughs> you know what the problem is with these airline peanuts? What is the deal? Um, you know, you know what bothers me about certain movies? Um, running when the main action star is a terrible runner. Look at Jennifer Lawrence in The Hunger Games. Uh, Tom Cruise sells the run. Just saying. Love the show, though. Great job. That's a five-star from Fred Rock 3230 I've never quite noticed Jennifer Lawrence running in The Hunger Games. Is she not? Uh, mm. is that a I was getting ready to say, like, literally the exact same sentence. Yeah. I, I never noticed that being, like, one of the great awkward movie runs. I have noticed awkward runners in movies, though. And I'm not, and I hate to point this out because it is a female actor. Uh, but Aubrey Plaza in season two of Legion. Watch yeah. Her, oh my God. Watch her run. It's like, it, it's painful. It's, <laughs> it's, I love Aubrey Plaza, <laughs> but she was definitely not on the track team in high school. 
Wait, when did she run? I can't remember. I'm trying to remember season two. When uh, she- she's out in the desert and she's grabbing like the, the, the sniper gun so she can do her little shot and hit the tuning fork or whatever the hell. Yeah. And when she's running and like when those troops come up on her and she starts running, uh, it is, it is so awkward. It is just, I, I, it's almost painful to watch. And I didn't want to point it out. Maybe it's because our- she was high. Remember, she was like, she had just smoked whatever that blue liquid. Now, yeah, I think you're trying to like make excuses in the universe. <laughs> I know I am. <laughs> Honestly, I just think Aubrey Plaza. I don't think there's can't... story canon as to why Aubrey Plaza is a bad runner. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if there was like direction from Noah Hawley, the showrunner, saying, "Now I want you to fucking run like an injured gazelle here." Uh, I want you to run. Don't forget, you just had the blue stuff. Yeah, I want you to run like a drunk, injured gazelle bleeding out right now. Okay, please do that for me. <laughs> Well, if that was the direction, she fucking nailed it because she's terrible at running. Lover is an actor, not saying anything against her. And I'm sure that there's some uh, male actors that can't run for shit in movies. Uh, Schwarzenegger being one of them. He's just too big. Like back in the day when he was doing the action stuff, just too big and stocky. He, you know, he doesn't have like a swift glide. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is a terrible example, but the first thing that pops into my head is uh, like Jim Carrey doing the Ace Ventura run. But I mean, that's obviously on purpose for comedic, you know, reasons. <laughs> oh man, I'm thinking of Friday when uh, when what was it? Uh, when the Tiny Lister like rips the chain off that one dude and he runs off crying with his arms swinging down by his side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my, my mama gave me that chain. <laughs> Yeah, I I keep thinking of stuff like that where it's obviously – it's a shitty run but done completely on purpose. I don't know if Aubrey Plaza's was like a drug-induced run. I thought you were going to say that she was actually high on the set and then I would have bought it. (laughs) But uh, anyway, go back and watch that in Legion Season 2. It's really awkward. Uh, Anyway, next one comes from Presuts and it's titled Very Enjoyable and it's a five-star goes on to say, love the podcast and enjoy the takes on all. Hold on. I had something about, you know what? I wanted to talk about. He says, Tom Cruise is a great runner. People are like, oh, fuck, he's back to this running bullshit. Oh, my God. Oh, God, <laughs> let it go. Can we just get to the advertised content? Fuck you. Just turn it off. I don't care. Um, T- Rotten Tomatoes did a study on Tom Cruise movies, and they found out that uh, Tom Cruise, the more running he has, Rotten Tomatoes crunched the numbers. This is from Mashable. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has crunched the numbers to find out exactly how much the main man has sprinted throughout his nearly four-decade-long career and whether his running has a net positive effect for his films. And they have found out that uh, Tom Cruise movies... The math determines that the more that Tom Cruise runs, the better his movies are. Rotten Tomatoes did a study on this. So the more he runs in a film, the better the movies are. Yeah, I read this article. It's pretty, pretty hilarious. And they have all the like numbers crunched, like you said, and the, yeah. and the graphs to, to back it up. It's pretty hilarious. Like how many minutes he ran in each movie compared <laughs> to how much box office take that movie made. Yeah. And it, it, it does line up pretty accurately. You, I just, you definitely can make that connection. I want to see, he's a little too old now, I guess, to maybe pull off like uh, an Olympic runner. But man, if he would have made that movie back in the eighties, that would have been his best movie. Like, you know what I mean? Just him literally running the entire movie. Oh, just two hours of him running? Uh, yeah. Yeah, in his inner monologue. 
I don't know. That's not bad. That could play today. Yeah, who knows? I don't. He he's fifty four, fifty five, something like that. He don't look well, I mean, it you, though. You don't have to do it in one take. You don't have to do it like Birdman style. Yeah. Anyway, presets says very. Yeah, sorry, presets. Uh, <laughs> love the pot. <laughs> love the podcast and enjoy the takes on all things pop culture. I look forward to it every week. One suggestion. Oh, here we go. He's really, ah, presets, he or she is really nice, so I don't want to rag on him for it, but I, I look forward to it every week. One suggestion, since the episodes are so long, would you ever put timestamps in the description? Oh, no. If, Another one? If we wanted to listen to certain parts of the show, I think it would make my experience that much better if I was able to listen to exactly what I wanted to during a five-hour show. Presets, honestly, if I could hire a producer to go ahead and listen through the whole episode and uh, and put those timestamps in, I just don't have the time, buddy. I just don't have the time. I'm just doing this like out of my uh, out of my house, you know. So it's like I, I I don't have time to like once the episode's done to listen and then like write down notes. Oh, and here's where we started talking about the new Strawberry Shortcake live action film. Like, I don't have <laughs> time to do that stuff. I just don't, you know. And I was thinking to myself, Jake, like, if I really wanted to, like, when the episode first releases, I could do it, you know, have the episode release, and then I could listen to it after it's released and then write all those timestamps down. I, it just, it will make me hate the show. It would, I know it would make it more enjoyable for, you know, quite a few people out there to have these timestamps, but it would honestly make me hate coming in and doing the show every week if it felt like more of a job. Yeah. I like the idea of they have to listen to us talk about running eight times before they get to hear like Marvel news too, though. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah, <laughs> you just want to torture our listeners. Like it, it, this is the equivalent of Jake waterboarding you as you're listening. <laughs> exactly. Mm. I, I like the idea of worthless timestamps too, where we give yeah. timestamps, but for none of the moments that you actually need timestamps for. Yeah. Like here's the timestamp for when, you know, like Jake coughs for the third time. <laughs> yeah. Here's, uh, here's Stephanie Chapman eating a pretzel, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fifty-three thirteen. <laughs> just nothing helpful. That's I just yeah, but this is this is torture to people. We just should change the name of the podcast to like Guantanamo Pod or something. You know. <laughs> I wish I could do it, people. I wish I had a producer that could like you know, as I'm even recording, just write down these times. I just guys, I don't have the time. I just don't have the time. I wish I could make it more enjoyable for you. I wish I could cut out all the foreplay. For the people that don't want the foreplay and they just want to get straight to the to the money shot straight to the you know to, they just want yeah they just want that they just want that uh that bukkake scene <laughs> yeah I, I wish there was a way i could give each individual listener like a back massage while they were listening to the podcast oh man i don't know I don't know about that. I'm sure some of them have. Like, can you imagine, like, giving somebody a, a, a back rub with a hairy back and, like, really getting into it? And the next thing you know, like, your fingers are tangled up and you're you're stuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> the price you have to pay for good podcasting. Yeah. Uh, next uh, one. Well, we got some long ones this week, people. This is crazy. Uh, next one. And this is not long. But anyway, this is from Javi7296. Just an opinion. 
An amazing track. Yeah. Oh, and Jake is worried about that. Opinions, man. We they don't like, those don't those don't always fly around here. <laughs> this is a, it, it this was the way it was phrased. <laughs> just an opinion. Just it's a, like they're already leading off like that. Yeah. This might bother oh, us. Oh shit. Just this is a no this is an opinion no opinion fly zone. Like, you know? So <laughs> An amazing podcast. Why? It just is. What else do you want? It's my opinion, so who cares? Give the podcast a try if you like. It's great. If not great, go somewhere else. No one wants you here. (laughs) (laughs) I like that leap at the end. I like it. I like this. I like that one, too. That's a good one. You got some moxie there, Javi7296. (laughs) I imagine very little punctuation in that iTunes review. Oh, God. Like... Little to none, maybe a com- <laughs> there's like a comma where there shouldn't be a comma, you know. There's, there's, yeah. you know. In my head, I, you did a lot of work there to fix <laughs> that up. Oh man, yeah, I felt like you know, I felt like a what a linguist. Yeah, you're almost the producer of that. that yeah, yeah. I gave it life, Jake. He wrote it, but I gave it life. <laughs> <laughs> you brought out its true nature. All right, this next one's a long one, and it's titled "Worst Show Ever." What did they rate in it, Jake? Oh, I bet this is really clever, and they put that and gave us five stars. June. I'm going to go with Jake. I mean, yeah, that's kind of par for the course, right? I mean. Ding, ding, ding. You're, you're both right, and it comes yeah. from – it's a five-star. comes from Mad Crime. Mad Crime. I was, I was being ironic about the clever part, by the way. June was being sincere. So we have. Yeah, I was trying. <laughs> we, we, oh no! Um, this comes from Mad Crime, and he spells crime K R Y M E. Mad Crime. <laughs> is that uh, is it sponsored by Krispy Kreme? Uh oh yeah, Krispy and Mortal Kreme. Kombat. <laughs> yeah, they do the same thing, don't they? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, worst show ever. If you decide to listen to an episode of Pop Culture Leftovers, he put PLC. Don't change it. Don't change it. You put PLC, you fucked up. Don't change it. Don't go back. People do that. Remember the guy that wrote down uh, High Tupperware Party? Oh, the Tupperware Party. He went back and changed it after I begged him not to. Ugh. Ridiculous. Lame. Ridiculous, sir. You're ridiculous. <laughs> um, uh, if you decide to listen to an episode of PLC, you are very likely to hear the host creator, Brian, say that this is the worst episode they've ever done. If you're like me, you will most likely be laughing hysterically by the time he says this. They tend to drift into tangents about any off-topic issue under the rainbow. And so, under the sun, what's under the rainbow? This, this guy, what's that? Is that a saying, Jake, under the rainbow? I mean, in Wizard of Oz it is. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm talking about... Every, I've ever heard it. All right, okay, Jake, outside of fucking Munchkin Land, are people saying under the rainbow? I don't think so. Outside of Munchkin Land... It's over. The, it's, it's over, it's it's over the over rainbow. It. Yeah, thank you. I'm oh, sorry. Jesus Christ. I don't know. Rainbow Connection from the Muppets? Are they, are they, I want the quote. Pull the fucking quote, Jake. If you're going to argue with me, I want you to pull the quote. No, I'm not arguing with you. I'm a, uh, this entire time, I've been agreeing with you. The only time people say under the rainbow is probably like in a Skittles boardroom meeting or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think you messed up there. Yeah. Like, you like biffed it, you know? Yeah. Uh, about any uh, – I wasn't really mad at you, Jake. See, people think I get really mad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like I'm really – God damn it, Jake. <laughs> There's a Chevy Chase Carrie Fisher movie called Under the Rainbow. Okay. Maybe that's what he was talking about. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. Uh, about any off-topic issue under the rainbow. And some of these jokes and stories are the best part of the show for me. It helps me connect with the hosts on what feels like a friendly personal level. But that's not the reason why I keep listening. Jakey fooled me. I thought it was. This wily wily son of a bitch. This wily (laughs) motherfucker. Oh, my God. I'm hanging on every word. What, What is the reason you keep coming back? Oh my God! What? Stop, Brian. Tell us. I don't know. We're gonna find the answer under the rainbow here, guys. Uh, he goes on to say, <laughs> "I listen to every episode because of the vast pop culture knowledge they bring and the wide variety of TV shows and movies they cover. Like many, I find this show because of oh, but while Mar, like many, I found this show while Marvel's Infinity War was in the theater. I wanted to dig deeper into that movie and hear what other passionate fans were thinking and talking about. I did not expect to get hooked to their show, but I did. Not only have I listened to every episode since, I even went back and listened to a few older episodes. The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, Ready, Ready Player One, just to name a couple. That's actually a few, buddy, but I'm not counting. Anyway... Um, their normal shows are structured with news segments about Marvel, DC, and Star Wars, but also feature talks on anything TV or movie related that they've watched or heard about. They even rank trailers. Then periodically, they will de- devote an entire show to just one movie. Four plus hours about Infinity War? Yes. Oh, he- you okay over there, June? Yeah, I am. Sorry. <laughs> See, I, I'm I'm getting antsy for it to end too, June. This right? <laughs> is really long. I know, I know. Uh, four plus hours about Infinity War. Yes, please. Because of this show, I discovered some great binge-worthy TV. I may not have otherwise. Shows like Glow, The Staircase, Cobra Kai have all become favorites of mine, and I might have missed them completely without PLC. Again, with the PLC, the pop leftovers culture. Um, They have also helped me process why I didn't enjoy Solo that much and convinced me to give Ready Player One a second chance by seeing it in 3D when it hit the budget theater. Way more enjoyable in 3D and a better watch the second time after being unable to not focus on changes from the book the first time I saw it. I also love ranting on and on and on and on and no i'm sorry i also love i no this is a good review mad crime i also love the rotating group of guests and hope that one day i might be able to hang out on the show in closing i highly recommend this podcast and i think it's easily the best pop culture show i've ever listened to disclaimer it is the only pop culture podcast i have ever listened to <laughs> but I, I, I always assume that's the case when anyone says it's the best but i can't so imagine that goes without saying but i can't imagine them being any better so yeah it comes from mad crime thank you mad crime a little long but keep it. Don't change it. Don't shorten it. Don't come back again. That's the thing. Don't come back, shorten it, add addendums to it or whatever. Because I don't, you know, this, it's perfect the way it is. I read it and it's perfect. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, PLC and all. PLC and all. Keep it there. I love it. Don't change it. <laughs> um, next one comes from uh, Niner Faithful Number 1. What a show. What a show. That's what it's titled. It's a five star. It has been a pleasure to listen to this podcast. I move. I moved away. From California to Tennessee a few years ago and had no one to talk about pop culture. I started getting more into podcasts, but I couldn't find any. 
I really, I couldn't find any I really liked until I found this one. These guys may seem like arrogant know-it-alls, but they really back up their opinions with some very intriguing analysis. The three to four hour runtime really keeps me busy, but even the long runtime, I feel like it's not enough. I'm a huge cat lover, and the episode where Brian broke the news about his cat really hit me hard. Uh, that's the moment when I finally understood that there's a real passion that th- this team gives us every week. Uh, the Twitter team was the only people on Twitter to say happy birthday to me on there, and I can't tell you how much that made my day. I feel less lonely when I hear the podcast every week. I know they usually like the more vulgar reviews, but I really mean it when I say I love you guys and gals so much. Five stars forever. Thank you. And that's from Carlos G, Niner the Faithful number one. So thank you. Yeah, that, that was a great review. Yeah. Don't be down on that review, oh, that Carlos. Was sweet. Very, very nice review, and it, 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 I remember uh, every time I every time I see a birthday on Twitter, that's one of our listeners. I try to wish them a happy birthday, and uh, I remember sending you that shout out on Twitter. Uh, next one comes from Ryan Brown, one of the best. It's a five star, informative as well as entertaining. I started listening at their Infinity War episode, and since then I've binged, listened to all two hundred and forty five episodes. Jake, are you buying that? Is that even possible? No, no way, no way, no way. We'll send him out the. We'll send him out the multiple choice test. All right, yeah. Uh, he's binge listened to all 245 episodes, and I'll tell you, I was not disappointed. Coming from a military background, their dark humor and vulgarity is right in my wheelhouse. I enjoy the dedication and passion the hosts bring. Their chemistry is great, and they play play well off each other. Uh, I mean, yeah, Jake, we blow each other pretty good during these iTunes reviews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the chemistry. I mean, it, it's yeah. so good. It's, it's so good. <laughs> uh, I may not agree with some of their topics discussed, but I always enjoy hearing their opinions from the other side of the coin. I like that, Jake. I like it. You don't always have to agree with us. That's the thing. I may be, I may be like uh, pretty hard nosed when it comes to my opinion, but you don't have to agree. And the people that let it bother them so much that they actually have to get on Twitter and fucking like you know try to bait me into something, or even on Facebook. I've had people bait me on Facebook about shit. Like, uh, if I feel like I'm being baited, I'm just gonna ban you. I'm, I'm not dealing with that shit. Like, especially when it starts to turn ugly, you know. So. Yeah, over like your opinion of a movie or movie news too. Yeah. People get that uptight. It's so crazy to me. Uh, I work twelve hours a day on the graveyard shift, so listening gets uh, me through the night. I love listening to this podcast. Don't ever change. You are great as it is. So a little bit of daily affirmation talk there. <laughs> Look in the mirror. Tell yourself you're beautiful as you are. You're good enough. You're smart enough. And doggone it, people like you. Uh, keep up the good work. Oh, great work, guys. And that's from Ryan Brown. Yeah, it was a great review. Yeah, yeah, it was a good review. Uh, next one is titled Excellente, and it's a five-star. It comes from Jose from Guada, and he goes on to say, Hello from Guatemala in Central America. I have been a listener for a little more than a year now. I am always amazed at the fact that I get to listen to you guys every week, even though I am thousands of miles away. I love the show because it gives me a weekly dose of American pop culture and slang. It helps me get away from my reality for a few hours a week. I am about the same age as you guys, and it always brings me joy when you let us get a glimpse of your personal lives and troubles because it makes me realize how much people can have in common, even though we lead completely different lives in different places. The Danny Glover Predator 2 rant was a masterpiece. 
Sometimes when I am having some beers with my wife, I tell her about something that Brian or Jake said, and she said she has no idea who I'm talking about. It's, <laughs> it's hilarious. I want you to know that I truly appreciate how much effort you guys put into this show every week. Salud. And that comes from Jose from Guada. So thank you, Jose. Yeah, that was a great review, man. It make, I hope everything's okay with Jose, man. It makes me worry about what's going on that, you know. He needs us to provide such an escape, but I, I'm glad that we're there for him. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I appreciate it when people listen. There are I, We do have some listeners that don't have anybody to talk about this stuff to. June, you're one of those people. Yeah. I was going to say, well, you shouldn't even have us anymore. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, that's your, that's your cue, June. <laughs> you're live. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you turned into your brain is you turned into like slowly processing words. You so. turned into like Cindy Brady on that variety show when they had the red light on her and she didn't say shit. Yeah. All right. Yes, yeah. no, I am very much like that. This is what my husband likes. You guys, he hasn't actually listened to the show, like only snippets of it. Yeah. But the point is, is because you know, so I he doesn't have to hear it. This is your so. outlet. This is your outlet. Yes. All right, guys, we've been rambling on for 30 minutes, and we haven't got to the advertised content, and there's no timestamp, so. Um, <laughs> so I got a question, though, for you before we move into Good Pop, Bad Pop. I've come up, and I want to get your thoughts on this. I've come up with my own business plan, a business that I'm going to put uh, out there. I'm hoping to uh, get some funding for it and everything, but here's the business. It's called Food Pass. And it's a, it's a card and they, we send you, they, we send you the card and you can go to any fast food restaurant and eat any food that you want to that day from like the value menu. So you gotta pick off like the one, two, three, four, five, and six. You can't up, you can't up, like, you know, you can't supersize it or make it large or whatever they call it. You just gotta get the standard, you know, fucking meal and it's $9.95 a month and you get to go every day, once every day. Yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, on paper, that sounds like a great deal. But how do you yeah. make money as the business? Right? No, we hemorrhage money every day, Jake. <laughs> like, we are, oh. we are losing so much. That's, but that's the part of the business model. Yeah. It's brilliant. But then I would say after, I, okay, after a few months, you know, we're starting to not make any, not make any profit. What we'll do is we'll limit it to, Three meals a month for nine ninety five, and then you can like on certain days you can go to Arby's, on certain days you can go to McDonald's, on certain days you can go to Wendy's, certain days you can go to Subway, Quiznos. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you limit it to, to two choices a day, right? Two choices a day, two choices a day, and uh, I. I don't know, man. I think it's a fantastic idea. I'm feeding America for nine ninety five a month. Yeah, I mean, you're like a painter insane at that point. <laughs> you're doing God's work, man. Then you gotta work, limit man. it to like just White Castle. Then you limit it to like one place, like oh. White Castle, which really sucks for like those of us down south because we don't have those down here in South Carolina. Shit, we don't but even. It's like have, you yeah. can only go to White Castle. Oh yeah, we can basically. What we'll do is we'll only say you can go to like these regional restaurants. Yeah. These regional fast food places, like, <laughs> like, uh, was it Taco Time is like literally only like in the Pacific Northwest, I think. So it's like us here, oh. 
never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, that's, there's a reason because we're we're far away from it. You know, the only reason I heard of it because I went to Washington State and ate there once. But uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's <laughs> I think it's a pretty goddamn good plan. Food pass. Yeah, I mean, I'll sign up. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. It's basically the same thing, though, Jake. Actually, like, some of those value meals are actually cheaper than fucking going to a movie sometimes. Yeah, they're definitely cheaper most of the times. Well, Sundays at an AMC, I can see a movie for four eighty. you know? Oh, there you go. So, there you go. Anyway. Anyway, enough about Food Pass. It's a, it's a failed business plan. Um... Let's move into Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. The guy that recorded our uh, ratings bumper, Jake, like five over five years ago he did that. Yeah, that's crazy. Feels like yesterday still. He could be dead. Oh, you mean Clive? Clive could be dead. Like, the guy could be dead. We don't know. I know it's a dark thought. Very morbid for me to think that. But I could just be playing the words of a dead man right now, Jake. (laughs) If you find out he was dead, would you want a new recording? No, no. I'd be like, all right, listen to our dead man rattle off the rating system. (laughs) Is that dark? Was Was that insensitive, Jake? No, not at all. Not at all. Clive, that's the way Clive would want it. To announce, Clive would not want his work to be forgotten. To announce him as a dead man. <laughs> well, to at least have his work played. That's true. That's true. We all we all just want to be remembered. He was a uh, he was a he was a professional, Jake. He really was. I'm now it's like forgiven. Eulogizing. Eulogizing. He's probably fine. This guy. He's probably fine. I'm not. You never know. That. It's a tough world out there. <laughs> <laughs> he got hit by a bus or something. I don't know. Exactly. Or, Attacked by a wild animal. You never he got know. hit by one of those fucking, like, you know, uh, London double-decker buses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, blimey. And he got hit. And he's dead now. And here I am. Playing. <laughs> Who, who's exclaiming, oh, blimey? The person that hits him or Clive? Clive himself. Okay, okay. <laughs> You know, you're just walking down the street eating a bag of crisps, and next thing you know, you're hit by a Dubber Ducker bus in London. Oh, blimey! <laughs> Here I am. Yeah, you never think it could happen to you until it does. Here I am playing a dead man's words every week, Jake. <laughs> That's hilarious, Brian. All right, guys. Good pop, bad pop. Uh, I want to talk really quick about um, – I did uh, – Greg Alenti was on here two weeks ago. He mentioned Insatiable. And, uh, on Netflix, um, about the girl who got punched out and they wired her mouth shut and she went on like a liquid diet and within like three months lost all this weight. And then like the guy, uh, that's uh, training her to be like a, a beauty queen at these pageants was a, was an accused, uh, pedophile. Um, and then last week Rebecca talked about the show. I think Greg gave it like a low taste that Rebecca absolutely tossed this thing. Um, 
I couldn't even get through the first episode. This is fucking terrible. It is absolutely mm. terrible. Like I was hoping for like, oh wow, this show's kind of offending people. It's not offending people because it's offensive in my opinion. Well, it's offensive to some people, but like for me it wasn't even a it was just offensive writing. It was just terrible. It wasn't offensive yeah. in that what they were saying. It was just so poorly written. Huh? Yeah, I can see that it was offensive in what it was saying. Like, this is not the road that I would want to see. Like, this girl who I think, like, you know, she's – before all this kind of happened, she wasn't really looked at for, like, who she was as a person. And, you know, and then she loses all the weight, and then all of a sudden she starts getting all this attention. And she just starts making some decisions that I just was – kind of sickened by you know i don't know i just it's just terrible I, I i got maybe at at literally at the 15 minute mark i'm ready to shut it off and i'm like no don't be that guy let's finish it so i got about 35 minutes in before i'm just like not even Alyssa milano can save this fucking pile of dog shit and i turned it <laughs> off i tossed this and these are hour long episodes i'm pretty sure they're hour oh. long yeah like 52 minutes mm-hmm. around there something like or 45 or whatever it is but they're it, it, i don't know it's excruciating to watch it's absolutely it's a dumpster fire of a tv show it's terrible i've heard zero positive things about it like absolutely like i've heard nothing good about this show i don't know it, yeah yeah i i haven't heard i haven't seen anything positive i really haven't been following anything either but from you know the two reviews that we've had on the show it it's it it, it the more they talked about it, the more I was like, I gotta watch this. I gotta see if they're right. And I just think it's just terribly written, poorly acted, and some of the characters' decisions that they make are just sickening. So it's like, I hate this. And I hate that, I hate that pageant shit anyway. I think oh yeah, it's, it's gross. This mm-hmm. is just gross. Yeah. Uh, next thing I want to talk about here real quick is I went last weekend and I saw, um, the movie Alpha. The, the Wolf oh, movie. Oh, the Wolf Boy movie. Yeah, it's got Cody Smith McPhee. Uh, he played Nightcrawler in the, uh, newer X-Men films. The, the young, the young boy. Uh, in the prehistoric past, the young man struggles to return home after being separated from his tribe during a buffalo hunt. He finds a similar, uh, similarly lost wolf companion and starts a friendship that would change humanity. One of the reasons that I wanted to watch this was because of, uh, um, what's his name? Neil deGrasse Tyson, the scientist guy. You ever, yeah. you ever listen, yeah. you ever listen to that guy just talk about how Ugh. wolves basically became dogs? Like, I think he had an episode on Cosmos about it, but I heard him talk about it on a podcast once. This guy's, I don't know. I, he's, he's incredible. He, he makes science and learning fun. He's just, uh, just an incredible human being. I love that guy. I, I would, you gotta feel like it's gotta be hard for somebody that smart like Neil deGrasse Tyson to have a regular conversation with regular people. Cause he's just that much smarter. I would just, he's a science instructor, so I get it. He loves teaching science. But if, if it was me and I had all that knowledge and I had to talk to just regular people about science, I would get so frustrated all the time. I'd be like, you stupid fucking idiot. <laughs> you lesser fucking no, but, being. Yeah. No, but I think for him, like, it's, I think he loves, to make people learn, you know, but I think oh, like, I, for him, like that's fun. Like he wants, like, I think for him, part of the joy is like 
he's talking to you about yes. something and like seeing the realization, like seeing the person like kind of grasp the concept. I think he's like, that's what I, that's what I said. He's a science instructor. He loves doing it. If I had his smarts though, I wouldn't have the patience with people. There'd be very few people that I could probably talk to and enjoy talking science because I, I would just be correcting them every other sentence, you know? So yeah, no, I do love him though. I think he's great. Oh, but he's anyway, I didn't realize incredible. is he involved in this movie? Uh, no, it just kind of like made me want to see it. I wanted to see like how accurate this could be, and um, it's directed by Albert Hughes. The movie I saw it in real 3D. It is beautifully shot. It is just, it is gorgeous to look at, and um, it's got a good story. And it's 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 under two hours. It's yeah, it's uh, under two hours. It's an hour and 37 minutes, so it's got good pacing. I enjoyed this one quite a bit. There's some great action here, and you you see him in the trailer, so I'm not spoiling anything. You see him go over this cliff in the trailer, and how that all unfolds when you actually watch the movie is pretty cool, how he actually gets, you know, out of that predicament. Um, the survival element in this is pretty awesome as well. And then, you know, just kind of like watching man and wolf hunt together for, you know, the first time, according to this story, is actually pretty entertaining and um, somewhat believable. Um, the problem with this movie is that it's very, very predictable. Um, it's very predictable. Uh, it, but aside from that, I, I was very much entertained, and I'm going to give it a high taste it. Um, the 3D in this one was fine. It was not the best 3D I've ever seen. I, I think this might have actually been more enjoyable just to watch an IMAX 2D rather than real 3D. But it's a gorgeous movie and a lot of beautiful locations that they film in. And um, and uh, Cody Smith-McPhee does a damn good job. He does a really good job in this movie. So I'm going to give it a high taste. I, I, uh, I enjoyed it quite a, quite a bit. Nice. I was surprised to see this movie hadn't already been released, honestly, when I saw it. it was the like the big Friday release because, man, we've been seeing trailers for this for, I feel like, since December. They did, and then it was supposed to get released earlier, I believe, and they pushed it uh, back. I think that's the case. Now, don't quote me, but it felt that, like the marketing budget kind of ran out right before it hit theaters because they had already kind of blown a lot of it earlier on because, like, these trailers have been coming out for months, you know? Yeah, it, it kind of took me by surprise. I kind of thought that this movie had almost was already ready to come out maybe on VOD by now. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. So it's, it's good though. It's good. If you just, if you, if it, if it pops up on like, you know, if you've got a list and you haven't seen it and you want to go check it out, go check it out. Um, I know there is a controversy about the, the buffaloes that were used in the movie, dead buffaloes that were used in the movie. I didn't, uh, I did, I don't know. I haven't, I didn't really seek it out that much as far as like what's really going on with that story. So I can't comment, but I am aware of it. So the trailer really looked like something I'd really enjoy when I was like, you know, like eight years old. Like, was it suitable for that age set? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It has a lot to do with family and it has a lot to do with, uh, you know, relationships with animals and, and, um, and uh passing things on from generation to generation and um you know uh a son wanting a father's acceptance so it's 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 got great morals it's it really does and uh, beautifully shot and uh great pacing so yeah it's definitely a movie that i think kids could watch and kids could enjoy 
cool. I, the only thing I was unsure of without seeing it was I didn't know how hard they were going to dial up the violence. Like, it's hard to tell that from the trailer. Yeah, it, it's it's nothing that I don't think you can't handle or a kid could handle. Yeah, that's cool then. Yeah, it yeah. definitely seems like a great movie to take, like, the like a, the family or the younger set to. Yeah. I got a few more things that I want to talk about, but I'm going to pass off the uh, the baton here. <laughs> the Sorry. <laughs> the talking stick. <laughs> the talking stick. Uh, Jake, I'm going to hand it off to you. Yeah, um, I've been watching a lot of Funimation lately. Um, the summer season just started, so they've been airing a lot of new cartoons. And in the last couple of weeks, I've probably watched half a dozen to eight, like just episode number ones. And I'm just kind of making notes about what maybe I want to continue watching the rest of the series and, you know, what's just going to. I'm just going to watch one episode and be done with it. And, man, I, I got to tell you, there really hasn't been much this season. I'm kind of really disappointed. Um, I've watched a lot of stuff, and between all the stuff i watched, there's really been only one show that I think I'm going to get beyond episode one with, and that's a show called Island that I, I found pretty interesting. Have you heard of this at all? I haven't. Yeah, it's on, there's five episodes of it so far. It gets released one episode a week. Um, it's on Funimation, so they do an instant dub, so which is really nice if you're not into the subtitle thing. And uh, this one, it's it's still not the greatest. I'm only going to give it a middle-of-the-road taste it. But it's it's just so mysterious and weird that I kind of can't look away. And so I've actually watched the first three episodes of this one. Um, it's basically a, a weird town. Guy washes, washes up on shore claims to be from the future and traveled through time to come help this island. And there's just all this weird, unexplained, mysterious stuff going on. There's like the mayor's daughter also claims to have traveled through time. There's, it, it reminds me a lot of like lost, honestly, where like it's setting up a lot of different little mysterious threads. Hmm. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really seem like the point so much is to necessarily solve every single one of them as it is to just like create intrigue and be like a character study of the main character himself. So it's a lot of this is going to rest on what happens in the final episode. Like this could end up being a Tupperware. I I could be completely wrong. And like everything is going to like all get connected together and make sense. But yeah, it's a pretty cool cartoon. It's a, it's a gorgeous show. Um, it's a little bit cheesecakey, but it, that that stuff was only in the first episode, and there wasn't really any of it in the next two episodes. It was really weird in the first episode. Like, when the guy gets washed up on shore, the first woman he meets trips and, like, falls right into his crotch, and they have a real awkward moment there. And you're like, oh, jeez, is it going to be this kind of dumb shit for the whole cartoon? <laughs> But it's not. And it was yeah. a very strange choice to have that happen in the first three minutes because you kind of think that that's going to dictate kind of the cheesecakey humor stuff that this show is going to do. Yeah. But then it, it never really touches that kind of joke ever again in the three episodes I've watched. So I thought that was a really odd humor choice. But you see that kind of stuff in these anime if you watch a bunch of them. It's almost like impossible to avoid. Oh, yeah. So, but, yeah, it's definitely it's pretty prominent in a lot of anime. <laughs> Yeah, and so, I mean, it, it's pretty good. I highly recommend it. Like I said, it's a, I highly recommend it, but it's a middle-of-the-road taste. It, it Honestly, just between all the different shows I watched, it was really the only one that stuck out. Um, I watched this one. It was like The Legend of Ragnarok, where this guy goes back in time, and he keeps his cell phone, and he uses his cell phone to become, like, a military strategy genius. Like, all these people think he's coming up that he's coming up with all these crazy strategies, but Hmm. he's just like, 
using his cell phone to Google Attila the Hun and figure out all this stuff. And the concept was kind of interesting, but just the, the it was a tossed cartoon. It was yeah. just so over the top cheesecake and almost Sharknado level like plot inconsistency points. It's like we don't care about the fact that he's in medieval times and he has no power source for his cell phone. Let's just ignore that kind of shit. And uh, interesting premise, but kind of dumb execution. Huh. And so, and then a couple of them were just straight up sword art online ripoffs. I thought, wow, like the premise was straight up. I'm playing this video game and I've been sucked into this video game and now I'm in this video game world. And it's like, well, yeah, this was unique five years ago. No, it was unique when Captain N, the game master, <laughs> did it, Jake. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a little disappointing. Um, I, I, there's a badminton cartoon that is actually kind of a taste it for me, too. But, I mean, unlike Island, it's it's a decent cartoon, but I'm not going to watch any more of it. Yeah. There's no, like, intrigue. It's like, I get it. The the badminton is going to, the team's going to overcome and win at the end. It wasn't so, so good that I need to watch any more of that. What's nice about that one, though, Jake, for you, is it scratch it scratches that itch that you have for your love of badminton, which is nice, though, right? Yeah, yeah, I do love it. It was very interesting. Like, if you if you have Funimation, I highly recommend putting on the badminton cartoon just to watch the intro musical t- title sequence. I was being sarcastic. Cartoon. I did not know you were such a fan of badminton. I do like badminton. It's fun. <laughs> it is fun. What do they call the thing? A birdie. Yeah, that's right. They do. Yeah, badminton's a good game. So, But, yeah, I've been... I'm just trying to watch. I haven't watched any of these new episodes. Almost yeah. all the new. There's about 20 new shows. They've all had about five or six episodes. Um, the winter season's probably going to be starting in about a month here, and they'll do the same thing again. Hey, so that's what's really, really nice about the animation. It's just so much new product. Did you pick up season two of My Hero Academia yet? No, I haven't. I need to go back to that. I need I to watch to... season two of Black Clover, too, because that was really good. And we, we're getting uh, – see, I need to – I need to start watching My Hero Academia season two. Like they're on season three of that fucking thing, Jake. Yeah, is that right? I thought you might be right about that. I thought maybe season two was just super fucking long. No, I'm pretty sure it's broken up into three seasons now. I th- it's on Netflix too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a great cartoon, and it man, it gets a lot darker from what I what I hear in um, the newer stuff. We're getting One Punch Man season two finally next year, I believe. Yeah, that'll be fantastic. Um, yeah. My favorite um, anime, Fairy Tale, starts its final season, October 7th. So I'm excited about that. Are you all caught up on that thing? I've got about a season left. Okay. So I, I'm planning on being caught up by October to watch the watch the end of it. I kind of don't want to be spoiled about how the whole series ends before it does. Yeah. Those animes that go on forever, they're so daunting. Yeah, I think after I finish Fairy Tale, I might jump onto the uh, One Piece train. I think there's like 600 fucking episodes of that. You're right, there are. <laughs> but I hear so much good stuff. I, I know our, our friend Mears is a huge fan of it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, there's there's a ton of episodes. Um, so, but yeah, it is daunting. And that, but like I said, that's one really man. If you Funimation, it's like seven bucks a month, and every like four times a year they just churn out a ton of new series it's not just episode 800 of something it's it's really cool to be able to watch like just 12 to 15 new shows and like the variety of genres from for all our different cartoons is just so amazing that's still something here in like the states i don't think that we do the greatest job of yet i think it's getting better with all the different cartoons on streaming services Mm -hmm. but 
just the variety of our animation has just always sorely been lacking over here. Oh, yeah. Like, for, I don't know. I don't think there's anything that I'm watching on, like, Cartoon Network besides fucking, like, maybe, like, some of the Adult Swim stuff. And then, of course, you know, Rick and Morty. Yeah. And as far as animated serious dramas go, fuck. Oh, yeah. You're not going to find that. Absolutely not. (laughs) I can't even name one. Did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about? No, that's that's all I that's all I've really been watching lately is um just a lot of the new shows on Funimation. I so um oh, I did watch ahead. um real quickly I did watch I guess the um first episode of Disenchantment. I know you talked about that last week. Yeah. And um yeah, I thought it was quite good. I I kind of had super low expectations cuz it was just hard to avoid all the blurbs on social media about it. And so I kind of went into it thinking that it was going to be really shitty and then I think that attitude made me be very pleasantly surprised by it. I thought besides like the gorgeous animation, I, I thought the characters to be pretty likable and fun. And I didn't expect the humor to be as dark as it was. So, I mean, it's not like knee slapping, hilarious, funny, at least yet that I've seen, but it, it doesn't really feel like it's really trying to be that. It doesn't feel like it's a bunch of miss jokes either. You know what I'm saying? No, it's it, uh, what it is, is it, he's actually, he's telling a story. Here, which this is not like the Simpsons where it's just like one episode and done and they're off doing some other antics the next episode. This is this is he's telling a long story. And I'm by the time I I was not impressed by the first two, three, four episodes. I was like, this is okay, But I kept watching because there was really nothing else that I was wanting to watch. So I just kept it on. And by the time I got to episode six, seven, eight, nine, I'm, I'm getting sucked in. I'm getting sucked in by the story. I'm starting to fall in love with the characters. I love, I love Eric Andre anyway. I've always been a big fan of Eric Andre and him as that, Mm -hmm. him as that demon is just absolutely perfect. And, um, I, I was blown away towards the end. I gave it a, overall, I gave it a high taste. I, I thought it was a really good show. It's just, it's one of those shows where he's actually telling a story and the humor is a bonus. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I could see it if it was like 20 missed jokes and only one land, but it didn't really feel like it was, that was ever what was like going on with it. Yeah. And yeah, I'll definitely probably within the next couple of weeks be, uh, flying through this. Uh, there is a, uh, post credit scene for the final episode, people, just so you know. Yeah, I saw you post that on our Facebook. I was thankful for that because with Netflix, it's really easy to just hit that button when you're yeah. done. I want to talk about real quick, June, I'm going to get your stuff. I got so much stuff that I want to talk about that I'm going to kind of like break it up here. Like this is like, my stuff is like a huge turd and I've just got to like break it up. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) With a poop knife? That's a pleasant, uh, I like giving the pleasant visuals. All right. Yes, I, I am. Unhear that? I can't unhear that now. So. I've got a coat. I have got a. I, basically, I've got a coat hanger, and I am just chopping the fuck out of this turd uh, right now. Just going crazy. That's, that idea is in my brain now. I uh, yeah. I, uh, I I ate beets. There's a little red tint to it. I had some corn. Uh, there's there's corn. Mm. So yeah, it is. It is just. A, <laughs> The aftermath of, of this of this shit is just absolutely insane. Um, no, I watched. Uh, I don't know. I I was I, I on my PlayStation Four when I pop it on. I'm going to watch my streaming stuff. Like the front page shows me like some new stuff that's coming out, and they showed me this thing. And I was like, "What is that?" So I clicked on it, and it took me to 
it took me to a new show that Crackle has um, called Rob Riggle's Ski Master Academy. And it's a, it's a, you guys. That are, name sounds amazing. Well, you, yeah. Well, you're familiar with Rob, actor Rob Riggle, right? From like, he, yeah. he's a, he's like a, a comedian character actor. He shows up in a ton of stuff. He was in, um, uh, 21 Jump Street. He was on The Daily Show. He played Officer Franklin in The Hangover, the officer that would like let the kids tase, you know, Bradley Cooper and, yeah. and all <laughs> of them in that movie. I, I, I'm a huge fan of Rob Riggle. I think any, thing that they put him in he always does what he needs to do he gets me to laugh this guy is just like i absolutely love rob riggle in like a completely like hetero way to where it might lead to me butt fucking him but like in a hetero 100 percent hetero we're just bros you know i'm just putting my penis in in your asshole as you're my bro like nothing just completely hetero if you know what i mean yeah don't judge Okay, so I love Rob Riggle. I think he's hilarious. So I was like, I'm going to watch this. And this dropped on Crackle on Thursday. And there's eight 22-minute episodes. Uh, when action star, when action superstar Rob Riggle seeks to reinvent himself by starting a personal watercraft education academy, he struggles with the fallout from his first big scandal. Um, it, uh, it follows Rob Riggle who is mostly known for his legendary Ski Master movies, uh, Ski Master movies, has invested all of his money and reputation into an academy celebrating America's truest art form, personal watercraft riding. Rob, his legendary <laughs> stuntman commandant, Dirk Hamstake, and their entire staff of instructors spend a semester defending their beloved academy at all costs, no matter how many people criticize it, go missing or die. Um, it also has the cast is just insane. It like Rob Riggle has like a ton of friends and I feel like a lot of them just kind of like jumped on and did this show at scale. Um, he, it's got uh, Dermot, Dermot Mulroney is in the first episode um, <laughs> from my best friend's wedding. He was in young guns too. Eliza Coop, who I love. She was in happy ending. She was in uh casual on Hulu. Uh, Tim Meadows is in like the first four episodes. Uh, hmm. Britt Barron from glow. She plays Mark Maron's daughter in glow. She plays Dirk Hamstake's son in this show. <laughs> um, His son. No, a daughter. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did oh, I say okay, son? Okay. I'm losing okay. my mind. Uh, Paul Shear. That would be great if she played his son. I was like, wow, that sounds awesome. <laughs> Paul Shear is in this show from the league. He's also in Veep. Uh, Christopher McDonald, uh, who played, uh, Shooter McGavin in Happy Gilmore. Uh, Cheech Marin makes an appearance. Sam, wow. Le- uh, Sam Levine from Freaks and Geeks. Is in this show. Dave Allen, also from Freaks and Geeks. He played the hippie teacher on Freaks and Geeks. He's in the show. Haley Joel Osment is in the show. David Arquette. And uh, a reoccurring character in this is Hall of Fame football player from the Chicago Bears, Brian Urlacher. <laughs> and okay. <laughs> it is just like I said, it's basically just like a bunch of, you know, Rob Riggle's real friends, like get together and help him make this show. And I fucking love this show. I fucking love it. This is like 
this and Supermansion are the only two reasons to watch Crackle ever, in my opinion, now that, like, you know, the, the Seinfeld coffee and car shit thing is now on Netflix. Like, but if you love, like, off-the-wall comedies, like the old Sandler stuff, like, or, like, the late-night stuff on Adult Swim, like Children's Hospital, um, this is right up your alley. This is just so fucking bizarre. It could be a cartoon. Um, I think, like, Luther Shaver needs to give this a chance. Like, I think one of our listeners, Luther Shaver, he's been on the show before. I think he would love this. But um, Rob Riggle plays himself as this, like, has-been action star, and his movie career is, like, in the shitter. And so he takes over this Watercraft Academy, and then Brian Urlacher, the football player, starts a, <laughs> a river canoe school and is using the same lake. And so, like, they have, like, this rivalry. And so, like, Rob Riggle has hired actor Dermot Mulroney to, like, be a jet ski instructor. And, like, you have not lived until you see Dermot Mulroney riding a jet ski on an obvious green screen while he's, <laughs> while, while he's eating a meatball sub. It is the funniest fucking thing. I was just dying. He, he, he was so fucking hysterical. There's a, the, uh, the first episode, there's a, a jet ski riding ghost that haunts the lake at night. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's a mermaid in one of the episodes. There's one episode where like, these hogs go mad because Rob Riggle stole the hog stone and that brings balance to the hogs. This show is so fucking bizarre and I love it. The cast is amazing. Tim Meadows is in this. He's hilarious. I love him. Paul Shear's great. They, they show Paul Shear this huge fucking like log and he's like, carving it and whittling it and by the time you get to like episode seven he just turns it into a toothpick and puts it in his mouth it's just so <laughs> funny and stupid there's ongoing jokes the screen wipes in this show are just rob riggle riding a jet ski and just saying random shit as he zips by <laughs> like like he'll go oh yeah and sometimes he goes oh shit you know it's just it's so funny and the theme song is like this uh like they have like this Baywatch intro as far as like the montage of people doing shit and laughing and looking at the screen but then they have like it's like cheesy 80s hairband metal rock that they play and Eliza Coop is she's like a cartoon character in this her her character's name is like this she's like this southern like the southern woman with sass and her name is Preggers. <laughs> Preggers. Preggers. And she's, she, she points out that she's not pregnant. She's just named after her mother. <laughs> this show, if you like just off the wall, crazy, stupid comedy, if you like shit like Tim and Eric's awesome show, great job. If you like just weird off the wall comedy like that, you will love Rob Riggle's Ski, Ski Master Academy. <laughs> It is a fucking work of genius. I love it. It is a Tupperware. Eight episodes. I burned through them in two days. 22 minutes apiece is the only thing worth, worth watching on fucking Crackle. Uh, that and Supermansion. Supermansion is yeah. amazing. Supermansion season three, fucking Chris Pine was a voice actor. You know, so. Super, Super and Crackle's free, right? Crackle's free. It's Sony. You just have to put up with the ads. So oh, okay. they play this, uh, uh, na they play this nationwide uh, fucking um, 
ad. Like literally every commercial break, they play the one where they got this girl, Tori Kelly, with her acoustic guitar, singing this little sweet little song about Nationwide. Was that really what she like envisioned for herself when she was writing songs in her bedroom about boys breaking her hearts, that one day she'd be able to sit down and sing about an insurance company? What the fuck? Your, your priorities are <laughs> fucked up. They better be paying you a lot, Tori Kelly, for you to sell yourself out like that. Hey. I bet they are. Yeah. Nationwide is on your side. And it's the end of the commercial. But it's a whole fucking song I gotta put up with. It's ridiculous. And they do it every fucking break. Anyway, yeah, Rob Riggles, Ski Master Academy, absolute Tupperware. It's subjective comedy. If you watch it and you're like, Brian, you're an idiot. Why did you like? But Brian Urlacher is just so funny in this. He's like so nice to Rob Riggle and Rob Riggle treats him like shit. It's absolutely brilliant. This is just, this is so funny. That's interesting that Urlacher's so good. That part I'm really curious about. He's a terrible actor, but man, oh, he's so funny. And I love Britt Barron now. Like, we didn't get a lot of her last season on uh, Glow, you know, the daughter of Mark Maron. She's, yeah, in, yeah. she's in this front and center, and she's great. And her facial expressions are so funny. She's very comedic. And Eliza Coop just plays this off. Preggers is just so fucking funny. I love it. I, I love Preggers. I love this show. I hope it gets a season two. And the way it sets up, it feels like if it does get a season two, it'll have a, it'll have a whole new class of students coming in. So like, you know, this year's class is like Sam Levine from Freaks and Geeks. Um, this, uh, this, uh, actor Carl Tart was in it. He was really funny. And, uh, some other, Alice, Alice, Alice and Rich, he was really funny. I loved it. I, I Tupperware this show. If you like off the wall bizarre shit, just watch it. You'll, you'll get a kick out of this. So, and. Yeah, that sounds really funny. I might check it out just to see that intro title sequence. Oh, uh, I will play the theme song during our first break. How about that? Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Speaking of breaks, um, no. Are you guys ready to take one? Are you, are you good? I mean, I, I, the only reason I want to take one is to hear the theme song. <laughs> okay, all right. All right, here we go. Let, I will take a break and we'll be right back. Alright, hey, we are back. We've got more good pop, bad pop to go over. So I'm going to pass it off to June. June, what do you got? I want to talk about the Venture Brothers. Um, that's on Adult Swim. I don't know if either of you have watched that or any of it because um, it's in its seventh season right now. Yeah, I'm- I watched the first two seasons. Mm-hmm. Okay. I watched the first episode, and it's one of those things. It's on my list to watch. I hear everybody rave about it, and it's another one of these shows kind of like Rick and Morty where they don't come out with seasons like yearly. It could be like a year and a half to two year wait in between seasons sometimes. Oh yeah. And I think, um, so this show, it, you know, was originally kind of like a spoof on these like 1960s, like space or boy adventure shows like Johnny quest. Um, 
and you know, the first season, a lot of the episodes they were very standalone. They weren't they were you know not connected. It was very adventure of the week kind of thing. You know, they're in the desert one episode, and they're in the jungle, and so by the end of that first season, though, they start doing this world building, and it's essentially over. You know, the past six seasons, they have created this crazy, very intricate, almost convoluted, like expanded universe. But I love it, and like fans who have kept up with the show, you know throughout like you love this universe you love this world you love these characters and i think part of the reason is because of the guys who do this show jackson public and doc hammer they themselves they there's so much care that goes into making this show and the reason why it takes so long in between seasons is because it's just the two of them like they don't have a writing team both of them write all the up like it's either one no they write the episodes sometimes together only one I think there's only one other time that an outside person ever wrote for this show. It was Ben um Edland who created the tick. Oh okay. and uh so he and actually how that's how the two of them met through him, because they were friends with him. Um but you know, they talk about well yeah, this show takes it takes forever to make though. And they also do most of the voices, but they produce it, they direct it. Like this is it so it's done by these two guys. And a very, very small staff of, you know, artists and animators, and they actually ship it to Korea for animation. So it, yeah, it takes forever. And so I think, um, yeah, a lot of people, and a lot, a lot of the criticism that I hear, though, is people kind of fall off of it. They're like, I loved it. But then you have two and a half years in between seasons. You kind of forget about it. And you forget what happened in the previous episodes. And, the thing about this show, too, is they know who their fans are, and they're not going to spend a whole lot of time on exposition. Like, the first episode of the seventh season, it was, like, four Sundays ago. I mean, it's been two years since the since the sixth season finale. They don't ease you into this season. I mean, it's just from the get-go. Like, this first, like, it doesn't matter that it's been two years. They just jump into the story and go. Like, no time has passed. Wow. So I can see how a lot of people are kind of like people who try to get back in the seventh season. They're like, whoa, I can't even remember what happened in the last season. I mean, they just take off running. Um, and I think they're just for them. I mean, like we have this group of devoted fans and they get it. We trust that our fans are going to understand. We trust that our friends have kept up. I mean, our fans have kept up and. I mean, because this is a, and I I rewatch the show all the time. Like this is a show that I have on repeat. Mm. Like if when I'm sick, sad, what have you, like this is my go to show. Is and, there an easy way to rewatch it besides just owning the physical Blu-rays or DVDs? It's on Netflix, isn't um, it? So Hulu. Oh, Hulu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Although you know what though, so the um having it on Blu-ray or DVD. I mean, I, I still will get the new season on DVD because their commentary um, that they do on their episodes are hilarious. And it gives you a lot of insight into the show. And then I think that's part of, like, when you listen to the commentary and you hear how much they love the show. And you hear how much, like, they care about it. Like, they're not phoning it in. And they – just every little detail, too that they pay attention to and, and just, I don't know. And then like how much they actually do love these characters that they've created. And so, 
it makes you appreciate the show more. You feel the love for the show. That's awesome. And then I, yeah. yeah. And then I guess because you do have like, it's such a very quirky, weird animated show that's been on for, I mean, I mean, this is kind of crazy though. The pilot episode, it aired in 2003 and then adult swim picked it up. Um, the first season premiered in 2004. Okay. The seventh season started on August 5th, like four weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> like wow. Three weeks ago. But crazy thing is, um, and they are getting an eighth season. That's been confirmed. Wow. But um, it's Adult Swim's longest running original series. Yeah, just because it's been that many years between seasons, though, right? <laughs> you know. Well, no, I think in terms of like actual, yeah, because um, what about the Aqua- holder of that title was Aqua Teen. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think even I think even in content. Yeah, but Aqua Teen Hunger Force, though, remember, like, they, it wasn't Aqua Teen anymore at some point, right? Like, yeah, they it? changed the name to another show. They kind of, like, rebooted it and yeah. changed the name, yeah. So, no, this is, um, but the show is so crazy because you have really famous people that they had, like, they've had, like, guests on the show. Um, I mean, part of the core cast, like Patrick Warburton, um, Putty from Seinfeld. Um, he's been on, you know, he plays Brock Sames in the big bodyguard mm-hmm. and James Urbaniak is daughter venture. Um, so you have these like, so you, these are pretty two big names in comedy, but they've been on the show since the beginning, but over the seasons, like, uh, Stephen Colbert has been on the show. Uh, Pat Oswalt, Pat Oswalt is apparently a huge fan. Like, uh, they, they were very flattered. They ran into Pat Oswalt at a, a comic con. Like a couple years ago, and uh, Pat Oswald kind of he went fanboy on them, and they were like, "What the hell? Like this is crazy!" But like Seth Green, John Hodgman, I mean, just kind of crazy. It's crazy how many people they've had on this show. Joel J.K. Ho- Simmons. Did you say Joel Hodgson? No, uh, John Hodgman. Oh, I thought you meant Joel Hodgson from MST3K. <laughs> I remember when Colbert yeah. was on. That was one of the earlier seasons. He was like a, a Mr. Fantastic analog character. Oh, I remember see, that being quite hilarious. No, that's why, like, I love that. They do this, like, failed Fantastic. It's like Fantastic Four, but, like, stupid Fantastic Four. Like, him. Like, he's, you know, he and they call them they're the Impossibles. But, like, his wife, only her skin can turn invisible. <laughs> like, she can't turn invisible. And then the Human Torch. Like, that guy can't be exposed to oxygen. Because the minute he's exposed to oxygen, he, like, explodes into flames. Yeah, and, and it hurts. He screams like, the whole time yeah. and everything. <laughs> so, yeah, they have to, like, he has to be self-contained. And then um, the thing, like, it's actually, um, it's a big, it's this guy who just has, like, a big cat. He's just, like, a big callus, and he's mentally challenged. And uh, so it's, like, Fantastic Four. Do you have a whole bunch of this? And the fact that it's a, it sort of is a parody of Johnny Quest. Johnny Quest is in the show. It's just he's He's a drug addict, uh, strong out, like, boy adventure husband. <laughs> so he turns into, like, what our child actors turn into. No, actually, and that's kind of what the show does. I think that one of the questions that they ask in the beginning is, like, what would happen if someone like Johnny Quest, like, you know, you get kidnapped all the time. You have this father, you know, like, who is famous and has all these achievements. You're never going to give love up to him. Like, what happens to that kid, like, when they grow up? And so that's what, like, Dr. Venture Rusty Venture, like that's that's who he's a boy adventurer. 
Mm. His father is like Jonas Venture is like, you know, created all this great stuff, almost kind of like a, uh, gosh, a Howard Stark kind of person, you know, like this great inventor, but also a womanizer, but he's genius and he's also a hero. And so in the space age hero, and then the sun, they go on these adventures and the sun gets kidnapped and everything. So you have like, this is what happens like when that kid grows up. And he actually, there's one episode, there's a great episode where like he goes to like a self-help group for former boy adventures. So you have like uh, Hardy Boys kind of parody, like uh, these two guys, uh, John Hodgman and Seth Green are the Hardy Boys. Patton Oswalt is sort of like a ripoff on the uh, on Robin and then you have Johnny Quest, and they're like these former boy adventurers who don't know how to, they don't know how to cope with life as adults. That's awesome. Yeah. I, this is something I need to jump on, cause like I hear just people rave about this show constantly. Oh, it's yeah. great. And the animation is beautiful too. Um, and what's so, I mean, and this thing is just jam packed with jokes and pop culture references. Most of them, I, I mean, they're just obscure references, but the way they're, they they do it in such a way that you don't feel it doesn't take you out of the show. These weird like you're aware, like I have no idea what they're talking about. But like it doesn't take you out of the show to not know. Yeah, and the nice thing is you can just like pause it, go to Google, look it up. Right. Like, oh, that's what they're talking about. <laughs> so um the way this is what I would say in terms of um people who do want to get into the show, if you kind of fallen off the show, um I'd say in season one, like, don't start all the way at the beginning in season one. Like, those are great episodes, but I'd say, you know what, start, like, the last two episodes of season one. This is when that kind of world building starts. I feel like, and they've even said um, in interviews and things, they're like, that's kind of where they feel like the Venture Brothers, like, as the show you, as 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 you know it. The show as it is, that's where it actually starts. Hmm. The last, so I would say start with the last two episodes of season one, and then, you know, you'll work your way through. Nice. Yeah, I gotta start watching this. I got fucking Hulu, and it's it's on my list, but I just need to start watching it. Yeah, it's good. it's great. But yeah, start with uh, yeah the last two episodes. The, oh, I'm a com- trial of the monarch would be that one. Yeah. I'm a completist. I'll start from episode one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that's I, you know I think you hit the nail on the head, June. I mean, I watched the first two seasons, but it's just like when they take those big multiple year gaps between seasons it becomes like something you don't think about anymore and it's easy to just you know leave it by the wayside with so much other tv on these days oh yeah so yeah, that's my uh that's my good pop oh one other thing and then so that's my big my main uh good pop bad pop thing uh, the other one just really want to quickly throw out there um so i have surprised myself and i have actually kept up with castle rock um, I didn't think I would, but I did, and I'm glad I did for the most recent episode. Okay, because I haven't watched the most recent episode. Okay, I'm just going to say it's a Tupperware, but okay. um, that's just kind of all I wanted. Just, just For some people, if you're kind of like, uh, I don't know, because I kind of felt like, yeah. I don't know if I want to continue watching this. Yep. It's worth it for the most recent episode. All right, I'll jump back on, because like, I literally was like, the whole thing was just a taste it for me, and I was getting bored with it, and I was just like, I... I I think I'm kind of done with this show. Like, there's other stuff that's on. I'd watched five episodes, and I'm like, yeah, this just isn't doing it for me. So I'll watch the next one, and hopefully it'll suck me in. Yeah, it'll be the one. It'll be, like, very um, Sissy Spacek. It's that, that's her episode, and she's great in it. I love her. She's she's really good. 
So then, yeah, this, but that, yeah, just for that episode, it's great. So, uh, real quick, so that's what you got this week. Um, yeah, and then rich crazy Asians, or crazy rich Asians as they call crazy it. rich Asians. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I watched it too. Like um, pop leftover culture. Pop, pop leftover. Culture. <laughs> PLC. Oh wow! This is a, welcome to dyslexia. Um, let's see here. Crazy Rich Asians. The story follows Rachel Chu, an American-born Chinese economics professor who travels to her boyfriend Nick's hometown of Singapore for his best friend's wedding. Before long, his secret is out. Nick is from a family that is impossibly wealthy. He perhaps he's perhaps the most eligible bachelor in Asia, and every single woman in his ultra rarefied social class is incredibly jealous of Rachel and wants to bring her down. Uh, this is uh, directed by John M. Chu, uh, who honestly, in my opinion, has not had the best kind of like record for good movies. In my opinion, he directed GI Joe Retaliation. Um, now you see me too. Step up to the streets. Um, <laughs> Ouch! And uh, Justin Bieber, <laughs> never say never. Nah, at least he's got one hit. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's what you call it. Um, this stars uh, Constance Wu as Rachel Chu, Henry Golding as Nick Young, Michelle Yeoh as Eleanor Young, Gemma Chan. Uh, I love Gemma Chan. I'm a big fan of Humans, and it was nice to see her in this. She plays Astrid. Um, Lisa Liu is Ama, and then Aquafina um, is in this as well, uh, coming off of uh, Ocean's 8 here. Um, what did you think, Jim? Um, so this is a Tupperware. I was super excited for this movie because, and I think one of the main things, if you read any articles about this movie, this is the first movie in 25 years, a first Hollywood movie in 25 years to have a predominantly Asian cast. The last one was Joy Luck Club in 1993 and then before that was flower drum song in 61 like you don't have holly mainstream hollywood films with predominantly asian actors and so this i was super excited for this and before people try to say well of course you loved it because you're asian american i don't love everything that has an all asian cast like constance Wu, she's um she's on that show fresh off the boat on ABC. Yeah, yeah. I, I've watched a, like an episode or two and I just, I haven't been able to get into it. I mean, that's an all Asian cast. Um, I just haven't really been able to get into it. So just because this movie has a bunch of Asians and it doesn't mean that I'm automatically going to love it. Cause I think I've had some people sort of point that out like you're biased. And I'm like, that's not really fair, but <laughs> yeah, I, that's I can a be great excited point. about it. Like I'm excited about it. And here's the thing. I, yeah, I mean, I, I was, and the thing is, I'm excited that fresh off the boat, you have, this is a sitcom on a, you know, an ABC, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm, and it's it got is. an all Asian cast, like I'm excited that that exists, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but, you know, this was a Tupperware just because of, it's a romantic comedy, but there were so many things, there were like layers underneath the core, I guess the bones of this romantic comedy story that as an Asian American, as, as a parent, you know, of immigrants, like, it, I mean, as a child of immigrant parents like you there's just certain things that sort of really hit home with me that i can get into a little bit later but um i did want to hear what you thought ryan i absolutely loved this movie it was so charming and so fun um everything in this movie is just so amazing this uh when they travel to singapore it's beautiful there it's absolutely gorgeous uh some of the things that i thought is just like how 
clean the streets are, how beautiful the city looks. And then I was like, Jake, do you remember, was it Singapore? Was that where that um, yes. that American kid got caned? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. I, I know that thanks to the Simpsons because they visit there. Yeah, I was like, I, back in, uh, I think it was like 93, 94, 95, I can't remember, but like an American kid went over there. Didn't he, uh, wasn't he doing graffiti over there? Yeah, yeah was it on a, I forget what he did. It was some form of vandalism, though. Yeah, I think it was like, uh, graffiti, and then, and then he got caught, and then they were gonna cane him, so they take like a bamboo cane, and they, it takes chunks out of your ass, they like hit you so fucking hard. That it takes yeah, they, they did it, right? They well, yeah, yeah. They, I think the U.S. talked them down from, like, five caning swats down to, like, two or something like that or three. Okay. But, like, uh, yeah, he was, like, over there. I think he was, like, doing graffiti, like, you know, like he was Banksy or some shit. And then, <laughs> and then it turns into Spanksy when they fucking swat his oh. ass. But, yeah, that was a real thing. But, like. In all honesty, Singapore was absolutely beautiful in this movie. I loved, I, I really loved how they just kind of like, um, uh, showed you scenes of the culture there. I loved it when they went to like the, um, the area where people were just, there were street cooks and, uh, you know, like, um, street vendors like making like different types of food and they were ordering all this food. It really made me kind of like want to like take like an, Anthony Bourdain type of like pilgr- pilgrimage over to like Singapore and like eat some of this food. You just don't get this oh, stuff yeah. here. Like the closest eat before you go to this movie because of the food yeah, looks amazing. Like don't go on an empty stomach because you're gonna be like your what, mouth will be drooling. The what, food looked amazing. Well, see what's bullshit about this is it's like as soon as I get done with the movie, it's like where can I? Oh, I can go to Panda fucking Express and get some orange chicken. Fuck off. Like, <laughs> I, I literally wanted to drive the champagne. Champagne is like, it's got a uh, champagne. Uh, the U of I has a very, um, uh, a high, uh, a lot of, uh, Asian students are there. A lot of, uh, Chinese students come over and, and, uh, take classes there at the U of I. So there's a lot of like, um, restaurants there that are uh, a lot of Chinese restaurants and stuff like that. So like when I worked in Champagne, I would actually go to a lot of them and I'd get, you know, authentic, you know, Chinese cuisine. It was really awesome. Um, and not expensive. It's just, it's just really good food and not expensive. So. I was like, as soon as I'm watching that, I'm like, oh my god, this food looks fucking amazing. Everything they're eating just looks so incredible. And like these desserts, I like how she called that one dessert, like it looks like kind of vomity. I was dying. Yes! <laughs> and it did, but like on the flip side, you know, everything there like looked very tasty. So, um, the cast is absolutely phenomenal in this movie. I, Aquafina had me laughing out loud at so many parts in this film. She is so good in this movie. I, she's, yeah, she, She's got a very different kind of comedy. A great comedic timing, but it's very yeah. different. It's unique. She's yeah. unique. She's very unique. And I loved uh, what was the part where they, where they pull up and they go to Nick's house. Nick's house in Singapore. And it's this beautiful house. It's an amazing mansion. And he's trying to, you know, invite Aquafina, her friend, to stay and, you know, enjoy, you know, the night's festivities. And, and she's like, oh, no, no, I, I don't want to impose. And he, he asks again. She's like, oh, no, no, I don't want to pose. And, 
And then he asked one more time. She's like, all right, all right, I'll, I'll fucking go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I lost my shit. I lost my shit. This was, the cast was absolutely great. Uh, um, Constance Wu is just so charming. I loved her She's in so this. She's so cute. She's and adorable. I was so happy to see Gemma Chan in this because I'm a, this movie would not have, and, and like, she's got this side story, June, and I cared about it. I, oh, I really did care about yeah. it. And, um, and I like how they, tr- she, tr- the character treated this side story. Yes, yes. I, um, what else? Um, I, God, I'm just, trying to think everything that I really wanted to say about this movie. It is definitely, I will say, it's in my top five of rom-coms of all time after one viewing. Wow. And I'm putting it up there, for me, with rom-coms. I'm putting it up there with, like, my number one of all time is When Harry Met Sally. Um, Number two is probably... Forget Paris, another Billy Crystal rom-com. I love that one. I love that one. Uh, Number three is going to be Clueless. And this could slide into the three slot. This is definitely number four. This is so good. This is a great rom-com. I loved everything about it. I loved being introduced to kind of like the, the movie. It, 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 it basically lets you know how, um, how a, uh, a Chinese mother is very, uh, involved in their children's lives, but it doesn't really like beat you over the head with that. It just kind of comes out organically within the story. And it, and and I think it's even a good way for just like a, a white male American like myself to just kind of like understand like this is part of that culture. And um, and I just, I love the settings. I love, the bachelor party was incredible when they when they went on that like, that uh, that boat. Yes, I, the I was, barge, the yeah, party barge. Yeah, the party barge. And then it was like an international water so like anything went or whatever and and the way that they treated her in this, in this, it made me also want to play that game Mahjong or whatever the fuck they were playing at the end. Oh, yeah. oh I love I've that never, game. I've, I've never, never played, played it. it. I've never, have you played it, Joan? No, I've never played it, but um, I think that scene was shot so well. Like you knew, oh. you didn't need to know what little, what the character on the tile meant, but you just, the way that they yeah. shot that scene, you didn't, you didn't have to know the game of Mahjong, like no. the dialogue between the characters set up the tension mm-hmm. like, perfectly I think and the game just sort of enhanced it the movie has like probably like the best one of the best as far as like grabbing you from the get go like the first five minutes of this movie just kind of like suck you in immediately like it oh yeah so I Tupperware I, I, I think this movie is absolutely fantastic I, I thought it was great and um, I you know I want you to talk about it a little bit more June but it sounds like it's going to get a sequel here. It it it, you know, it, yeah. it it's based on three books, a trilogy of books. Yes. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like we haven't even been introduced to the fathers. You know, the grandfather. Right. And, yeah. So um, th- you know, the reason why this show that, like, I mean, this show, this movie, because the thing is, it it is it is a romantic comedy. Like, it, it does it does not deconstruct. The tropes. There's no reimagining of those tropes. I mean, this is a straight up romantic comedy. In fact, it's predictable. You know exactly. I mean, watching the trailer, you're like, you know exactly how this movie's going to pan out. But it, it, that doesn't matter. Um, I think the reason why you put this story, like the story, is something that everyone knows. Yeah. And I think that's so smart to try to do something. To, you know, you want to have this to have the opportunity for more Asian actors to get bigger roles. And if this is something where you want to kind of break those doors down, 
I think using the romantic comedy is a very smart genre to do that because everybody knows the story. You all, you have girl or guy, you know, dates or meets, you know, someone else. And that person is rich, comes from a great family. And that family is approving of the new girl for a new boyfriend. Like we know this story. Like this is a story that has been told again and again, but that scene, and this is not spoiling anything because it's in the trailer. Um, Michelle Yeoh tells Constant Wu, you will never be good enough for my son, for my family. Mm. Um, that, I mean, we've seen, and you've seen this scene yeah. in plenty of TV and shows and movies and whatnot. But for me, and then, and then this was the point of that scene, though, it points out that just because Constant Wu is Asian doesn't mean that she shares and, you know, and Michelle Yeoh is Asian, just because you have the same ethnicity doesn't mean you share the same culture. And that scene really does show that like she is considered more American than she is Asian. Mm -hmm. And for me being first generation Korean American, it really does. I remember like that scene was very emotional for me because as an Asian American, like here in America, like I don't really belong here because I look different. Clearly I'm ethnic. Clearly, um, I come, my parents come from somewhere else, even though I was born and raised here. The thing is, I am, I'm not considered, I don't really belong in Korea either because I was raised here in America and they can sense it. Like they can sniff it out. Like it's immediate. And my family, like my family members, like they, they view me more as an American than as a Korean. Mm Mm-hmm. So you do as so then like for Asian American immigrant like um like kids of um Asian American immigrants you you have you don't really belong anywhere and it's a weird and it's weird and it's an experience that's pretty unique to this group of people so that one scene just sort of said a lot uh, and I'm and, and so I think that was and I was hoping you know and, and it kind of opens people's eyes to how I guess these relationships work so. I know I love this movie. It um, it hit home like a lot of points kind of hit home with me. So yeah, it's but yeah, it's a pretty incredible film, and it's it's really funny. Um, there's I'll be honest with you, there's parts where like I'm getting I'm tearing up, you know, especially at the end. Oh oh yeah. You know, I've got a, I've got a friend who uh, she's from. She was born in South Korea, and her parents are white. They adopted her, and then she flew over here. But she's lived in America like all of her life, and. You know, she's, her name's, the only thing that, like, it's, she's American through and through, except for, of course, the, you know, she, she, she's Korean, she looks Korean, and her name's Su Jin, mm-hmm. and that's it. <clears throat> but everything else about Su Jin is just, like, American. Like, she can't speak Korean, you know? So, uh, and she, Oh, yeah, I can't speak Korean either, right? Um, and because I, I was born and raised in Georgia, like, mm-hmm. not, like, not even suburb of Landro. I grew up in, like, BFE Georgia, like redneck Georgia. Like, and so there, it's hard to teach and it's really hard to teach, you know, your kid to raise them to be bilingual when you don't have anyone else speaking that language around. Like had I grown up in Atlanta, I think it would have been different. There's a huge Korean population in Atlanta. Do you know Koreans and like where I'm from? Like, yeah. (laughs) Do you feel like you're judged from both sides? Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Like, it's it's crazy. Like if we go, um, like there are times where like I'll meet my parents in Atlanta for dinner or lunch or something at one of the Korean restaurants, and if I get there first, like they all treat me like I am less than. 
Wow. Because they're like, you are Korean, but not really. You are, you're Western. Mm. You, you've been Westernized. Wow. And so, yeah. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, uh, my friend Sujin, her parents like come from like German descent, so she's got a. She took their last name. It's a German last name. I mean, it's. But you know, she doesn't really have to. I don't know. I've never really talked to her about that. You know, so I, I was. Mm-hmm. That's why I was asking you. I was kind of curious. But. Yeah, I mean, I get it from both sides, and and that's why I appreciate this movie though, because they point out like. Because it's not like he brought home, like, a white girl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, a lot of people, I think a lot of people probably would have thought, like, why, I mean, shouldn't they be happy? Like, she's Chinese. Like, (laughs) you know, he he didn't bring home a black girl, a white girl. I mean, you know, but that it's still because she's American. Yeah, I felt like, uh, like, looking at different classes, and it's not like she didn't come from... It's not like she she wasn't in a good place. I mean, she was a she was an economics professor for crying out right. loud at NYU. So it's mm-hmm. not like it's just. But she doesn't come from money, and she doesn't. You know, I was kind of blown away by her like uh, his family history, how they had in the eighteen hundreds went from China to Singapore, and kind of like were the first Chinese to set up like uh all this land development and stuff like that and i'm like wow for like over two centuries now this family has basically kind of like dominated you know land development in singapore they're loaded uh, and did you think i like the it was interesting when you because aquafina is her best friend and the thing is when you roll up to and you see her house first before yeah, you see yeah Weimers, that's a fucking big mansion yeah, like yeah. crazy but like they are still like they're not like on the same level. Exactly. So then you're like, cause, cause when she says, um, when Cosmo says the boyfriend's name, everyone stops and everyone's like, whoa. And <laughs> I think Huckabee's like, oh no, you're not wearing that. You are and, in, like, what's weird about this movie too is like the, the, the mother ends up becoming like kind of like a villain throughout the film. But in the first five minutes, you end up loving her for what she does at the, ho- yeah. at the hotel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of a character turn then? No, it's, 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 she's still the same person. It's all about being protective of her family. It's just like when that kind of like protection actually kind of like hurts your kids and what your kids want because she doesn't want her son to be with this, you know, this woman, um, the same kind of love and protection that she gave them when they were children. It actually like later on down the road ends up like affecting them. So. Oh, that's really smart then to kind of show it one way and then show kind of the actuality of it. We, I, we've got to get a sequel to this because I feel like there's still a lot of unanswered questions and I want to see, I, I, I want to see the wedding. The wedding in this movie is absolutely beautiful. Oh my, oh my God. God it's crazy. It wow. was insane. Yes. It was insane. A, it was like the, oh my God. I, I, yeah, just watch this movie. Um, the, the party at the end with the, with the three, uh, skyscrapers and then there's like a, a like a kind of like a big cruise ship on top. That was insane. Like, is that a that real is, thing? I think so. And, uh, and then what, and then you have, um, what's playing dur- over that end scene is, um, 
a Cantonese version of Coldplay's Yellow. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that because I knew the tune. I was like, oh, my God. Did it not? It took me a while. I was like, what is this? Yeah. I was like, oh, it's Coldplay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I loved it when they, they, when they started when they started dressing her uh, up. Uh, when I love the the fashion guy, he was fucking hilarious. Oh, oh my god, god he, was he was so funny. Um, but when they're dressing her up and they start playing Madonna's Material Girl, <laughs> oh, the Cantonese version the of Cantonese it. Cantonese yeah. version, um, yeah. And the crazy thing about that's why, like, that's why like, this movie, it, yeah, like again, it is. I mean, it it stares those tropes of romantic comedy right there. I mean, you do you have a scene. Um, a montage set to pop music of a fashion, you know, where a girl tries on different outfits with yeah. her best friend and a gay guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's been used. I mean, this, I mean, really, this was like rom-com bingo. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like kind of like you hit all the points, like all the steps, but it doesn't make it any less of a movie for that. I mean, it is a great romantic comedy with an added layer to it. Um, I just, the Michelle Yeoh is, she's, fucking royalty she like when you first meet her and she when she meets constance and she's so passive aggressive like that's like that's my mother Hmm. um no but but, see my mom is a little bit and i have no by the way my parents will never listen to this because they don't know what a podcast is but um, (laughs) (laughs) they they don't understand like they don't understand yeah she like that's so my mother except my mom adds a layer of sugary sweetness on top of it. So if you don't know her, you think she's the sweetest woman ever. So like the passive aggressiveness, like you don't hear the veiled, like kind of undercut, like the undercutting and sort of like these things that she's saying that are not the backhanded compliments. Like you don't realize mm-hmm. them until like later. It's, it's almost like it's like a little bomb that it gets put in your brain, and then oh, like five God. days later, yeah. it, you're, like, you're like, you're like, wait, wait, that wasn't a compliment. At all. <laughs> wait like, a second, so son people. of a bitch. <laughs> yes, that's, that's my a special husband. skill. Like when he met my mom, because like every time we go see my parents, like I kind of freak out because they're just I love them, but they're a lot. They're that they're a lot, and uh, so. He didn't understand when he met them. He's like, your mom is so sweet. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, he go, he called me. I was at work and he was like, oh, my God, that wasn't a compliment, like what she said. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, even, like, when she sees her son, like, uh, the first thing she says to her own son is she's like, you look tired. Like, you've been traveling all the time. Like, yeah, you haven't seen your son in how long? And that's the first thing you say to him. Yeah, guess what? I'm We're seeing my parents this weekend and I... My mom, ha- the first thing is some kind of criticism. She will say something about my hair, my weight, or my clothes. Wow. Like, it, it's going to be one of the three. And so my husband and I take bets on, like, which one this time. <laughs> That's hilarious. And, then, and when it's clothes, sometimes, like, she'll criticize my clothes, and I'm like, you bought this for me. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, this movie, I was like, yep, I, I totally get how all of this works. This, it was a great movie. It really was. And I, 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 uh, I hope that we do get that sequel. It did quite well in the, uh, in the box office. Uh, 35.3 million, I think, that first weekend. So, um, I think we are going to get a sequel. I, I thought, Brian, I want to get your thought on something. Uh, Henry Golding, um, the, the main guy, like he, he, he's, he's a leading man. He's a good looking guy. Yes. Um, if, to, for me, and I heard somebody throw this out there, I thought that, that would be a great idea. If 
Idris Elba doesn't want to do James if he doesn't he's, if he's not the next James Bond. This guy. Oh my gosh! Like, and he's got that beautiful British accent. Yeah, I yeah. mean, <laughs> I, I'm like because I think this guy's shown, and he's not even this guy's a host of a travel show on like Discovery Channel on like BBC. Yeah. Like he's not even really an actor. I he could host travel shows. So um, that's crazy. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's wild. I I could definitely see it. He did a he did a fine job. It's he's gonna have his work cut out for him though, because like Henry Cavill's after it, you know. And I mean, it's there's yeah. a lot of people. At, but the I could definitely movie see he's it. Though he's in Paul um, Paul Feig's next movie. Oh, that yes, oh, he is the uh, horror one. Yeah, the, yes, the horror he plays film. Blake Lively's husband. Yeah, that's right. I, I they showed the, that trailer before this movie uh, this week. Um, what was I can't remember the name of it. Me neither. Uh, me neither. It's driving me crazy. Have I got you, it right here. Uh, a simple favor. A simple favor. There you go. Yeah. Have you seen the trailer for the new um, Amazon Studios film with Oscar Isaac in it? And uh, it's Oscar <laughs> Isaac and uh, I'm trying to think who the other woman is, but it's called Life Itself. No. It looks Mm-mm. it looks fantastic. His Antonio Banderas is in it. What's weird is like every scene that you see him in. Him and this leading woman, like their hairstyles change, their look changes. So I'm like wondering, like, what's going on here? There's at one point in it where, like, what's this? Okay, this is weird. You see Oscar Isaac and his hair. He's wearing like a a gold hoop earring, and his hair's back, kind of like '90s Antonio Banderas when he was doing the Desperado films. Okay. And I was thinking to myself, oh my god, he looks like '90s Antonio Banderas from the Desperado film. The next thing you know, they show like. Actually, Antonio Banderas himself is cast in this movie. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> huh? It was so weird, but everybody's hairstyle changes from scene to scene to scene. It looks kind of like a bizarre romance slash... I, I don't even know how to describe this movie. It's called Life Itself. You have to watch the trailer to this one. It is so bizarre. Okay. I don't know what's going on in the movie, but it's an Amazon Studios... But yeah, I loved, I absolutely loved Crazy Rich Asians. This was a great movie. It was so much fun. And my audience, it felt like they, like, I think my audience was made up of pretty much all Caucasian. So I was just like, wow, I, I didn't see any Asians in there. So it's crazy. This, it's, it's kind of like, uh, kind of, it's kind of a hit and it doesn't matter what background or what ethnicity you are. People are watching this one. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, well, Hopefully it won't be another 25 years before they do this again, right? Hopefully they right. learn their lesson this time that this is something that well, audiences yeah. if will you make a movie, you. If you make a movie called The Great Wall, you don't have to cast Matt Damon. You don't have to cast <laughs> Scarlett Johansson to play every, you know, Asian character that should be, you know, every anime character that should be Asian should not be right. Scarlett Johansson. So Yeah, exactly. No, this so. movie has shown that, like, Asian actresses and actors they can be leading men and women easily like there is no reason why you don't you know why there's there's no reason to not cast asians in your movies well yeah and i mean you know it's 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 uh this movie definitely proved that i feel like this year is actually mm-hmm. proof that you know with black panther coming out in february now crazy rich asians coming out in august that you know uh Hollywood, this sh- the money should talk, and and uh, you know people should take notice. So, yep. 
Uh, I watched uh, Magic for Humans. It's a new Netflix series. I don't know if they're going to have a second season or not, but this uh, it's a it's a magic show, um, kind of like the Carbonara effect on True TV. Uh, it stars Justin Willman, who I remembered actually. I was like, I have seen this guy before. So I went on IMDb. I'm like, where have I seen this Justin Willman guy? And he was the host of Cupcake Wars. Oh, and I used to. That was lo- a great show. Loved Cupcake Wars. I don't give a fuck. Judge me. Fuck you. <laughs> they make. I won't. That was great. <laughs> I loved Cupcake Wars. I loved those little baking shows. Anyway, um, he was the host of, of that. I, I, I kind of remember not liking him on that one. Though. I thought he was kind of a dick sometimes, but. I absolutely, I loved him on this show. He, he's a, he's a really damn good magician. It's called Magic for Humans. Um, he does some really, each episode feels like it has its own theme. He had one that was on like love, one that was on guilt. Um, and, uh, each episode has its own theme and he's got tricks to go along with that. He, he did this levitation trick where he was actually like doing like the magician's levitation where it looks like the people are actually levitating. And but the people had VR goggles on, and so he told them that they're going to feel like they're levitating while wearing the VR goggles. And you actually see him wearing the VR goggles and levitating, and then them coming down. And he asks them what it was like. Did it feel like they were floating? And he and they were like, Oh no! It, on a scale of like you know uh, zero to a hundred percent, and like some people were like uh, twenty, some people were like forty, you know, and like it, they're they're literally levitating. So. Um, it's fun when he works with kids in this one. He did this marshmallow trick that was pretty funny. Uh, he did this social experiment with these really small kids where they were given a plate that had a marshmallow on it. And he told these little kids, like, if you can wait 10 minutes and not eat this first marshmallow, we're going to give you a second marshmallow. You'll get two marshmallows if you just wait. And so they were also given a cup. And they could put the cup over the marshmallow if they didn't want to be tempted. They didn't have to look at the damn thing. And so, like, as soon as they put the cup on the marshmallow, it made the marshmallow disappear. And so when he comes back into the room and he lifts up the, cu- uh, lifts up the cup, the marshmallow's gone. And the kids are freaking out because they, <laughs> they know they didn't need it, but the marshmallow's not there. So he's, like, led to believe that they ate it. And the, oh. he brought this one kid to tears. The, t- the kid was crying. <laughs> and um, he did this invisibility trick where, like, he actually made the people that were – he he actually made, like, somebody disappear. And then, like, another person in a chair, he made them think that they disappeared. So, like, all the people were in on the gag. And so, like, they're actually there, of course. And, like, when they pick up, like, a bottle, it, you know, other people react to it like, oh, my God, that bottle's floating. And this one guy's literally freaking out because nobody can hear him or see him. And he's worried because Justin leaves. He takes a phone call, like an emergency phone call and leaves. This guy's worried that he's going to be stuck invisible. <laughs> so it's really funny. It's called uh, Magic for Humans with Justin Willman. And it's uh, a very charming and fun comedy show. Uh, Tim Heidecker from Tim and Eric's Awesome Show, Great Job is an executive producer on this one, which I oh, that that makes sense. Was kind of yes. yeah. <laughs> uh, last thing that I want to talk about in Good Pop Bad Pop is a show on Hulu. It's a four episode mini series, and it's gonna it just it, they dropped off four episodes on Hulu this week, and it's called Safe Harbor, and uh, on a yachting holiday from Darwin to Indonesia. 
five Australians come across a broken down fishing boat full of desperate asylum seekers. The Australians decide to help towing the refugees. But when they wake the next morning, the fishing boat is gone. Five years later, they meet some of the refugees again and learn the truth. Someone cut the rope between the two boats. And as a result, seven people died. The revelation. Wow, that, that sounds good. This is really good. The revelation drives a wedge of mistrust between the Australians as they grapple with protecting themselves and doing the right thing. The refugees struggle with their desire for justice and possibly revenge. Old secrets come to light. Relationships are shattered and lives are put in danger. And one questions, one question hangs over it all. Who cut the rope? Um, I am only two episodes in on this four episode miniseries. It's basically the show that bounces back and forth between 2013 when they first met the refugees to five years later when they finally meet up with them again. So like there's these mysteries from, that the past is kind of like slowly revealing to you, the audience, as you watch both of these timelines unfold. And the question still remains two episodes in, who cut the rope? And like, it's, uh, it's one of those things like now there's an investigation because like, I guess, I guess kind of like break maritime law when you, you're supposed to help people and rescue them. So like seven people died because of this and, and, um, it's crazy. Yeah, what they say is, um, cause I watched, I watched the first three episodes. Oh, you watched the first three. Nice. It's, yeah, I got into the three. Cause actually I couldn't stop watching. Like I had to know what happened. You know what's funny is like I saw that you posted, um, you, I saw that you posted that you were going to talk about this show. And you know, so I just, it was on Hulu and I hit, I, I went in cold, completely cold. I didn't read a synopsis. I had no idea what this was about. Yeah. So the show starts and I'm kind of like, oh, like there's, uh, you know, Australians on a boat. They're on a yacht. Like, and then, you know, I didn't. And the minute I see the refugee boat, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be an interesting show." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's heartbreaking. And the crazy thing is too, like you're. And they do say, like, the lawyer kind of explained to them, like, there is a duty, like, especially like once they decided to try to tow them in, there is a duty to ensure the safety mm-hmm. of them. Um, but there is like, yeah, there's international maritime law and also Australia itself yeah. has um, their own laws in terms of almost not necessarily good Samaritan laws, but what you do in a situation like that. But and that, yeah. And what's crazy is like the, this whole time, like you're wondering, did the refugees cut the rope? I know. Or do the Australians? <sighs> because, because the refugees they're they're trying to escape Indonesia. And there's a point where I guess, they, the Australians, they turn the boat, or it looks like they're going to turn the boat. It looks like they're going to take them back to Indonesia. So they think that the refugees cut the rope. Mm-hmm. They think because they're like, we don't want to go back. We're le- we're trying to leave there. If we go back, we're all dead. We're trying to escape. So then, yeah, and so that, yeah, you don't know. So it's not even just like which of the Australians cut the rope. It's like. Could one of the refugees done it? I know, and that's what's like, uh, I can't wait to finish this. And like, there was a huge bombshell that had nothing to do with, a huge bombshell at the end of episode two. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I was just like, holy fucking shit. I, it's called, yeah, it's Safe Harbor on Hulu. If you have Hulu, I, I, this originally released, it was like an Aussie Screens production, so it originally released in Australia, and it looks like Hulu 
just got the rights to this and then dropped all four episodes, I think, like on Thursday or Friday. And they sent, I love Hulu for sending me the email about this. So then I, I watched the, the first 30 seconds of the trailer and I'm like, yeah, this is something I gotta watch. This looks really good. <laughs> and, uh, so far it's not let me down. What I'm gonna give the fr- it's gotta stick the landing, but two episodes in, I'm giving it a Tupperware. Uh, it, that, that could yeah, be affected by too. the, by the end. Okay. So you're three in. And it's a Tupperware mm-hmm. for you as well. This is, uh, it's very engaging and just, I mean, you know, if I had, I, if I would have had more time today, I would have, oh, I, I watched that other movie that you told me to watch that, um, To All the Boys I Loved Before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very charming. It had the actress that played Jubilee in the newest, uh, X-Men movies. I really liked it. Yes. It was a, it was a cute movie. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. No, but with Safe Harbor, though, you know what I appreciate about the show, though, is like, it, it has to do with refugees. Like, they're trying, they're seeing asylum. Yes. In Australia. And, the one thing that I really do appreciate about the series, though, is like the argument is the story is about what happened between these between this group of people about that one night. This is not and, it, and it's not what I'm really happy is like no one on the show yet has been like, well, we don't need RPGs in our country. And I'm really happy that that's not where this show has gone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I'm so yeah. happy that you don't have somebody being like, well, you know, we're basically just allowing much terrorists to like, yeah. you know, roam around our country. I'm glad that that has not been the point of the show. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's the whole issue of like the vote that they took before they decided to do this as well. Right. Like that's been like a big thing about this. I'm, uh, but, it, but they don't argue like, it's, but no one ever says like, Oh, you know, do we even really need right. these like, influx of illegals coming into our country like i'm glad that that's not the point and because i think the show it it puts it sheds a light on the refugee crisis mm-hmm. but without getting political yeah that, and i think it's yeah. effective i think that's so much more effective about showing what these people go through you yeah know? you don't alienate your audience by right. you know doing some political viewpoint you know it's mm-hmm. right yeah, it's a tough line to balance, but when you can, it definitely makes your your show more accessible. I'm worried about the yeah. children that are involved in this too. I don't know where that's going. They oh, kinda, the daughter and the son. Yes, yeah. yes, I'm worried about that. Yeah, I guys, if you got Hulu, watch Safe Harbor. It's going to be four hours of your life, and I think you'll really enjoy it. So far, two episodes in, three episodes in for you. You've really enjoyed it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, wow. Let's take a quick break. That's uh, anything else for good pop, bad pop? No. All right, because we're gonna we're gonna move into news, but we're gonna take a quick break first. back and it is now time for the pop culture leftovers news news 
It's gangster as fuck, yo. Ah, before we jump into the news here, real quick, I uh, <laughs> I took uh, melatonin for the first time to fall asleep. Going back to work has been kind of like uh, you know I, I was out for like six and a half, seven months, and so I would stay up later and later and later each night. You know how that goes, Jake? Yes. Yeah. And so with my job, I gotta wake up at five thirty. I got I got a tablet. I gotta check and see what appointments I got that day. I could have an appointment at eight o'clock. I could have an appointment at five o'clock uh p.m. It doesn't, you know, it's just crazy. So I gotta wake up though every morning at five thirty in the morning around that time to check and see what jobs I have. And so I, my schedule is like crazy. So it's like I've never I've taken sleeping aids in the past. I didn't want to do like a like a like a drug, like a sleeping aid to knock me out, you know. So I was like, I'll try this melatonin stuff. So I tried melatonin, took three melatonin, and uh, I slept like because like one night I sl- I slept for like two and a half hours and I had to wake up at like five. I was like, fuck! I was like dragging ass the next day. So I was like, I'm not doing that again. Got the melatonin, took it. Slept like a goddamn baby. Slept like a fucking baby all night, man. It was amazing. <laughs> so, so you're liking it? I'm loving the melatonin. I'm down. Oh, it gives me weird dreams. Like I tried taking melatonin, like a natural, like sleep aid. Mm-hmm. Because you know, Ambien. I mean, they say like Ambien stuff is not addictive. I, I only take that when I absolutely have to. But um, like when I travel for work and stuff, I it's hard for me to sleep in a new place, like in a hotel. Like yeah. Like one of those people, like when I when I travel, like sleeping just makes it so much harder for me. And so one time I tried melatonin, I had really I had like the most fucked up dreams. Wow! <laughs> like just weird, like not even like they were nightmares. It was just weird, like really like almost psychedelic dreams. Hold on, let me ask you this question. Okay, here we go. Here's, <laughs> here's hold on, hold on. Not about <laughs> not about your dreams, but here it's dream related. Let's say, uh-huh, okay. You could have a hundred million dollars be set for the rest of your life. A hundred million dollars, but the catch is every night when you go to sleep, you have a horrific dream about dying in a plane crash. And like that dream could last anywhere from like a minute to all night. It's just random. It's just randomly chosen. So like when you wake up literally in fear every fucking day. Okay, so it's gonna affect it's gonna affect everything in your life. Like you will not be able to travel by a plane because like this is like something that you deal with nightly. So you're never gonna be able to go onto a plane ever, and you are just constantly living in fear. Um, you, you like anytime you see like a like an airline commercial, you freak the fuck out. You're like you you turn into like like Rambo PTSD bullshit. Like oh my god, it's a fucking Southwest Airlines commercial. Ah! <laughs> so like, but you got a hundred million dollars, right? So you can like, I mean, but the only thing you can buy everything, but you can't buy a goddamn great night's sleep without having this dream. Exactly. Would you do yeah, it? I don't, I don't think I, I would do it. No. I don't think I, I would not take the money because, yeah, sleep is so – a lot of people don't realize like, how important sleep is. Mm-hmm. Like sleep is actually – sleep is so important. And like not being – I mean if you – to never have a an actual night's sleep, you would go crazy. Like not – I mean <laughs> your, the, your, fun, your actual like functionality like in life would just fail. Hundred million, hundred million. Wouldn't be able to do anything. It's a hundred million, though. You're turning it down so you can sleep. You do not go crazy and not live in a nightmare. I know. I'm with you. I, I would. I would. Uh, you know. Fuck it. I take it. I take the money. Let's do it. Let's do it. 
Uh, can't be any worse than life I'm living. I was living slightly right now. waiting for that. I mean, it can't mm-hmm. be any worse than life I'm living right now. So yeah, let's do this. All right, guys. Uh, wanted to talk about a couple of new trailers that came out. Uh, first one is the, the Deuce season two trailer come out. I, Jake, I know you're not watching the Deuce. Did you watch the Deuce season one? June? I've seen the trailer a bunch of times though, cause uh, you know, it's before every HBO show. Oh I watch. yeah, yeah. June, did you watch the Deuce season one? No, I haven't. My husband watched it though. He liked it. Oh, it's fantastic. It was my favorite show of last year. It, it won the Tuppy for best TV series for me last year. I loved it. Uh, the Deuce with Maggie Gyllenhaal, James Franco. Uh, the show depicts the seedy underground of the lives of pimps and hookers in 70s, uh, 70s New York City. And it's on HBO. Uh, it's not everyone's cup of tea watching this kind of show that deals with drugs, uh, pimps, hookers, and porn. Um, it's one of the few shows on TV where the word blow can mean two different things, but it can still be, yeah. it can still be used in the same scene. You know, so somebody, somebody could be blowing somebody, yeah. but also, you know, blowing some cocaine. It's crazy. Um, David Simon, uh, is one of the writers and creators of The Wire, and he's one of the creators on this show. And, um, you know, I mentioned James Franco and Maggie Gyllenhaal being in the show, but the show also stars Emily Mead from The Leftovers. She played Amy. Uh, Gary Carr from Downton Abbey's in this. M- uh, Mustafa Shakir from Luke Cage. He played the Bushmaster. Uh, Method Man is in this show and he plays a pimp. He's great. Uh, Ralph Macchio. You know, fucking Karate Kid's a police officer in this. And this next season, it looks great. It's jumping five years ahead. And now uh, Hall's character of Candy is now directing porn. And uh, Franco is back. He's playing the twins, Vincent and Frankie. He plays twins in this. He plays two roles. Um, so this next season is really going to get into the criminal element that's uh, that was involved in the 70s New York City porn industry. Uh, looks fantastic. Season 2 premieres September 9th on HBO. Watch the first season if you haven't. It's absolutely fantastic. Have you guys seen the trailer for the Studio 54 documentary that's coming out in a couple months? I have not. It's, uh, I haven't either. There was the 54 movie that came out with Ryan Felipe and Nev Campbell yes. and Mike Myers that came out 20 years ago. Uh, which was I remember a that. Great Studio 54 movie. This was a... Uh, a nightclub that ran for 33 months before it was shut down. And it was only basically they only let, they, they had, they invited the people they wanted in. It was the, it was the nightclub for fucking rock stars, uh, Hollywood actors and just models and just beautiful people and interesting people. It was the only place that you could go where you could see like just anything and everything happening. There was orgies, drugs, and people were pretty much shut out. It was it was the the party place to go to back then. Oh, very hedonistic. Very like. hedonistic. <clears throat> There's a uh, Studio 54 documentary coming out, I believe, in October. It's in a couple months, and there's a lot of footage. I can't wait to see it. So looks really good. Oh, that, look, that, that sounds awesome. I can't – yeah. Uh, I'm a huge fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and I watched it from day one live when it was, uh, when it premiered on FX, and, um, we got the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia season 13 trailer, and it looks phenomenal. And, like, a few seasons ago, it was like Mac got fat, and now, like, Rob McElhenney, like, fucking got ripped for this season. <laughs> 
Like, that's not special effects. That's Rob McElhenney, and he's just jacked this season. And, like, they do address Dennis's absence for most of the season, and Rob McElhenney's character of Mac makes a Dennis doll with an open mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like uh. a it looks like a blowjob doll. And like last season, it was revealed that didn't Max Matt come out last season? Matt came out last season. I'm pretty I'm pretty fucking sure Matt came out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the case. Do you remember like Did, uh, you remember the exercise bike that he made with the dildo that goes up your ass? <laughs> As you bike on this exercise bike, there's a dildo that goes up and down on it. Oh my god, this show's not. Did, did he? Did he get ripped for the purpose of the season or did the season write this around him getting ripped for something else? Do you think like, you know what I'm saying? Jake, he got, he got fat for that one season and he got, I think he got, he might've got ripped for this season. I, you know, I don't, I, I mean, that's, I'm just kind of putting two and two together there. I mean, I got to hear McElhenney talk about this. I got to like the behind the scenes stuff with like the, commentary for like the the blu-ray or if like because McElhenney's good friends with michael rosenbaum and has showed up on his podcast before and it's 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 really cool to like just hear McElhenney and you know interviews talk about it so i i want it i want the inside story i don't know yet like the trailer literally just dropped i have no clue yeah i was really curious about that like it, it was just crazy you know because yeah. I, I i assumed it was not special effects you know and i was just wondering if it was like is he that much of a method actor or is it just, you know, happenstance? No, it's like he's the character is always talking about how jacked he is and all this stuff. And I feel like that's what this all comes from. <laughs> right? That's de- that's dedication. That's awesome. Uh also related to this story from THR, Rob McElhenney and Charlie Day score an Apple series order. So you know, we had Caitlin Olson. She did the Mick. It got canceled after two seasons. Fuck you, Fox, for canceling that show. It's the only one of the only things that I was watching on Fox. Love that show. The Mick was great. And then, of course, um, uh, what was the what's uh, the, the the new the new show with uh, Glenn Howerton that he was doing on NBC with Patton Oswalt, which I, I it got better. I really enjoyed it towards the end of the season. It was a uh, uh, the biochem what was it called what the fuck was that thing called oh shit it's dunzo too now though right i don't know if it got canceled or not i thought i thought that was part of the reason that he wasn't available bio ap bio i thought that was part of the reason that he wasn't available for that much of this season Hmm. on okay on it's always sunny but they are going to be doing an untitled series it's going to be their first collaboration since it's always sunny in philadelphia it's a straight to series comedy order for apple and so uh, McElhenney will star. It's described as a cutting-edge series that is set in a video game development studio and will explore the intricacies of the human condition through hilarious and innovative ways. So, yeah, uh, Charlie Day and Rob McElhenney are going to be doing a comedy on Apple. This honestly just sold me. This one show just sold me on an Apple subscription streaming service. I'm sorry. I love these guys. I absolutely love these guys. And this just sold me. This one fucking show sold me on an Apple subscription. Yeah, I wonder when Apple's going to start rolling that out, right? We've heard a lot of rumblings of a few different shows now. Is that something that's happening this year? Uh, it's been ordered straight to series. I would say that they're probably going to start filming this year. And who knows there's a lot that they I, I don't know when it'll be released the they have ordered um they've got an order for a series called Dickinson with Haley Steinfeld 
uh, half hour anthology Little America from the big sick duo Camille Nanjiani and Emily D. Gordon. Um, a lot of uh, bold choices from Apple. You think very intriguing. You think it? I'll say it, which uh, which is on hold. Oh, Kristen Wiig left that show. She was going to be on that show. J.J. Abrams' little voice has also been picked up by Apple. Um, Apple's working on a lot. They've got uh, what else? What other shows? They've got that uh, show with uh, Jennifer Aniston and um, Reese Witherspoon, where they play rival kind of like talk show hosts. Kind of like morning show hosts, you know, kind of like a Kathy Lee Gifford, you know. Oh, that looks good. I don't know if it's Kathy, if they're going to be like doing like the Kathy Lee Hoda thing where they both host the show together and they don't get along or if they're going to be rival hosts. So, but, um, I'm looking forward to, do you, uh, June, is it, is, is, is it's always sunny in Philadelphia something that you watch? I watch it off and on. Um, and every time, I mean, I, it's something that I've just never been able to really just get into and stick with. Um, it's, it is on my list, kind of like with you and Venture Brothers yeah, it's on my list. Yeah. But the episodes that I've watched, like I've never not, I've never not laughed oh, out God. loud yeah. in any of the episodes. Like they've all been funny. I love Charlie Day. Yeah. He's so, like the way he talks, like he's so like <laughs> the frantic, he's so like, great. Panicked the way he talks is just that makes me smile for some reason. Like that's why I loved him in the Lego movie. Yeah. He was like that one character because and then he had a um he did a guest voice on an episode of American Dad where he was like this meth addict who um but like was super O C D. Oh god. I don't know if you, yes. you see that one. I love American Dad. I never miss an episode. Oh yeah, that episode, the one where like he agrees to buy alcohol for like Steve and his friend <laughs> yeah. if they, because he's banned from all the drugstores because he's a meth head. So he's like, I'll buy you the alcohol if you go buy me like Sudafed and yeah. like all the other cold medicines. But he's like, I have to have the receipt. Uh, and so, but instead, like, I think, uh, like Steve, like, writes his phone number on the receipt and leaves it with a cashier. So, like, Charlie Day's character, like, flips the fuck out. Because he doesn't have the receipt. Like, that's one of my favorite American Dad episodes oh, because God. of Charlie Day. You know, we were, ta- <laughs> we were talking about, okay, that's another Seth MacFarlane, that's a Seth MacFarlane show. Um, yeah. He does, like, Family Guy and stuff like that. I was listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson on fucking Rogan. Sorry, I'm getting ice. If you hear that noise, that's me getting ice for my fucking mudslide. Um, but I was listening to Rogan, and Rogan was talking to Neil deGrasse Tyson. And Neil deGrasse Tyson, remember Jake when they, there was the complaint about the Titanic movie with the sky not lining up with like the oh yeah the stars yeah that was Neil deGrasse Tyson that was the one that complained to Cameron. Huh? Oh, I believe it. So check this it. out. Check this out. Fucking um, fucking uh, Seth MacFarlane calls Neil deGrasse Tyson when he's making the movie Ted and he says, I've got a scene that takes place in 1985 where a kid looks at the stars and makes a wish. And I want the same nighttime sky that would have been on this night in 1985. Can you help me out? Wow. Yeah. 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 That crazy. Surely he did. Right. Oh yeah. Like uh, (laughs) half an hour later, he's calling Seth MacFarlane and saying, okay, this is where the, this is where the stars would be aligned. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. He he doesn't want to hear that shit on Twitter after the movie comes out. He's like, all right, I'm talking to him now. I'm (laughs) talking. Actually, did McFarlane, I want to say that they are friends, though, because I think Seth McFarlane, did he not, I thought he, did he produce Cosmos? 
he might have. That sounds right. I, I yeah, mean, I think that is true. I think you are right. Yeah, it's it, it, they probably and that probably happened because of him calling because of the Ted thing. You know, they became yeah. friends. But I love Neil deGrasse Tyson. I've listened to like I've gone back and I've like listened to all his Rogan episodes. Now he has an infectious laugh. I absolutely love the guy. He's fantastic. <laughs> Um, I'm just pissed though because of him. He had to point out Pluto is no longer a planet, and that makes me really pissed. But whatever. <laughs> because I'm sorry, but Pluto. No, because you know, my mother served us nine. What now? Like, I don't have pizza. Like, you know, the way you remember all the planets. I don't have the pizzas anymore. My little whatever that term is. <laughs> is the, the world accepting device. that though? The mnemonic device. Yeah, like I'm pissed about it. Are textbooks accepting that though? Is that or is that? No, I think so. I think it's it's not a planet anymore. It's not a planet anymore. Yeah. Ah. Well, there goes your yeah. There goes your mnemonic device. Let's come know, up with a new I'm word. <laughs> Fucking facts getting in the way. That's bullshit. God, I know. Damn science. I don't know. I just feel dumb as fuck when I listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson. But on the flip side, it's just like I'm loving what you're saying, man. You're so goddamn smart. I'm hanging on every word. I feel like an idiot right now, but my God, you're brilliant. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I think sometimes my only complaint about Neil deGrasse Tyson is I think sometimes someone needs to tell him, hey, man, this this movie is a popcorn movie. Oh, so, hold like, on. You don't need to tear it apart. He, he addre- he addre- oh, he does no, that. He did that addre- with the BB-8. Yes, yes, He's yes. like, there's no way that like be- that sort of machine could roll across the, the desert sand. that fast. The sand. I was like, BB-8 is super adorable. Just let him be. Yeah, settle down. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> he addresses that. He addresses that in the Rogan podcast. And he says, listen, listen. When you're watching a movie and it's set in a time period and the movie's set in 1958, but yet they use a car that wasn't manufactured until 1960 and the car guy says something about that car wasn't made until 1960. This movie was made, this movie set in 1958. Everyone applauds that guy for saying, Oh wow, you pointed that out. You're really a car aficionado. You know what the fuck you're talking about. But when he says like, but when I say it, just as a man of science, People just say – people just go off on him. And so I kind of understood that that's just kind of like how he looks at it because like he is a man of science. And it's not that he doesn't like the movie or doesn't enjoy the movie. It's just – that's just how he sees the world through those – Yeah, I mean the, the car guy kind of comes off douchey too in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm very right. defensive of BB-8 because I love BB-8. <laughs> He's my favorite. So. I just say suspension of disbelief because it's yeah. it's set in a, in a galaxy a long time ago in a galaxy far far away, and the science rules don't apply in a Star Wars universe where there's Jedi and the Force and all this stuff. And midichlorian. Stop it! Get out of here with your <laughs> yeah. midichlorian. I, I feel like I feel like you wouldn't want to watch like the Wiley e. Coyote cartoon with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Like he'd be really annoying. You know. he would never laugh once at any of the antics and would just complain about all the science of you know you couldn't eat the bird seed that's fine the giant magnet i would hang on every fucking word and by the time he was done i'd be like i hate this fucking looney tunes bullshit (laughs) i'm such an easily swayed person jake (laughs) yeah that's that i'm just that's my only complaint i'm not a hater of him by any means and Nine out of ten times, I'm very fascinated with what he's saying. But yeah. every now and again, boy, I roll my eyes. I don't know, man. It's just I think knowledge is powerful, and for him to kind of like turn to turn and not say anything when he does have the knowledge, when you can actually kind of just learn from something from him, 
I think is kind of cool. And like Hollywood has actually kind of like reached out to the guy and said, Hey, we're making this movie. We're doing this thing. What would this be? You know, you know, what's your, what's your science knowledge, science man about this? You know, cause you know, I mean, I don't know. I respect, he's a cool fucking guy. I like him. He's one of the coolest science guys out there. Um, Top Gun 2 is rounding out its cast. This news comes from Deadline. John Hamm, Ed Harris, and Lewis Pullman have been set to join the cast of Top Gun Maverick, the sequel to the iconic original that is in the works at Paramount Pictures. Pullman is the son of actor Bill Pullman, whose film credits include The Strangers Pray at Night, Bad Times at the El Royale, which is coming up really soon, uh, and the upcoming Hulu limited series Catch 22. Uh, they join a cast top lined by Top Cruise, uh, Tom Cruise, <laughs> Top Cruise, Top Gun, Top Cruise, <laughs> Top Cruise, uh, Val Kilmer, Glenn Powell, Jennifer Connelly, and Miles Teller. Uh, Joseph Kaczynski is directing. The film is slated for a July 12, 2019 release. Uh, Teller plays the son of Maverick's former partner Goose, uh, played by Anthony Edwards, who met his, uh, who met his in the original 1986 original. That sentence makes no sense. The plot is mostly under wraps, but it follows Cruz's Pete Mitchell, who is now an instructor at the Top Gun school and taking Teller under his wing. Uh, no word on character descriptions of the new three so far, but Harrison Ham at instant gravita to the proceedings. Uh, I don't know about... Oh no, we did get, uh, we did get some rumors from T, uh, no, THR had a Top Gun Maverick casting breakdown. I want to go over here in a second. But just about these, this casting news. Um, Jake, I know you've never seen Top Gun. June, have you seen Top Gun? Yes, yes I have. Okay. What do you think about, and Jake, it's not like a care, don't care about what you think, because I, I do care about what you think. I'm going to ask you. But John Hamm, Ed Harris, I guess uh, lesser Lewis Pullman, but John Hamm and Ed Harris joining the cast of Top Gun Maverick. Holy fuck. I mean, those are big names, really big names to join the sequel to an 80s movie. And so, I mean, that always, whenever you throw big names in like that, that that does alleviate any kind of worry that you would have about the plot. Because I would imagine that if it was a terrible plot. I don't care. I don't care what the plot is. I'm going to go and see this in IMAX and I'm going to get, <laughs> no, I'm seeing it. And I, this, how many movies do you go to where you're watching jets take off and shit? Yeah. The audio right. and the picture is going to be amazing in this movie. Like I do care about the plot. Don't get me wrong, but just for like the <clears throat> audio, like the audio experience in an IMAX theater. And like, if you're near a Dolby Atmos theater and you don't see this, you're out of your goddamn mind. Like, I would die to have a Dolby Atmos theater near me where I could watch this movie just for the fact of, like, we don't get many movies about, like, fighter jets and shit like that, but to watch this in the movie theater with that audio and to feel like you're in the cockpit as they're, like, doing, like, nose dives and, like, twirling and all this shit going upside down and all this bullshit, I, I can't wait. I can't wait just for that. Yeah, I, I, the word that you used when you read that article, like gravita, that, I think that's a good word. Like, uh, just knowing that Ham and Harris, like, yeah. kind of makes you think that they're actually going for, like, a serious action drama flick here. Yeah. It's not just going to be, like, some, like, cheesy, like, 80s homage spinoff thing. So it actually has me a lot more intrigued about this project now, project now. 
Yeah. Because, you know, knowing that they're going to do, you know, the Danger Zone song again and like some of the other stuff we've heard, I kind of thought that maybe this was going to be a little bit 21 Jump Street-ish, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but, it, but this is not Phil Lord and Chris Miller comedy. I, I feel, you know. Well, no, no, I know, I know. But just, I mean, a little bit, like I thought maybe it was still going to tonally try to match with, with Top Gun. But this, like these additions make me question that, whether it's going to really try to be like a serious, you know, yeah. taken action drama movie. Yeah, I think they are going to, you know, I, I think it is going to be serious. Like the first one was like, uh, there was some comedy mixed in there. I mean, when he's going to the bar and he's like, you know, trying to flirt with Kelly McGillis's character, who's like his top gun, one of his top gun instructors, um, you know, and he's singing to her, you know, the karaoke and all that stuff. I mean, there is some comedy in these movies, you know, and I feel like that's like Miles Teller might help fill that void a little bit here. Um, you know, Miles Teller is funny in his own right. You know, if you watch movies like uh, The Spectacular Now, he is pretty funny in that. And and um, but, you know, I I think it'll be interesting to see how kind of like aviation has changed over the last 30 years, too. Like, how are they going to incorporate mm. that? Like, is like, are they going to be talking about drones? You know, like, oh, you know, man, yeah. man. You know, like, you know, like men flying these, flying these, uh, I hope that the message here is that, that men flying these, these, these aircraft are, are more reliable than drones. I think drone technology for is like, you know, like you don't have to worry about a pilot getting shot down, just a drone getting shot down. Like, that's the thing. It's like these when drones like bomb somebody when they when they bomb like not only are they bombing you know bad people but they're also bombing innocent people in that area too, which is terrible, you know. Yeah. So you know, I I, I just hope that they get into like the way aviation has changed over the last thirty years. I hope that's a, definitely a part of it. But um, this news has me excited. I. I hope that Harris acts like crazy, like Ed Harris is like crazy the whole movie and just like by the end of the movie, he's just like shooting everyone and we find out that it like he's the man in black and he's been in <laughs> Top Gun. He's been, he's been in Top Gun world the whole movie. It's just like a Westworld Top Gun movie crossover. Um, THR had a Maverick casting breakdown and uh, here's what they said. Top Gun gave us characters with call signs like Goose, Viper, Jester, Cougar, Wolfman, and Sundown. Not to be outdone in that department. The call signs in the new casting breakdown on the Bruckheimer produced sequel include Phoenix, Slayer, Payback, Fanboy, Warlock, Cyclone, Viking, Coyote, Lardo, <laughs> Bob, and my personal favorite, Harvard and Yale. Um, yeah, I see it, why those are your favorites. That's good. <laughs> well, that, no, that's what the writer here from uh, THR said. Oh. Um, I like they're my favorite as well, though. Uh, the descriptions of these characters are even better. Phoenix is described as a whip smart and sassy Latina woman who does things her own way. It's a bold move right off the bat because we've never seen a sassy Latina or a woman who is to, who has to fight to earn the respect of male peers in film before. That's a sarcastic comment from the writer. Um, <laughs> Viking is open to both males and females of Nordic ancestry, so expect 
your blue-eyed, blonde-haired god or goddess in the vein of Dolph Lundgren or Bridget Nielsen. Fanboy is open to all ethnicities and described as having an encyclopedic memory. In other words, expect Maverick to cash in on the Big Bang Theory level of nerddom. Lardo, who's described as an honest, local, gregarious, and charming technical specialist, is definitely going to be the movie's big guy. If the name Lardo wasn't enough of a clue, then use then use of the word gregarious seals it. Uh, for Harvard and Yale, the production is looking for male siblings, even twins. Never underestimate the comedy potential of twins. Oh, that's a twin Schwarzenegger DeVito reference there from the writer. <laughs> Very funny. Warlock doesn't get a description, but he is listed as a black man. Jesus Christ, people. Give him, he's more, give him, give him something. That, that, that's his one characteristic. Token black dude. Yeah, it's, oh, he's per, oh, he doesn't need a personality. He's just like the black guy. What the fuck? Come on. Um, Top Gun Maverick is set for two, July 2019 release. So, yeah, I'm uh, definitely looking forward to this. I, wow. Is, is Tom Cruise going to be in the air? It just sounds like he's going to be an instructor. I don't know. This, like, Jake... Like what this does for me is it's like it reminds me of I know we're never gonna get another color of money movie, but it reminds me of like the color of money with like um uh Paul Newman when mm-hmm. Paul Newman did I can't remember the original film where he was the pool player. Was it like the, the, hustler. Hu- the hustler? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um it was Jackie Gleason and and, and or was that the sting? No, it was a hustler. Oh hustler. hustler. Okay, yeah. You know, and and you know, and, and then years later Paul Newman does the sequel to Martin Scorsese film, The Color of Money, and now he's like the teacher and, you know, he's teaching Tom Cruise. Now it feels like Tom Cruise is like taking that kind of like Paul Newman role here where he's the instructor and Miles Teller might be kind of like that uh, brash young guy who's like going against like, you know, the way they do things, you know. So it's like, has Tom Cruise forgotten like who he was, you know? Man, it's hard to imagine a Tom Cruise movie. Tom Cruise movie come out in July where he's not going to do a single stunt. That's what, he's right. got to get up in the air, right? Yeah, has to, has to happen. Uh, I want to see it. I got, I got to see Maverick up there again. I got to hear the hopefully call the sign. Tra- hopefully, the trailer doesn't spoil whether or not that happens. I hope it does not. I just want to see. You know, if we're going to see that kind of stuff, I, I definitely just want to see Miles Teller in this new batch of uh, guys up there in the air. Um, it would be nice to see Val Kilmer, though, in the trailer. That would be nice, maybe in the second trailer, not necessarily the first. I don't have to get it all. But, uh, god damn it, we're gonna, we're gonna get, we're gonna get a movie with fucking, like, jets and shit, man. Can't wait. Yeah, you brought up a great point about that being a really cool IMAX experience. We haven't really seen anything, like, of that kind of proportion in an IMAX movie that, that I can think of I can't in a while. Either. I can't either. Unless you're talking about, oh, uh, Independence Day 2 or whatever it was called. The, that actually didn't make that. my IMAX. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I saw it in like real 3D. So what were you saying, June? Oh, I was saying like with the characters uh, Yale and Harvard. Yeah. I really want them to have gone, to, like I want them to have actually gone to Ivy League schools, but like to like Dartmouth or like and Brown because they weren't good enough to get into Yale and to Harvard. So that's why they're nicknamed Yale and Harvard. Because <laughs> even though they went to Ivy League schools, like they didn't get into Yale and Harvard. And everyone just jokes about, I don't know. I think it'd be funny if they, if like, you know, they're, they're twins, but they're sibling rivalry. And like one did go to Yale and one did go to Harvard. One went to Harvard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. June's, thing, June's thing is pretty funny too, though. Yeah. Just that they're, neither of them could make those schools. 
Right. Yeah. I like and like, well. but, they're, but they're super douchey. Like they're both like, oh, we went to Ivy League schools. And it's like, but we went to Dartmouth and we went to Brown. And then they're like, oh, but like, you didn't want to go to Armour Brown. Like we didn't get in. So then everyone is like, you guys are so pretentious. You went to Ivy League schools, but you didn't get into the two best ones. So we're going to nickname. Those are going to be your nicknames. Yeah. And they don't want to call them Dartmouth and Brown. So they just call them Harvard and Yale. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like a reminder, like every time, like, God, we could have gone to those yeah. schools. <laughs> I like that. All right, guys, we've got uh, news from DarkHorizons.com here that I wanted to report. Um, a few years ago came word that a TV series based on the beloved sci-fi comedy Galaxy Quest was in the works at Amazon with uh, human giant co-writer Paul Shear attached to last year as the show's writer. Um, the Raps Shoot This Now podcast, Shear talked to them, and he says the project has stalled in the wake of the firing of Paramount TV president Amy Powell last month due to insensitive comments um guys it sounds like development has slowed the series is not dead um sheer goes on to talk about how the series will approach the material 20 years later um the show serving as a sequel and minor reboot at the same time and it you know they're talking about um okay here's what he says here's his quotes we want to create this kind of thing that feels this that, that feels like this epic sequel uh, but a continuation. I compared it to what The Force Awakens is to Star Wars. It is continuing a story, but bringing in new characters. We need to kind of change it up. My pitch for the new Galaxy Quest was how can we kind of blow this out and pay off things for the fans that love Galaxy Quest? More importantly, and the thing that I really wanted to do is uh, that appeals to me of of now uh, who's the 18-year-old version of me that loved Galaxy Quest now? Uh, what would they want to see? Because I think that this is a movie that we haven't really made yet. The Tropic Thunder in the world of modern-day science fiction. So, yeah, um, they're looking to mix in a new cast here with, like, you know, Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, Tony Shalhoub, Sam Rockwell, and uh, Darren Mitchell from the original of course, um, you know, Alan Rickman, you know, um, unfortunately passed away, but they're looking at uh, a new cast. It looks like it's been stalled, guys. I don't know. It feels like, Jake, I don't know. It feels like this could die. If Yeah, this is one of the things where, like, I think the stars were aligned with the people, you know, able to come back and do it. But if yeah. it's going to get stalled and hold up and put into, like, production hell, then that's that's just going to make, make it really tough to get everything going together. That's unfortunate, too, because I really thought this concept would work really well as a TV show. I do, too. God, I was so ready for this. Give me, like, a – I think it was, like, Netflix was talking – no, it was Amazon. I'm sorry. It was Amazon. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would – I would – I would recently – I think within the last year, year and a half was the first time I ever watched Galaxy Quest. And I mm, – That's right. I loved it. I thought it was great. I hate, really held up yeah. too. Like it's one of those movies that um, really has stood the test of time. If anything, it's almost gotten better. I'm not a fan of Tim Allen at all. So oh, that's, yeah. it kind of turned me off, like him being in it. Like so, I, I never pursued it, even though I'd heard great things. So I finally just broke down and watched it, and I fucking loved it. I actually kind of like want to watch it again. So. Yeah, it's really good. Like, Tim Allen definitely doesn't distract from it. In fact, his character almost does, like, you know, accent it a little bit. It's pretty nice. And Paul Shear writing the series as a fan is is fantastic. And I can also see him kind of, like, showing up in the series as well. That would be nice. You know. Oh, definitely. 
Paul Shearer. I think he's on point with his uh, Tropic Thunder comparison too. Like yeah. that's definitely the kind of thing you'd want to do with this show. Paul Shears, you know, I mean, he's a talented guy. Um, and he's got his own podcast and everything uh, with uh, Jason Mansukas. Was it How Did This Get Made or whatever the fuck? Yeah, that? it's a hilarious podcast. It is. I, I've, I've listened to a few episodes. It's really funny. Jason Mansukas is funny. But Paul Shears also written some comic books, too. So it's like, you know, he's he's dove into comics as well. So, but uh, June, did you ever watch Galaxy Quest? You a fan? I no, I haven't, but I am, um, and again, I'm like you, I, I was, I don't like Tim Allen, but I do love Scorny Weaver. Yeah. And Alan Rickman, I love Alan Rickman, yeah. so um, is it streaming anywhere? It might be on Netflix still, I don't know, I'd have to look. Right. Yeah, let me do some research for you. Because um, that is one, like, that's one of the ones that, like, I... Like, my friends are always like, I can't believe you haven't seen this movie. Yeah, I, I, same with me. It's like one of those things where, like, people start talking about Galaxy Quest, and then I'm just quiet and sitting in the corner because I never watched it. So. Yeah. So. Looks like it's on They're Amazon just... Prime, but that's oh, it right now. Sweet. Then, um, yeah, I'll have to check that out then. It's really good. Um, YouTube Red's trying to make a real big push here, it seems like. Uh, they are talking about, um, THR talked about them wanting to come out with 50 original shows in 2019. Wow. 50 original 50. shows. 50. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, like, I, I've been impressed by, like, what I've seen so far, and I've only seen two series, guys, so I'm not, like, the biggest, the best judge of, like, what the what YouTube Red's going to bring us. But, like, I watched Impulse, all of it, and I loved it. I absolutely loved Impulse, and Cobra Kai is is fantastic. So... You know, there's a lot of shifting going around in the background. That's me. Sorry, I'm cold. I don't know how to control that thermostat. Like, I'm upstairs in our house, and um, because we're never up here, we always keep the thermostat off, and I don't know how to work it, so I made it way too cold. So I'm trying to, like, curl up under a blanket. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's me all shifting. I'm sorry. I don't know how to work thermostats. It's fine. Say. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, I, I, do I, I don't to, know what do I did. I, do I need to? I don't know what I did to the service stat. <laughs> do I need to create a new bumper called June's bullshit excuses? Yes. <laughs> like you know, a whole new segment. You know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you would. You would actually be. No, I'm fine. I have a blanket and I'm fine. But I was absolutely. I thought also I forgot to put myself on mute. So. <laughs> June's going for that shiftiest guest record. Oh my god! Yeah. No, that was um. That was someone. Was it Tristan? Oh, Tristan was a shifty McShifterson, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Holy fuck. Sorry, Tristan. I just had to throw you under the bus there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You had to shift the blame. Really I, I tried to get, I tried to get Shifston trending, but it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love you, Tristan. I, I want to get that guy back on. He's, he's great. Um, he's great. Yeah. Do you, do, do you guys want to know what David Harbour was saying about Stranger Things season three, or do you care? Do you not care? I care. Yeah. I do too. Um, is that the thing that you had posted where he addresses some of the fanfic? I don't know. Did, something? I, did I post something? I don't know if I posted something or, or I didn't. I thought that was your. Someone posted something where like he um, he addresses like the fan fiction out there. Oh, well, I got some quotes from David Harbour, and uh, he plays Sheriff Hopper in Stranger Things. And uh, he's also going to be our new Hellboy. So he had some quotes about Stranger Things Season 3 and also Hellboy in an article from Variety, an interview that he had. He said, the great thing about this show is we throw out the model every season. 
season one was a very Stephen King thing, and then season two came along, and I feel like we did something very different, maintaining the same elements, but it was very different, much bigger and Spielberg-y. Like, putting Hopper and Eleven together is a weird thing to do after season one. I think we do some even weirder stuff in season three. I think it's always about pushing the envelope. Uh, he, he then went on to talk about how uh, about his character of Hopper, and he says, in terms of Hopper, all the things that we've had from season one and season two come to a boiling point for him in the beginning of season three. This is a year for Hopper of real domesticity. I think I said that correct. Um, Eleven's been validated. She has a birth certificate. She's a part of the world in some way. It's really how Hopper deals with domestic issues, like real day-to-day stuff that takes him to this place of he might be better at drama than he is at just sort of, well, we'll start to really understand a lot more about what he needs and what he doesn't have and who he wants to be that might take him in different directions. So... Yeah, it looks like he's going to be like the legal guardian of Eleven come well, yeah, the beginning of season right? three. Right, that's what I thought happened at the end of the second season, that he did become her legal guardian. Yeah, so now he's like all domesticated and he's like the father figure at this point. So, But I guess he doesn't like, you know, he in the first like se- the first season, at least you always saw him and like he wakes up and he's showering and uh like with the beer and a cigarette, you know, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. stuff, yeah. like you know, like rolling out of bed. Like I think I, I know there's definitely like one like random woman in the bed when he wakes up. I think there may have been another. Yeah, that's why they call him Hopper. Yeah, but I, you know, I think maybe yeah, he kind of liked having this uh, slobby like bachelor lifestyle, <laughs> yeah. you know. And then yeah. the second, yeah, you know, but like in the second season, you know, where he just. He really does. Just, he gets to pass out on the couch, yeah. You know, after a bunch of beers, and just kind of get up, get dressed, go to work, and then yeah. the second season. You're right. It was like in that moment, like he needed to take care of Eleven. I think Eleven's good for him. He needs it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. I think and he rose to the challenge. But then it's like, okay, this is permanent now. Oh shit! <laughs> so, like I could see that. I could see yeah. that being a thing where it's like. Almost like you know, yeah. It's it's uh, like he he's like oh oh crap like this is a thing like this is this will be every day. This is not just a temporary. Yeah. I'm solving a crisis right now. Hold on. In what season are we going to hear Eleven say, "You're not my real father"? Uh, probably the next almost, season. She kind of almost. I mean, she kind of almost went there. She said something like, "You're just as bad as." That's what she she yelled. "You're just as bad as Papa." Yeah. This is kind of a variation. I mean, that's like, it's in the similar vein of like, you're not my real dad, yeah. like, thing. Yeah, I don't know. Just, it's not original, right? Kids have been saying that forever. Um, you're not my real dad. Yeah. You're not my real mom. You're not my real dad. We kind of got that in season two, though, already, right? Like, I, I feel like that. That's, that's a little bit of a retread if that's, that's what they do in yeah, season that's, three. That's what, that's what she, that's what June's saying. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm curious. I, I like the stuff Hopper's saying. I like to hear that he's going to have big focal stuff at the beginning of the first season. I like how Hopper's you, definitely one of my favorite characters in the show. I like how you care. Oh, yeah. I, I like how you call the actor Hopper. Hopper, yeah. His name's <laughs> not even Harper, David Harper anymore. He's just become, he's become the character. 
<laughs> yeah, pretty soon he'll be Hellboy. <laughs> yeah, no, Jake's like, I like that Hellboy. Like, <laughs> He's oh, a nice guy. David Harbour, Jake's like, what? What? He's <laughs> 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 Hellboy to me. After, though, I, I've only, the only other thing I can remember seeing him in was, um, there was that HBO show, The Newsroom, uh-huh. one that Jeff Daniels oh, yeah. was in. Yeah, the, uh, it was, uh, that was, uh, what the fuck? Uh, now I can't even remember. And Jane Fonda and uh, Sam Watterson, the newsroom. Yeah. Isn't it just called the newsroom? Yeah, it was uh, Jeff Daniels and Olivia Munn was in it. And, yes. And it was. And, uh, who is the director? A bunch of big names. The director was like a big name. Uh, Sorkin. Sorkin. Oh, Aaron, Aaron Sorkin. That's right. It Thank was. You. It was Aaron Sorkin of the, yeah, of West Wing and stuff. Um, but David Harper is in that, but like he, um, you know, he's one of the reporters, but like just there was this one episode where, um, he is on location. But he eats like the salad and he's apparently characters allergic to walnuts. <laughs> but he didn't realize that like the salad had walnuts. So he just completely like flames up yeah. like his face, like his his face completely puffs. And he's like, I can't go on. So like he makes like his assistant has to go do the story. I just, uh, that was one of the. David, that, him that's completely that, but... insensitive to people with nut allergies. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> David Harbour was in uh, Suicide Squad. Was he? I promise yeah, yeah. you. Briefly. Very briefly. He's like a boardroom guy, right? He's one of those boardroom guys that we're talking about, like, how are they going to combat, like, you know, uh, people like Superman that can, like, break into the White House and, you know, kidnap the president or whatever the shit, you know? Yeah, they'll combat him with a, with a girl with a bat. Yeah, we're going to send, hey, send the, send the psychotic girl with a bat. Send the Cirque du Soleil girl who's like flipping upside down in that cage. Send her. <laughs> I, watched ten, I watched 10 minutes of this movie and then that was it. It was fucking terrible. I had to review it on a goddamn podcast. Jim. I know. You guys actually had to watch it, watch it. I, I had to watch it. into it and said, nope. I had to watch it like literally like two or three times in the theater and then, and then talk about it on a podcast. Oh, I don't know oh. I did that. It's terrible. Mm. One of the worst because it, it just looks so good too. Before it we looks saw it, so good. It looks so good. Uh, David Harbour also. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Jake. Sheriff Hopper talked about. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't know who the fuck you were talking. About. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he talked about the variety about uh, Hellboy, and he said uh, he talks about like why he thinks. Hellboy is a, com- a classically complicated hero. He said he's a creature that was meant to bring about the end of the world, and he's just sorts of wants he sorts of wants to be a good guy. He's got that complexity to him. He's also a monster who lives among human beings, so he's in a sense fighting for human beings against his fellow monsters. And yet the humans hate him because they fear him and they think he's weird looking and everything. Uh, so yeah, he kind of like nailed the character right there. Um, and then he talked about how this new Hellboy film is very Shakespearean and with the, he, he said, uh, demons and witches and stuff like that. Um, but he says there's, there's that question of why am I fighting this battle just because of some sense of justice or some sense of good. It's a really interesting question that sort of is at the core of him that he struggles with. He has a heart that's really good and with a lot of crusted over stuff. It's very Shakespearean. It's demons and witches and stuff like that. But it has similar, core, but it has a similar core to a dude who's trapped in a horrible circumstance who's just trying to be a good guy. 
<laughs> Hopper's getting real technical there. Yeah, he is. Very sh- Hellboy is very Shakespearean. Uh, Hellboy arrives in theaters January 11th of 2019. We should be getting a trailer anytime, you would think, right? Yeah, you would think. You would think. I mean, it's that's like less than six months away now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should be getting a trailer soon. Um, yeah, I talked about YouTube Red. They're doing their thing. Doing a lot of stuff. Ben Affleck's in rehab again, guys. So sad. It is sad. Yeah, it is sad. I didn't even know he was having problems until Harry he was going into rehab. Yeah, this is his third trip to rehab. Uh, he uh, previously went to rehab in 2001 and then 2017 again. And uh, I think Jennifer Garner went with him this time, even though aren't they separated or are they still? They're divorced. They're divorced. Yeah. They're divorced. yeah. I think it's finalized. I'm telling yeah. you, alcoholism is one of the worst things out there. My real grandfather, who I never met, he was an alcoholic, and it, you know, it just, you know, just destroyed that that part, that side of my family. And one one of my old roommates, one, well, who was one of my best friends, we I watched him become an alcoholic right in front of me, and you know, it's just. It's terrible, so I, I wish him the best. It's just, uh, it's a, it's a horrible disease, so, yeah. Do you think it's, like, like, in 2007, I mean, do you think a lot of probably what drove him back to it, though, was the shit that he had been getting because of, like, Justice League and stuff? No, I think it has to, I think it has to do with, I honestly think it has to do with, like, him, I don't know, I think it has to do with stuff with Jennifer Garner and being a shitty fucking husband and, and having children too. So. Yeah. I don't know, I, I mean, I would hate, I would hate to think that like, oh, the, the pressure of Batman turned him into an alcoholic. He's been dealing with this since in 2001. I would, I would want to think, not that I would want to think, I, I would not want to think that, that fans of like, what we love pushed him to this because of his Batman performance. Like, come on. Like, I would, I would hope that he's more of like a family man and the fact that he hurt his family drove him to, to do this kind of stuff. Remember his Oscar speech? Like when he won for Argo, best, for best director or when Argo won for best picture. God, that was like the worst like speech because he's like marriage. It's work. It's so hard. And it's just, it's so hard. And you're like, wow. That's awful. (laughs) I don't remember that. Oh my God. His Oscar speech. Yeah. Like that was when you knew stuff was not like that itself right there was like, you're like, okay, shit's not, shit's not gone. Shit's not good between the two of them because he, because they were still married and like this is before there was any rumors or any separation. Like he gets his Oscar and his acceptance speech. He's like, I mean, it's when he starts when he goes through his little thank you list, whatever, and he gets to Jennifer Garner, and he's like, you know, you're a great wife, great mother, and he's like, marriage, marriage is work, and marriage is hard. It was just so awkward. Wow, <laughs> I have to Google that. That sounds intriguing. And then like, and then it like shows her face, and I think she's like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah. yeah, you should Google Google his yeah Google his Argo acceptance speech, and you're just it's just really really awkward and uncomfortable. Uh, I don't know. It's I. He, I mean, he just needs to slow down. Like this guy could have a great life if he just fucking. Stop being an idiot, I guess. I don't know. It's, yeah. He's got everything going for him. He's a talented director. I mean, he shouldn't be acting, but he is. And I mean, you know, I don't know. He's a great director, yeah. parts that are good for him, though. Like, when he picks, 
when he's in the right role, he is a good actor. Like, I love him in Dogma. Yeah, I mean, I loved him in Dogma. I thought he was I, good in Dogma. I thought, you know, I thought that, yeah. that if he's in the right role, if you give him the right part, he but can do it. Um, yeah, but, but but when he's the leading man in something, it's not really always a great thing. I mean, like, I loved him in um, Dogma. He was great in Chasing Amy. I thought he was fantastic oh, in that. Yeah, that's like that's my favorite thing I've ever seen him in. I liked him a lot in Gone Girl. No, as he a leading could, man. Rosamund Pike fucking ran circles around him, and that's the thing. Oh, like, she, yeah. I watched. Yeah. I watched Hostiles this week, and when Rosamund Pike is working off of like another actor who's actually a really good actor, like uh, Christian Bale, you know, like. That's amazing. I think like Rosamund Pike in Gone Girl. I don't. I think his performance was fine in Gone Girl. I'm not saying it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like it wasn't. She was great. phenomenal. She was great in Gone Girl, and she was really good in Hostiles too. So, um, Hostiles is on Netflix. People watch it. Really good fucking western. Really fucking good. Rosamund Pike like will bring you to tears within the first 15 minutes of that movie. Really good, and like the supporting cast is absolutely incredible. Ben when was it in theaters, or was last, it? Uh, la- it, it? I think it originally like hit like Sundance and maybe TIFF, you know, like Toronto International Film Festival, yeah. and stuff last year. But it hit theaters this year. So okay, because like, we saw a trailer for it, and we we're my husband and I were, like our, wherever we were, what movie we were seeing, like, it was one of the trailers. And I think we didn't realize that it had already been released in the theaters because we were we yeah. both been like the other day. He was like, "Hey, you remember that like Western movie we saw the preview for?" He's like, "When does that come out?" Yeah, uh, Rebecca reviewed it on her show. She saw it in the theater. Um, she, okay. I think she gave it a high taste that, uh, she praised Rosamund Pike. She was really good, but the whole movie's great. Like, Roy Cochran is in it. This is the best thing I've ever seen Roy Cochran in. Roy Cochran, you'll remember him from like, Dazed and Confused. He was like the stoner with the long hair. He was also in Empire Records and he's done a bunch of other shit. He's in this. Ben Foster's in it. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Jesse Plemons, Christian Bale, Rosamund Pike. Fucking an incredible cast. I think the guy that plays, yeah, the guy that plays Herschel in The Walking Dead, he's in it. It's just, it's an insane fucking cast. Hostiles is really fucking good. But yeah, Ben Affleck, get your shit together. I mean, Jesus Christ, dude. I hope he gets his shit together. I, it's crazy. It's fucking crazy. Like, I don't like him as Batman, but it's not like, but if somebody's like has a problem with alcoholism, like, get it taken care of. Like, Get the treatment that you need. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Wishing ill will upon someone because you don't like them as Batman. You're yeah, a fuck. Some- yeah, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> you're a fucking piece of shit if you're that person. If you're that person, seriously, look, take a look inside of yourself and the part of you that, like, takes joy out of somebody else suffering from alcoholism because you didn't like them as Batman. Take a really... Oh, but I have seen it. But I, but I have seen it. I've seen people be, like, good. Yeah, they're pieces of shit. Those people and are I'm pieces of shit. I'm just like, that's shit. so wrong. They're, they're, dumb, yeah. they're, they're dumb pieces of shit. And, yeah. So, uh, Jake, did you want to talk about the James Bond news? Oh, yeah. I'll briefly bring that up. So, um, I believe it was this week as well that we found out that um, Danny Boyle was let go from the next Bond movie, which I believe is the 25th Bond movie. And um, over creative differences, that's all we're hearing. And there's been kind of a short list put together of people that could take over the franchise. And one of the names that really excited me at first glance was we've seen Edgar Wright on this list. And um, I've got my notes here with the other names that we've seen. Also, uh, David McKenzie, um, who made Hell or High Water, um, and Jean-Marc Vallée, who's currently doing uh, Sharp Objects, are also David on this McKenzie list. David McKenzie from Hell or High Water. So Taylor Sheridan 
directed that though. What was he a producer on that? Huh. My um the article I have has him listed as the filmmaker for Hell or High Water. Let me um can you pause for a sec? Yeah, I can pause. All right, we're back. Okay, yeah. So he did direct Hell or High Water, David McKenzie. It was yeah. written by Taylor Sheridan. It was written by Taylor. See, that's the thing. Uh, Taylor Sheridan, uh, he did Wind River. He wrote and directed that one. So I was like, I was just, I knew that he wrote Hell or High Water, but I also thought he directed it, but I was wrong. So David McKenzie did. Yeah, that's a good choice. So yeah, I mean, these are some exciting names, and I, I know they do want to. This is probably going to be Craig's last Bond movie, um, most definitely. Actually, it's going to be Craig's last Bond movie, and I, and I think they, with it being the twenty fifth and a big number, I think they want to try to do something really big here. Um, you know, but the more I've thought about it after um, seeing this story, it's hard to believe that um, if Boyle is leaving over creative differences with the Bond movie um, and <laughs> all the stuff we know about Edgar Wright yeah. and the Marvel Ant-Man scenario, yeah. it's hard to imagine that uh, they're going to figure out a way to get him, you know, lined up to do it. I mean, in a perfect world, I Tupperware and would love the idea of an Edgar Wright have at it, do whatever you want, make a James Bond movie. But you know that's not what the studio is going to let happen. So I, I yeah, <laughs> yeah. If if they got Edgar Wright to direct a Bond movie, I'd watch it. And I'm I'm not a Bond fan, like you know that. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, what's the point? I don't want to see a watered down Edgar Wright movie. Like I, if they get him and it, he's just basically doing like a studio sit in a chair role for James Bond, then. Yeah. Like, what's the point? So the only reason I would want Edgar Wright is if they give him complete creative control. And if Boyle's leaving over that kind of thing, I can't imagine that Edgar Wright would get it. Because, I mean, he's as big of a name as he is. He's not Danny Boyle right now. Right. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. The look, the news that I'm looking at, I don't know how accurate any of this is, but he quit because he didn't want to kill off the character. That's all. I've read a little bit of that. Nothing's been confirmed. That's speculation. Yeah. Um, I've thought that to be a wild rumor, actually. I've read that a bit, too, especially with all this talk we've heard about who's going to be the next Bond. It seems like very ridiculous. And and they've never rebooted it in that way. It's kind of just been accepted that Bond can just change actors throughout the history and just kind of move up on like a sliding timeline, you know? Mm. So I... That seems I don't know if I buy that or not, but I've heard that rumor. I would so who's love your favorite Bond, um, Jake? Who's my favorite Bond? Yeah, um, your favorite Roger Moore, just due to my age and what was coming out when I grew up. Like it, it's definitely Roger Moore. Like I get that he's nowhere near like as smooth and as good as an actor as Sean Connery, but to me, like Roger Moore is like my childhood Bond, and as dumb as like fucking like Moonraker is, and like. <laughs> like those movies, I, I still love them because I associate them with like the Bond movies I watched with my grandpa on like WGN when they would air when I was a kid. So, yeah, Roger Moore, even though I mean, I recognize that it's a nostalgia thing. Right. No, actually, that's probably I think that's my dad's. So I'm not a big Bond person. My dad loves the Bond movies, though. And what's so funny is he hates Daniel Craig. Like he really, really hates Daniel Craig. But he has gone to see every Bond movie in the theater just because he He's just like, damn it, I'm going to do it. But his, he's like, aside from Sean Connery, I think Roger Morris is his other favorite. Yeah, I'm kind of ready for Daniel Craig to be done. It's been a weird track record. I feel like two out of the four were really, really, really good, and the other two were really, really, really bad. 
And I, the allure of Daniel Craig as Bond is kind of lost for me. I, if they get a big name director like an Edgar Wright to do one final one, yeah, I'm still excited for it. But I'm kind of ready to move on to the next Bond chapter and see who else can uh, breathe some life into this thing. There, I don't see what more Craig can do here. Henry Cavill is pushing for it hard after he feels like the Mission Impossible Fallout and uh, the man from Uncle have kind of like helped him like prepare prep for the role of James Bond. So yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's how like Pierce Brosnan got it too, right? It was like, well, you're great in Remington Steel and that's yeah. kind of that role, so now you're Bond. Like I yeah. he, he very well could land that role. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Cavill give it a shot. Cavill I mean, if you watch Fallout, oh my God, he's he's absolutely amazing in that. So I don't know. I, I would like to see an Idris Elba bond or even like I said, like the Henry Golding, like the guy not, from presentations. Like I, yeah, it's just not going to happen though. Unfortunately. I know that like, Idris Elba has said like he's come out, I think two times now and said like, it's, it's just not happening guys. Yeah. Just recently again, this week he came out and kind of squashed those rumors again. Sure. I, I think like t- the, the time would be now to get Idris Elba in there. He's 51. Get him in there. Henry Cavill is like in his thirties. So like he's got plenty of time to play the character. So, yeah. I mean, you, could, you could get like, like eight movies out of him. Oh, sorry, Gene. Yeah. No, I was like, I, I would love for you McGregor. I love you McGregor. And, um, I think he's too short though. Yeah, I don't think he's like. Yeah, I agree. He just doesn't have the look at all. But he's not. Well, he's just so he's cute, a, he's and not, he's my. He's been. He's one of my five whatever like Hollywood crushes. So he has not, been since train spotting. So he's not English. Weirdly enough, he's not English though. So you don't have to be, but you can be. I thought you just have to be UK. Like, I, I I I guess. I, I mean, because Sean Connery. But I'm saying like, I don't know. I just never saw him as being able to pull off Bond. I've just. You know, and I know Doctor Who is the same thing. It's like David Tennant's not British. I think he's. I could be wrong. Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> I think he's Hiddleston, Scottish. I think he is too. Yeah. Was Tom Hiddleston ever? For some reason, I thought was yes, that ever a that name was, that got floated out there? It was. It did. Yes. Yeah, they were uh, talking about it with that. Uh, God, I always forget the name of this stupid ass show that was on like TNT or whatever. But there was a lot of buzz when that came out for him being Bond because that was a very Bondish role. The Night Manager? That's the one. Rebecca says that show's really good. It gets better. Mm. Huh? The old, the old, it gets better line, huh? <laughs> That's what she says. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe. I don't know. There's just so much TV that it gets better. It's like the hardest fucking sell. It is. It is. It's very hard, especially like, you know, like, oh, you got to watch, you got to suffer through like one or two bad seasons. I'm not saying that the night manager is like a mini series, but I don't know. Yeah. Slash film is reporting on deadline. I got a slash film uh, report here that they're reporting on deadlines update about the Galaga animated TV show. Uh, looks like it's going to be a 12 episode season. They're going to shop it. And Star Trek producer Robert Orsi and animation studio Shadow Machine are boarding the project. So I don't know. This is like it, 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 this was a Bandai Namco game, Galaga, and now we're going to be getting a uh, Galaga animated TV show. It's going to be shopped <laughs> around. Uh, producers are hoping for a late 2019 or early 2020 debut wherever the show lands. And um, let's see here. I, Orsi says Galaga is one of the games that I played growing up. I have fond memories of the quarters and hours upon hours I spent playing the game. I look forward to working with the nuttery and capture and to capture the magic 
in an exciting new format. Jake, honestly, I, I think like the thing here is it's like it's pretty much an open world at this point. Galaga is just one of those games where it's kind of like Space Invaders where you just you're moving a ship left to right uh and it's actually just like on the uh uh, on the screen, it was like one of those cue ball remotes, you know? It's just like a sphere. You just move the ball around. Oh, no, Galaga was a joystick, I believe. Oh, it was joystick? What the, what am I, yeah, what like, the fuck am I thinking of then? Because there was a ball no, Gal- one. Galaga's the one where um, you can the ship will come down and shoot the, like, ray at you. And then yeah. you can free your ship and then get the two ships. Oh, shit. Am I thinking, like, was it Centipede? Centipede has a rollerball. Thank you. I'm thinking, I'm getting confused with Centipede's uh, mechanics. But yeah, Galaga, yeah, you had the joystick and then you had like the little blue ray that would like grab you. And then you could have like, you could have a double ship sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like that's the only thing the show has to do, right? They have to connect two ships together and have them kick some ass. uh, Jake, I mean, that's the only thing. I mean, see, it's a whole open world, right? Yeah, other than other than making that happen at least once, they pretty much have free reign. So this could be cool. It's a whole open world. I, so I, it's just a wait and see. We got to see what that first trailer looks like. And Robert Orsi's involved. He's done like he did the uh, first. Uh, he, was he involved in every new Star Trek film that came out? I know he did the first two. I'm not sure about Kurtzman and Orsi working on the third one with Simon Pegg when he wrote it. Yeah, and Orsi's done good science fiction before. I mean, he's one of the guys that brought his Fringe, which a lot of people are, you know, big fans of. And I think he has the imagination in, in him to create a world here. I'm not against this. No, me neither. Shockingly. Yeah. Shadow Machine, they're the animation company. They're going to be involved in this. They're uh, behind shows like BoJack Horseman and Robot Chicken. Um I don't think we can take – they're not going to do stop claiming animation or figure animation, and they're not going to do BoJack Horseman animation with this. I think it will look – I would imagine – I would think it would look a little bit more anime, you know, like maybe like a like a Castlevania on Netflix, right? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, with a little bit of mechy of that mechy feel yeah, to like it, a I little, think, Yeah, uh, a little bit of Robotech, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. You got those giant bees. Remember those? Yeah, the Big giant mutant bees. bees. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That could be cool. Yeah, we're getting a Galaga animated show. It could be like, yeah, man, if they fucking make it like a Robotech or something like that, I'd be down. Yeah, get some decent voice actors in there, and yeah. they could be really good. All right, let's, uh, let's move into Marvel news. news guardians of the galaxy volume three has been put on hold that's no surprise yeah we saw that yeah. coming yeah so it'll be interesting to see how this develops though to see if it even ever comes off a hold you yeah. know yeah yeah oh no they'll push it through because it's too much of a money maker like they'll yeah. disney will make sure it gets made it's just i don't know i, don't know. I could see them going the route that they kind of did with the hulk with this if it gets too crazy just continuing the characters' legacies in other movies. Well, hold on. Think about it. Yeah, here's the thing. Okay, June, think about it this way. They could, they, they've they actually, here's, here's a quote. Uh, this was from the new article that came out from THR. And in this article where it talks about uh, the project being delayed, 
They say Marvel and Disney are taking a measured approach in their search for a filmmaker. One source says that Thor Ragnarok director Taika Waititi recently had a meeting with Marvel, but it is unclear what project was discussed, and with good reason. What character uh, had a really good relationship with uh, the Guardians? That was Thor. Thor actually yeah. hung out with Rocket and um, and Groot for, for quite a bit of the film. So I feel like if 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 Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three does fall out, they could basically have the Guardians kind of like, you know, slide their way into just being part of that next Thor movie. Yeah, I agree with that. I see that be, being a very strong possibility, actually. No, and, and here's the thing: I love I love Ragnarok. I think Ragnarok was amazing. I'll talk about TD. It's just there's something about like the, the James Gunn like. Fingerprint. We of are those not first two movies. We like, are not arguing that at all. Not there. Absolutely. But the problem is, though, if you have a movie called Guardians of the Galaxy three that doesn't have a gun influence, a James Gunn influence, and we don't know one hundred percent what they're going to do with that script. We've heard the rumors that they're going to use it, but we don't know. If you don't have James Gunn involved in that movie, you. <laughs> I, I, what do you right. do? What do you do with those characters at that point? I, I mean, are you going to hand are you going to hand the reins to somebody else? I feel like the only thing that they could do, maybe to save face, is not have a Guardians of the Galaxy, a traditional Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, and have kind of like a Thor Guardians crossover, and have Taika Waititi involved. I don't think that Taika Waititi. I don't know this, but I don't think that Taika Waititi would be 100% comfortable as being like the guy that says, "Yeah, I'll also do a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three movie." Number one, as soon as he says that, he's got kind of like a, I don't know. That comes with a little bit of negativity because there's still a lot of people like myself and like Jake and 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 I don't want to speak for anybody else. Um, that want James Gunn to do that movie. We want him to do Guardians, oh, yeah. of, the Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. But as soon as like Taika Waititi says, "Yeah, sure, fuck it, Marvel," uh, I'm I'm the closest thing that you've got to a James Gunn that could probably do this movie, and maybe fans would be fine with it. But there's going to be some fans that are like, "Taika, I can't believe that you'd do that. I can't believe." That oh no, he's it's a that. very like he's got a yeah, it's like a thin sort of like line he's got to tread. Yeah. Now, have you guys seen any of the extras on the Infinity War, like, release? I have. So there's a great, that round table that they do, mm-hmm. Jake, of the directors, like, it is a great, actually, anybody, if you can get a chance to watch the extras of the Infinity War, but, like, there's one of the segments that's, you have John Favreau, you have, you know, the Russo brothers, and James Gunn, and Joss Whedon, and Payne Ray, like, you have these, and Ryan Coogler, like, they're all, it's the roundtable discussion of directors who directed all these movies. And Taika Waititi, he wasn't able to be there, like, physically, but they did, like, a FaceTime, it was kind of cute. They took an iPad, he FaceTimed, but they dressed up, like, they put him on, like, this little thing, like, this, like, robot thing, and, like, they dressed it up, like, in, like, fun clothes, but... This, watching this little thing though, like those directors have so much respect for each other. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there's a love and a camaraderie. Sure. They, they, amongst all these directors. So yeah, like it's yeah. like, it's something where he would have to be very careful. And I, and you're right. I don't, I think he personally doesn't want to yeah. make it appear that he'd betray or throw anyone under the bus. Like I think you put it, I, even though it's Taika Waititi and he's beloved and we loved what he did with that last Thor movie, I think he kind of puts like a, 
I think like if Marvel asks him to do the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and he takes that job, he still kind of puts like a little bit of, I don't want to say a target on his back because like when you say target on your back, yeah, I would say target on his back against for fan backlash just because like I can't believe you're going to betray your boy. Yeah, unless like, I mean, unless like Gunn specifically like verbally passed the baton like in a tweet or something like that. He'd be crazy too. He'd be crazy too. Yeah. He would be crazy, and he would only do that after the fact to take heat off of Taika. Exactly. He exactly. would be crazy like, to fucking cra- just... He wouldn't do it for Marvel or Disney's no. sake. He, w- he would do it for Taika's sake. He would sake. do it for Taika's sake to take the fucking, like, like the, 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 the fucking, the target off of his back. But for, t- t- uh, for, you know, I don't know. If I was Taika, I would not be making a call to James and saying, hey, is it okay if I take over the franchise that you fucking built? You know? <laughs> That's and do you, and can you imagine, like, do you think for one moment that if Taika did do this, do you think for one moment that he is not on the phone with Gunn and getting input from, do you, do you really think that, like, that James Gunn is not going to be involved in this some way, maybe not officially? But if you get someone and James Gunn is like, yes, totally, Taika, take over my thing. You don't, I don't think Taika's not going to be calling him? I don't know if Taika... Mm, I, don't, I, I, don't, I think James Gunn's going to stay the fuck away. I don't think that... Yeah, and honestly, I don't feel like Taika wants to put himself at that kind of risk. I mean, it's... That's... God damn it, you know? Like... Uh, I mean, he's gotta, I don't know if James Gunn would stay away so easily, though. Because, I mean, I think you guys... When you guys talked about this a couple weeks ago, I mean, he... These... He created... I mean, again, not the character. The characters existed, but in terms of the MCU, he created these characters. Yeah, but like this he's not, the company like, so he, fired him. Fired him. They like, fired him. But like, but he's got like, but you, but I feel this? like he does have an attachment to the characters. Like he would want them treated. Fuck like, him. I he yeah. Want, yeah. fuck him. He wants it. He want. I, I if I was him, I would say, I hope this fucking movie fails. I love you, Chris Pratt. I love you, Bradley Cooper. I love you, Zoe Saldana. Love you, Dave Bautista. Thanks for being very vocal and sticking up for me. You're fantastic. Uh, I hope this movie fucking bombs. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's it's not going to be the typical James Gunn. He's not going to tell us it's the best Marvel movie ever made. I guarantee you that. So yeah, it's I'm, just I'm bullshit. All this. of it's so all of it's such bullshit. You guys talked about it before, but I mean, I have to. I agree with what you guys said too. This wasn't like a a secret that no one knew about. He already apologized for it. Like I feel like Disney just made it so much worse by firing him. They could have easily been like, "Oh yeah, we knew about this. This was already addressed." They yeah. should have uh, before moving fi- on. You know, before, kind of thing. like we've already addressed this before firing him. Literally like a day or two before San Diego Comic-Con happened, they should have released the news over the weekend that there's an investigation. They should have felt out the crowd from San Diego Comic-Con. They should have felt out the reaction from the public. And then once they found out that the reaction from the public was mostly like, this guy apologized for it, they were tasteless jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think timing played a part in in the bad decision, too, because you just had the Disney-Fox merger happen. Iger was on vacation, you know, because that took a lot longer than expected. And then I I think that honestly played a little bit into a hasty bad decision, too, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just a a lot of bad things went into this. Uh, Sony is going to be releasing that movie, though, Jake. Yeah, I read that. Yeah. Yeah, so, like... You know, he everything that he had planned for San Diego Comic Con, like the Sony stuff, got canceled. But uh, that movie is getting released regardless. So that's 
That's a good thing. I was uh, I was talking to Daniel Hepner, and we were talking about like I was I was saying like uh, what was it? I was wanting to see James Gunn do a uh, a Metal Men movie for Warner Brothers. Oh, that could be really cool. Wouldn't that's, it? That's the kind of thing you'd give him, like a, yes. an interesting team with you yes. know that he could kind of mold around. Absolutely, give him the Metal Men. Um, June, if you've never read Metal Men, that's understandable. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're, they're kind of like fringe DC characters. I was first introduced them, uh, introduced to them years ago. Uh, friends of mine had some old Metal Men comics and like, and then I went through and like found some on my own and read some and they're, they're really fun. It's each, each character is a different metal. You have aluminum, uh, gold and iron and all these different characters that are made of metal. And, uh, I, I honestly th- Mercury, um, yeah, but, uh, I think Gunn would excel doing like a metal men type of movie. Jake, you, you, you kind of like agree or like a booster gold, uh, you know, booster gold blue beetle movie would be really good. Yeah. I've suggested that in the past. Like that'd be really cool. I just wish him the best. Like I I really hope it's like he's able to give Disney a big middle finger by do having like a big rousing success with something after all this is said and done. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, moving on here, it looks like Marvel Studios. Uh, is losing the Russo brothers, who are now putting all their focus into AGBO. AGBO is the Los Angeles-based artist collective founded by Avengers Infinity War directors Anthony and Joe Russo. This is their new production company. Uh, last year, in October, Josh Brolin actually kind of alluded to this. It was a quote that he had, and he said, uh, he talked about them leaving, saying that he can't see them doing anything after these huge Avengers films, uh, doing them back to back. He just, Josh Brolin's impression was after, like, they filmed, like, these movies back to back, like, I can't see these guys coming back and doing this again. And then, uh, back in January, the Russo brothers spoke to MTV's Happy Sad Confused podcast, and Anthony Russo said, we're really proud of the movies we've been able to make with them, and we've had an amazing time doing it. We haven't talked about doing anything beyond these two movies, simply because we still have a mountain to climb with these two films. So now it looks like we might have a definitive answer from the directors, and it looks like it ties back to AGBO, their production company. AGBO, within the last few months, has optioned they're busy, guys. AGBO is very busy. They've optioned The Whisper Man. It's a thriller based on Alex North's novel. Uh, it's scheduled to be published in the summer of 2019. It centers on a grieving father who relocates his young son to the quiet town of Featherbank, which 15 years earlier was terrorized by a serial killer known as The Whisper Man. AGBO also partnered with uh, Neon on a reported $10 million deal for worldwide rights to Midnight Selection uh, Assassination Nation. The company's development roster includes The Electric Slate, based on a sci-fi novel, interactive project, Tension Experience, which is being produced with Saw 2's Darren Lynn Bozeman, Exit West, to be directed by Morton Tildum, and Everything Everywhere, All at Once, to be written and directed by Swiss Army Man directors The Daniels. Um, they also closed a deal with a movie... The last Neanderthal, Terry Notary is going to direct that one. He was the stunt court, he's a stunt coordinator and he played Cole Obsidian on Avengers Infinity War, one of the children of Thanos. That movie is going to be primarily motion capture from what I hear. Don't have a lot of information about it. So 
their company, the Russo's company, AGBO, has been making huge moves recently, a lot of deals, and now we have these quotes from the Russo's in an interview with Deadline that I wanted to read. This quote comes directly from Anthony Russo. We had this experience within Marvel where you're dealing with a vast number of movies, a large amount of storytelling, and we were able to see their abilities. It wasn't just making four movies. It was incorporating other franchise narratives. We saw their fluency in dealing with Thor, Guardians of the Galaxy, Iron Man, Spider-Man, and Black Panther, a character that was introduced in the last Captain America. We got a dry run with them over several years. We're done with our run at Marvel. When we deliver that next movie... When we deliver that movie next year, we will have spent seven years with Marvel, and they predated us and were there nine years. We've spent a bulk of our career working out a process together that is actually what we hope to do here. They're done, Jake. They, they're, they're, they're taking their talents, and they're going to be putting that into AGBO, their own production company. They've got kind of like... Marvel was kind of like their jumping off point. They started off with like doing the comedies and stuff like that. Um, they did great stuff with Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and then again in Captain America Civil War. And now with this first Avengers Infinity War movie, Avengers 4 is going to be their last movie. And then it feels like every effort that they have going in the future, maybe they'll take on executive producer roles at Marvel, but it feels like all their efforts and like, all their passion and creativity is actually going to be going towards AGBO. Yeah, I don't blame them. Now's the time. Strike while the iron's hot, right? I mean, they're going to have a lot of notoriety, and this is the time to, you know, step away from Marvel and see if they can't, you know, make their own stuff and make even more money. I mean, so, and yeah. I, it seems like they're leaving on great terms, too. So yeah. if they stumble and fall, surely they can come back. It's Well, see, here's the thing. I You know, okay, so like, this – it's great. I'm happy for him. I feel like, you know, we've seen J.J. Abrams start Bad Robot. You know, fucking even even Andy Serkis, even though his movies can't make it into a goddamn theater, he's doing shit, right? So mm-hmm. um, I'm proud of him. I, I want to see what AGBO has to offer. Um, I'm definitely intrigued by The Last Neanderthal. The Whisper Man sounds really interesting. But once they leave, Avengers 4, whatever it's titled, is not going to be the last Avengers movie. It's not going to be the last Avengers movie. We're going, no. to get, we're going to get more flagship Avengers films. Absolutely. Jake, who takes the reins? Who takes the reins? Uh, we've lost James Gunn. It felt like James Gunn was going to be able to take on their cosmic universe. He was going to be taking over the cosmic universe. James Gunn is gone. Uh, now, Avengers 5 comes out. Let's say Avengers 5... Okay, this next movie comes out in 2019. By 2022, they're ready for their next Avengers film, whether it be Secret Wars, whether it be Invasion. whether We don't know what it's going to be. But Avengers versus X-Men, we don't fucking know, Jake. But who's going to take the reins, man? Who are they going to get to come in there? I don't have an answer for you, but I can already tell you it's like the Russo brothers' shoes are going to be hard to fucking fill, dude. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, they, they just had it so down. Like they were able to kind of have that. It's such a fine line to like have jokes, but yet be dramatic and taken seriously. And I, I feel like they've nailed it more than any other like Marvel creative team. Joss Whedon did it for one movie. He was like a one and done, right? I don't know. Yeah. But I, I, as much as you enjoyed Age of Ultron, you know, you goddamn know, and I'm not, I'm not arguing with you here, but you know, Jake, that Age of Ultron was not what 
Avengers was. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But I can, I can, I guarantee you that I can put the three movies. And June, I want to get your input here too. But you can put the movies: uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier, Captain America: Civil War, and Avengers: Infinity War. You can put all three movies up on a board, and you can have different opinions from everybody saying like, "Oh, well, Winter Soldier is my favorite," or that guy is going to say like, "Oh." uh yeah, uh, fucking Civil War is my favorite. And that guy's gonna say, like, oh no, Infinity War is my favorite. And that girl over there, she's gonna say, well, no, that's my favorite. But if you stack Avengers versus Age of Ultron, I'm saying like 90% of the people are gonna say Avengers is better than Age of Ultron. Oh, yeah. I, I've, yeah. I've not seen the guy that says Age of Ultron is his favorite Marvel movie or Avengers movie. I'm being generous when I say 90%. I should have said 99 yeah, I'm, I agree. Ninety nine point eight. Exactly. I'm being fucking generous, but like the Russos have really kind of like up their game with each movie, or at least made like, like kind of like difficult for you to kind of choose like which of those movies is going to be your favorite, right? So um, these are going to be big shoes to fill once these guys leave. Jake, does it? Jake, June, I want to know: Does it all come down to Kevin Feige at this point? Like, even with these guys leaving. Kevin Feige's kind of like the puppet master. He's kind of like the the man with the plan. Does it all come down to Kevin Feige at this point? Can you do this without the Russos? Yeah, I mean they're definitely going to try. Whether or not it succeeds on this level is 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 something else, man. I don't. I I couldn't even guess who to begin to grab to fill in those shoes. I so. think you can replace the. Not, not saying they were okay. Not saying replace, but I think you can get. And part of the thing is, too, is like I think Marvel, they were smart. They got directors that didn't have blockbuster movie experience. But by doing that, they were able to bring a different a sort of flavor to these movies. Um, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's and, a great point. And, and, you know, and actually Taika Waititi, like in that, that Infinity War, like in that director's roundtable thing, one thing that Taika Waititi said, though, he said what he said he kind of freaked out at first. Like he was kind of panicked that he suddenly is like, he's doing this huge movie, this more, I mean, it's a Marvel movie and it's huge. And he said, one of the things that made me kind of relax, he's like, I took a step back and I realized he was like, they didn't hire me because like I'm this big action director. He acknowledges that he's like, that's not why they hired me. They hired me for something else like i bring something different to the table mm -hmm. and i think and that is why thor ragnarok was so successful because taiko Waititi dug into that thing that that very unique kind of humor and sensibility that he has and brought that to this big action film but do but but does that kind of director grow on trees you can i mean think about think you know i mean it's they they've they've kind of like struck gold with some of these guys i know they're going from like these comedy backgrounds and getting these guys like you know like the russos came from like the comedy background you know they'd worked on sitcoms was it parks and rec that they were on jake and then arrested development community oh community mm. okay. community yes. community and then and then arrested happy endings oh i loved happy endings i love happy endings that's like they wrote on that show oh, and that's actually that show. they kind of fascinate me because i think not everybody can do both t tv and film like that 
like, sure. I mean, there are some people who just, you know, you're very good at making TV shows. Mm-hmm. Some people are very good at making movies. And oh, yeah. to be able to go back and forth, like, yeah. very seamlessly, they're better kind than, of amazing. They're better, in my opinion, than Joss Whedon is as far as, like, that. I think Joss Whedon's better suited for, for television. Like, I, I really do. I, I As much as I loved Avengers, and I think Avengers is still my all-time favorite superhero film. Mine, too. In the it's MCU, mine, too. In the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, Mine too. That's yeah. my favorite one. Like if they they had that little generator thing that someone put up on the left of our Ari page where like it kind of you, you picked like it, it would show two of the movies, of the MCU, and you'd pick one and it kind of yeah. go through and then it would it was like this algorithm thing. It basically pop out like a list of like what you actually rank the films. Right. And mine, I did, I think I did it like three times. Mine was Avengers was always the first one. There you go. That's part. I mean, it's for me, it's like the, I saw, you know, it's not like, and I can't, I, I saw Avengers Infinity War five times in the theater. I saw, uh, Avengers five times in the theater. I saw Black Panther five fucking times in the theater. But at the end of the day, it's like, I, it's hard to recreate that experience that I had when I first saw the Avengers. When I first saw, when I first saw that movie and like those fucking, those fucking characters that I've been following for like four individual films and now they're all together in the same fucking space and now we've got like this panning shot of them like moving around and shit. I was like, holy fuck. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie when they're like, oh my god, here's fucking Thanos. The shawarma, I, the shawarma was fun, but when they showed me Thanos, I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, oh my god, fucking Thanos, are you fucking kidding me? Cause like, you gotta understand, back in 2012, like, I'd say like less than 10%, less than 10%, way less than 10% of the audience that went to see that movie had no clue who that fucking purple looking oh, no, dude was. I didn't know who it was. Yeah, it just you knew it worked, right? Like seeing the Avengers, yeah. like it was the first time. Like you, yes, you had the post credit sequences in the previous movies, but this was like you were getting an entire movie that yeah. was built upon yeah. four other movies. And then, like you're right about the Thanos thing. Like it, once you saw Avengers work, the first storyline you go to, it's like, well, if this fucking works, then <sighs> wow, we can actually yeah. do Infinity Gauntlet. And yeah. before the movie's over, you actually even kind of see that tease. So mm-hmm. it was huge. Yeah, it was huge. So, yeah. Funny enough about that Thanos thing. So, I don't know. Like, I didn't know who the fuck Thanos was, right? So, this movie gets released, and then um, the following year, that was in 2012. The following year, um, 2013, that's when I started dating my now husband. And so, I had him watch Avengers. This is So, for my, my not pop culture, my non-nerd culture husband, like, at the end, he saw the tag scene, and I was like, "You have no idea who that is, do you?" And he was like, "Oh, he was like, that's like the the bad, like the main like villain for the Avengers." And I was like, "How the fuck did you know that?" I guess there was this cart. There were a couple of cartoon series in the seventies. Like there was a Spider Man one and a Thor and an Iron Man. Like when he was a kid, that he watched. Mm. Oh, okay, but I was like, I just remember being like, "Oh, okay, well now I feel dumb because Jake." Do you remember the fucking, uh, okay, like, it was the old fucking animated show. Like, they would have, like, I think it was, like, 15-minute blocks, and, like, one was, like, the Fantastic Four, but they had the X-Men one, and Wolverine was Australian? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was actually, a, like, a pilot yeah. for an X-Men cartoon that failed. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You, so, you remember, like, Wolverine was Australian. Do you remember, like, how funny that was to look back once they cast Hugh Jackman? Oh. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because people made fun of that so much that that he was Australian. So yeah, then they just go and do that. It was fucking stupid hearing Wolverine with an Australian accent. Yeah, it was stuff. That was a great cartoon though. It like really centered around Shadowcat too, I remember. Yeah. Oh my god, I haven't watched it. I think you can watch those on YouTube though. They're still on YouTube, I think. Yeah, it was super cool. Alright, so yeah, the Russo brothers are leaving. Those are gonna be tough shoes to fill for the next Avengers movie. But we'll see. It'll be it'll be interesting. Uh, DC news. Let's move into that. You fucking pieces of shit. <laughs> Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina, and now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. It's time for DC news. You fucking pieces of shit. A little bit of foreshadowing there. Huh? It's so harsh. I know. Oh my gosh. Uh, Brendan Fraser has been cast as one of the leads. This comes from Deadline, uh, for the new, uh, Doom Patrol series. He's gonna be playing Robot Man slash, uh, his real name is Cliff Steele. <laughs> Cliff Steele. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what porn is that from? That's what I was thinking. Cliff Steele, porn star. Definitely got a fucking really, a thick mustache, right? Yes. Yes, even thicker than like Cavill's from like Mission oh, Impossible, yeah. right? Yeah, it's a very thick Cliff Steel mustache, um, veiny cock, right? <laughs> oh, definitely. definitely. I, I want to say uncomfortable things and get reactions. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. <laughs> I, I kind of want to push this topic of Cliff Steele's veiny cock, Jake. <laughs> I want to take this to a weird place, man. Um, so, I, it, that's great. That was the first thing. That was your first. You go to the mustache, <laughs> then you go to the veiny cock. <laughs> like, oh man, I don't know. Like really veiny, almost like like uh, like like your grandmother's spider veins. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's where, it's almost like the skin around his penis is translucent, and you've just got, like, a look inside at the human, like, nervous system. And you, you can just see this guy's veiny penis. <laughs> like a biology experiment. Just, yeah, like, like, <laughs> like, like, uh, one of those, uh, one of those model, like those, uh, yeah, those biology models where, like, you can see, like, past the dermis, past the skin, you get to see, like, the nervous yeah. system and the veins and everything, yeah, yeah, like the anatomy models. Exactly. That's that's this guy's cock, Cliff Steele. <laughs> Cliff Steele, just like it really jumps out at you, like whoa, that's, that's impressive. A, that is a veiny penis, sir. Your 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 dermis is not covering anything. It's it's showing me everything right now. <laughs> it's like no, it's like you get a look behind the curtain. You know what I mean? I just started. This I started is, laughing because I, I've now forgotten even what we're talking about. No, this is like this is like if David if David Copperfield just showed you how he did every trick. That's this guy's penis. Uh, I maybe I don't want that. Then I don't want to learn the tricks. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't. I don't even know where I'm going. I'm just hoping it's funny in some way, and it's probably not. Um. <laughs> but uh yeah, uh Brendan Fraser. Uh, I feel sorry for June having to listen to that whole thing. <laughs> she didn't have any I input. I was very surprised. <laughs> I I'm just I'm gonna be honest, like I heard bits and parts of it. I got distracted by an article about college football. So. 
Wow. Wow. She's more of a man than I am, right? Is that right, Jake? <laughs> I know. <laughs> she was distracted by sports. She didn't have time to fucking hear what we were saying. I'm, ta- I'm, I'm talking about Cliff Steele's fictitious cock. I heard, yeah, I heard bits and parts, and then I was like, ooh, I think it, it got to the, I think it got to the point where, like, June was like, I don't think I want to listen to this, so I am going to check out this article about college football where hopefully they don't talk about penis. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see. Cliff, Cliff, Cliff. Yeah, that's the funniest thing June could have been doing instead of paying yeah. attention reading college football uh, articles. I really was though. Uh, oh, I believe. Yeah, I. Uh, uh, and apparently, uh, University of South Carolina. Um, I guess Jay Z had a concert there, and so they have to replace their football field before opening weekend next weekend. He fucked up because their apparently field? Jay- yeah, they fucked up their football field. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. wow. Yeah. Oh, well, Cliff Steele's fucking up Doom Patrol here with his <laughs> veiny penis. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Jake, I don't know. I, I could, I, I'll be honest. I don't know shit about Doom Patrol. No, I don't. I don't have much knowledge of it either, to be honest with you. Brendan Fraser is playing Cliff Steele, apparently the character. uh, He's a former race car driver. Cliff Steele, race car driver, was in a horrific horrific accident uh, that left his body uninhabitable. So Cliff's brain was saved by the mysterious Dr. Niles Calder, and uh, he lives in a powerful robotic body now. So they took out the brain of Cliff Steele so his fucking mangled body with his veiny cock is just left off the side of the road after this accident and they take his brain and they plop it into this robotic body and now cliff Steele, he's robot man they didn't really think about that name too much did they robot man robot man yeah, yeah. this is pretty uninspired like, pretty uninspired it was this like 60s or 70s where they just didn't give a shit like all these names were available like this was like day one of yahoo you get to create whatever the fuck your fucking Yahoo email address is going to be. So you're like, I'm going to be Superman at Yahoo.com. So they're just like, they're just like, this is like, this is like day one where you can create characters and they're just like, ah, oh, nobody's got a robot man yet. Let's make a robot man. Yeah, go for it. They're all available. We could do any of them. Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man, Batman. Oh, I am glad to day. hear that, but I'm glad to hear that Brandon Frazier's and stuff. Um, recently though, he was on, um, Really? He was on that show on FX, um, Trust. Mm, I heard he's good. No, he was really good in that. Um, yeah. And what's so funny is because um, it's the story about J. Paul Getty, mm-hmm. which, you know, that movie had come out. Like, I mean, that movie, the movie and the show were really, they it was not very far apart in terms of like when they were both released. No, the, and, movie, um, the movie tried to, the movie went out of its way to beat the television show by coming out. But like. You know, Mark Wahlberg plays the character, um, Chase Fletcher, I think is the name of the character. Yeah. That was Mark Wahlberg's character in the movie. In the show, it was Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser, I mean, granted, they both took the movie and the show to a completely different, like, stylistically. I mean, everything, you know, they took the stories in different ways. But, I mean, I, I prefer Brendan Fraser's version of that character much better. Did he have a veiny penis? Yeah, I don't think you can show those on FX, so. You can show stuff like that on HBO, but. Yeah. Oh, man. 
Uh, June, June paused. I didn't know if he was even going to speak again after that. No, I. It's, it's, it's terrible how much I've talked about <laughs> Brendan Cliff Steele's veiny penis, Jake. What is, <laughs> this segment has just been dominated by uh, by a veiny penis. Um, oh, wait, yeah, wait, did you yeah. did you just say this episode was terrible because wait I need a timestamp because I made a bet oh, with my yeah. husband as to when you would say that. I uh, the, would it be great if I had a timestamp where it's like, it's just like Brian and Jake and June talk about veiny penis. <laughs> that should be the only timestamp. Only timestamp yeah. in the whole episode. <laughs> you should find. You, you should give one timestamp an episode. <laughs> Oh my god, and the people that want time things, that would make him so pissed. Be like, that is not what I was talking about. <laughs> oh man. Ah, uh, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, so, uh, Brendan Frey, Frey. How the, how the, how the fuck did I even get off on talking about how Cliff Steele's got a veiny penis? That's why I said later. I was like, I, I completely forgot even what we were talking about after a minute of that. I was like, I don't even know where this came from. No, is well, penises are weird like that though, Jake. Like all of a sudden, like you know, it's like there's no vein there, and all of a sudden, oh, and then it's like it's like it's like that you know, like that vein in your forehead that goes nuts. Like you ever seen that where like somebody's like got that when big, you get mad, when you get mad, and you got that vein in your forehead. That's what your penis in that does. Temple, yeah, yeah, that your penis gets all excited and it's like, whoa, holy shit, pumping a lot of blood down here. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, bam, it's like, it's like, is your penis aggravated at that moment? You know, like Cliff Steele is just like, that's his cock is just like insanely aggravated. <laughs> I'm very angry. Cliff Steele. Um, <laughs> I have an aggravated penis. <laughs> I like your angry penis voice. I know. <laughs> Give me that vagina. Get that vagina over here. <laughs> um. Got a story here from CBR.com. <laughs> I gotta take shit seriously now. <laughs> Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Yeah, I need it. Let's, I need it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll be right back, okay? All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Hey, we're back. All right. So here's the question $100 million. Or you are haunted by dreams of Cliff Steele's veiny penis. <laughs> Hold on. And it, it like it's so veiny, it looks like, you know, like the atlas that your parents pulled out on family vacations like when you were a kid back in the 80s and you had all the blue and red lines going through it, like all the different roads yes. and streets and shit. Like that's how veiny this thing looks. And every night you are haunted by that thing. It is like coming after you. It's Cliff Steele's veiny penis. Looks like a map of like fucking like downtown Iowa or some shit, downtown Iowa City, and it's just crazy. Like a uh, hundred million dollars of that. Give me the hundred million dollars and the veiny penis dreams. I'm in. <laughs> no, I'm not still taking the money. That just sounds terrible, Ryan. Like, that just sounds so awful. That sounds so awful. Yeah, no, I'm not taking the money. Uh, no, give, give me, no, keep the money. Give me the money. <laughs> That's how terrible. Give me the money. Give me the money. Me and Neil deGrasse uh, um, Tyson, we can talk about that veiny penis. And- uh, oh, you're in, too. I feel better. I'm starting to feel like a weirdo. No, 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 Jake. I'm all in. I am all, all in. All right, good, good. 
Give, give me you some. Know, it's because you guys actually have penises. I think that's it. You're really fine, whatever. No, penises are even scarier to guys that are straight. <laughs> if you're straight, if you're a straight, if you're a straight guy, penises are very scary. Like the you know, like I have a relationship with mine because it's attached to my body, but like other penises, I want nothing to do with. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's going to be an easy life with these veiny penis dreams. No, it's like, I'm questioning everything. You know, I'm like Neil deGrasse Tyson when I look at movies. You know what I mean? I'm questioning everything. Why? Am, like I, you know, like why am I having these dreams about this veiny penis? Ah, what's going on here? Um, but you know, I'll take the money. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I couldn't awful. do the, I couldn't do the death dream, but I think I can, I think I can live with the baby teeth. You know, I'm not taking melatonin to make the dreams more vivid, but you know, so. Oh my god. <laughs> it's, oh, it's in 3D now. Veins bursting all over yeah. the place. Yeah. Oh my god, See, it just makes it so much worse. Yeah, keep your money, keep it. Uh, let's see here. I got this story from CBR.com. Uh, DC has announced the DC Daily, a new daily sh- news show on the DC Universe service, as well as an initial live stream introduction to be hosted by director and comic book writer Kevin Smith. So they're going to be having a uh, live stream show about the DC Universe service uh, and all DC news hosted by Kevin Smith. Yeah, I think this is a fantastic idea. Like, the, I... This is what I think Netflix should have been doing for a long time. And it's like fucking DC. I mean, they're not even going to have enough content to talk about every day and they're still going to give it a shot. So yeah. I think this is a fantastic idea. I think it's a good way for them also to kind of like talk about the comic books too, you know? Yeah. I think it also it's a good way to serve as something for people that aren't paying the eight bucks a month yet to see every day to entice them into pain. Because I've heard reports that this is going to be available to like watch on their Facebook pages and on their website and stuff. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good way for them to uh, to do some free advertisement here. Yeah, I, I like it. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, the DC Universe live, live stream introducing DC Daily uh, is set for Wednesday, August 29th from 4.30 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. Hosted by yeah, so we'll have seen that before our next PCL. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. So, yeah, looking forward to well, it. I, I like Kevin Smith. I listen to most of his podcasts. Uh, so yeah, I, I've hated on Kevin Smith a lot on this podcast, but honestly, I think he's a perfect personality to do this type of thing. Mm-hmm. He's shown tons of love for the DC universe and its franchises, and I think he come will come across as very sincere and believable talking about the source material. Yeah, yeah, he's written for DC as well. So you know, he did uh, the Batman series. What else has he done for DC? I know he's done the Daredevil series for Marvel. I know he's done more for DC. Well, he did. Uh, did he do uh, Green Arrow? Yeah, he did Green yeah, Arrow. Yeah, he did yeah. a Flash episode, right? Well, no, I'm th- I'm talking about uh, comics. Oh, the but comics. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. But in, yeah, he in, did a big Green Arrow run. In uh, television, he's done. Um, he's he's not done Green Arrow. He's done Supergirl and Flash episodes. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, Han- so, quick quick oh, question: These yeah. the, this the DC and then the Disney streaming services like. Are those like separate subscriptions that you'd have to pay, or yes. is it something like with um, like HBO? They're separate. They're, they're separate. separate. Like, well, like where you'd be able to like log in through if you had cable. They're separate. No, no. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's an actual service, June. It's it's like a it's an eight buck a month service from DC. So like Netflix. So it'd be some more like a Netflix Hulu thing. Yes. Exactly like that. Okay. It's not available. It's going to be available on iOS and Android, Roku, Google Chrome. It's not on PS4 yet. PS3 or PS4. So it's not on those yet. So it. It, it feels like, you know, when I watch the service, I'm either going to have to watch it on my iPad or I'm going to have to drop some money on a Roku. Hmm. Yeah, it's going to be on Apple TV, though, right? I don't have an Apple TV. I gave my Apple uh, TV to my buddy. So, yeah. That's right. That's right. Because that's how I plan on, on yeah, watching it. But, like, yeah, it's going to be on iOS stuff. So, yeah. I hope it's on PS3 and PS4. Like, the nice thing about... I know Crackle is not like the biggest place to go, but Crackle, like, they launch a lot of stuff on the PS3, PS4 Crackle than before. They launched a lot of stuff earlier on that than they do on the regular Crackle service online, so. Yeah. It might just be a technical issue, because I gotta imagine that, um, they wanna be on those providers. Yeah. It's probably, it's probably just them working out kinks. They gotta work out the deal too, because like, uh, Ustream, when Ustream was like, uh, when PS4 first came out, Ustream was on PS4 and they lost their deal with, I think they wanted more money for PS4 to be able to carry their streaming service there. And so PS4 and PS3 lost Ustream. Mm. And a lot of people were doing like the, the Ustream like live broadcasts right there from their PlayStations and kind of I remember I didn't well, know they like, weren't um, doing Ustream. They're done with Ustream. Well, Prime Amazon Prime just recently became available on Apple TV. Like oh, I want to wow. say within the past in this year. It makes sense. They're kind of, they're competitors at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. but like, but now you can get Prime. Yeah. On your Apple TV, but we. The only way for me to watch stuff like on our app, because we have an Apple TV, the only way for me to be able to watch like Amazon Prime is I have to do the screen mirroring thing. And I could that's watch not, stuff. That's, that's not yeah. true anymore, June. Do you have a newer Apple TV? Um, actually, what's funny is um, we did that direct TV, whatever, that streaming thing. Because if you signed up for three months and you, they gave you a Apple, the new Apple 4 TV, the 8, like whatever, the 4K, the newest yeah. one. Yeah, for the last eight months, they have an Amazon Prime app that you can download for your Apple TV directly. Yeah, from so Apple. that's the one that. So we have that one. That one's pretty new. We've only had that one for like a month. I'm thinking about getting a Roku Ultra, but mm, what makes that Ultra? It's 4K, so okay. it's not like I have 4K TV right now, but like I'm always thinking about upgradability, and. If I buy the 4K now, when I do get that 4K TV in the future, this will be ready for it. I won't have to go and spend the extra money to get the 4K Roku, right? Yeah, yeah. God, 4K is such, it's kind of bullshit, though. I was just talking about this over I the weekend. I don't really get – I don't I really understand what it is. I don't honestly have no idea. I don't understand. You have to have like a 70-inch or bigger TV to even be able to see the difference between the fucking – Oh. What's currently available in 4K anyway? I mean, they're not telling you that at Best Buy or, Am- or on Amazon, but that's that's the case. I mean, it's so it's so minor, so it's yeah. crazy. But yeah, I, I'm suckered in too. If I bought a TV, I'm not clowning anyone. I'd buy 4K in a second, yeah. but it re- it's really like so insignificant unless your TV is the size of your wall. Well, I mean, and they're gonna have 8K available in the future. I mean, it's just gonna keep <laughs> you know. 
It's not going to stop at 4K. Uh, Han- yeah, we have one of those curved. We have one of those curved TVs, like the Samsung curved ones. Oh shit! Nice. And, but like, it doesn't. Honestly, I can't tell the difference between it's, that. It's not and like our. It, it, yeah. It's really not about that. It's about your placement where you, if you are, it's about your placement in your living room. So you're watching that TV in your living room, and it doesn't matter if you're watching it from the left side of the room or the right side of the room. You should be pretty centered on it. That's what it's. Kind okay. of, that's kind of like what my belief of like the curved screen is. It's like it doesn't matter where you are in the room. You you get a good picture every time, no matter where you're sitting. Yeah, I've read that that technology is kind of a bust too, and that we're probably not going to be seeing more curved TVs in the near future. Oh, uh, do you remember the? And let me tell you, you you can tell when it's crooked too, like the curved TV as opposed to just a regular flat screen. If it's just a little bit like crooked or whatever, it you it's so noticeable. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I've heard like it's almost worse from the lefts and the rights. Like it's almost yeah. an absolute failure in design. Like because it wow. is supposed to do exactly as Brian described. But it honestly makes it worse than a flat it does. screen TV. It, you have wow. to watch it head on. That's fucked up. Yeah, because I, I yeah. feel like uh, some of these TV things are gimmicky. Do you remember the Philips Ambient TV, Jake? Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do. I do. Yeah, yeah, the Philips Ambient TV. So if you're watching a show, like let's say they go into the uh, the upside down when you're watching Stranger Things and everything's kind of like all red or whatever the fuck, like your back wall would light up as all red. So it's supposed to be like ambient, which is like your surroundings. Your surroundings would be a part of like what you're watching. So (laughs) I thought that that was like when it first came out, when I was like, I don't know, I was in my early twenties. I was like, Oh wow, that's awesome. And then I get older and I realized what a fucking gimmick, you know? So yeah, Yeah. I want, I want like the aroma vision for the TV. Like when you see like, you know, like it could have like shoot out like misty smells. Oh yeah, when do you you're remember, watching stuff, man. Do you remember when Fox, when it was Sweeps Week back in like the '90s, when uh, when it was Sweeps Week and Fox did that for their shows? They had. Uh, oh, I love all gimmicks like that. Well, they had for one night only, and I think it was like there was the night where they had it was like their Sunday night where they would play Married with Children. They had Living Single, and I can't remember the other shows, but they had like all these gimmicks, and, and I think it, everything came in the TV guide. Yeah, TV Guide yeah, came with, correct. with 3D glasses. You could watch Married with Children in 3D. You could watch Living Single. There was like four times within the episode where it came with a scratch and sniff panel. And on the show, they would talk about something that smelled. And they so like the first thing that smelled, like you'd scratch the number one slot and you could smell what they were smelling on TV. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, I do. I do. That was yeah. awesome. I was a Third total sucker for that kind of shit. I think Third Rock from the Sun because I think that was – wasn't that Fox and then you had 3D Glass? Because Third Rock from the Sun did the same thing. Third Rock from the Sun yeah. was it was one of the major networks. It was one of the big – Yeah, and they did – okay, and they did a thing where like you went to like – yeah, it did come on the TV guide. You had like 3D glasses or whatever and like they mm-hmm. had a, an episode that yeah. was like the 3D episode and there were certain moments where you put the glasses on. I record yeah. – I actually have on VHS somewhere in my possession the 3D episode of Married with Children. And like sure, I remember – That's awesome. Yeah. And like there's one part where like Kelly's playing like Frisbee with Buck and she throws the Frisbee at the screen and that's like a big 3D moment. And I was like, <laughs> this is so lame. Yeah. Um, I, my name was Earl. My name is Earl did that too. They had a scratch and sniff episode and it also came in the TV guide. Oh, that's funny. Um, Hans Zimmer is uh, officially scoring Wonder Woman 1984. 
Nice. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That, should, that should be great. I'm happy. I'm very happy. I loved what he did with the Nolan movies and um, Wonder Woman 1984. Hopefully it'll have like a lot of like 1980s influence as far as like the score is concerned. You think it'll be synthy? I would love that, Jake. <laughs> I would love that. I would also love like the Wonder Woman guitar riff if it sounded like Slash from fucking um, Slash. <laughs> oh, even that done synthy would be fucking. I can hear it in my mind. Like death, yeah, like too. a like a Death Leopard guitar riff or something. Gu- guitar riff or something. So, yeah, Hans Zimmer. I can't. You can't go wrong with that guy. Geeks Worldwide reported that Supergirl might have uh, director Reed Morano. Uh, she might be. Uh, the uh, on the short list Warner Brothers short list of directors for Supergirl, so they help me out. Reed Morano, she's the director for um, uh, A Handmaid's Tale on Hulu. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, they say we now have word from multiple sources that Reed Morano is currently at the top of the studio's wish list to direct Supergirl. No offer, uh, no official offer has been made, and we haven't heard if a meeting has taken place. Um, she, that's going to be a really dark Supergirl movie. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> see, that's the thing. It's like, is she going to go that route? So she's best known for Handmaid's Tale. Uh, she did Meadowland. She did an Elle Fanning movie uh, called I Think We're Alone Now. And um, uh, a lot of people, just because of this rumor, are speculating that Elle Fanning could be you know, they could be looking at casting her as Supergirl because they've been working together in the past, which it's, that, it's not. That's out an of the, easy jump to make. It's not out of the question. Yeah, I mean, we saw like Michael B. Jordan, who has worked with Ryan Coogler on several projects before Black Panther, like got the role of Killmonger. So I Trank basically did the same thing with Jordan for Fantastic Four. That's yeah, that's true. That's very true because of uh, because of uh, Chronicle. Chronicle, yeah. Um, what do you think about Reed Morano directing a Supergirl movie? I don't know. I'm I'm not 100% sold on it. I love her. I love Handmaid's Tale, but I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it, I can't help but think about the earlier conversation with the Russos. I mean, you never know. I mean, you don't know if yeah. one of these TV people could work out unless you try it, and when it does work out, man, does it ever. So I had my heart I, I've had my heart set on Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, that's I, I could see why, why that that would be fun. I've had my it's, heart set on Elizabeth Banks directing it, and honestly, like, I have a weird choice for Supergirl. Do you, do I want to know, June? Do you have a choice for Supergirl, Jake? Do you have a choice for Supergirl? I, I don't. I don't. Uh-uh. I maybe she's a little too old. I mean, Elle Fanning's around the right age. I just I don't see Elle Fanning as being Supergirl. I'm sorry, I just don't. I know she's a little bit older. I think you can make her look younger, but I, Britt Marling from the OA. Mm. Yeah, I'm not familiar with her either. I'm not, so, yeah. Okay. Your, your listeners, I'm sure now. Yeah, I'm sure a few. Anybody that watched the OA, yeah, she's a little bit older. I think she could still pass for her 20s. I don't know. I just kind of like to see her and Cavill working together. Superman, Supergirl, Britt Marling. Look How at old her. is she, like, approximately? Britt Marling is. Pr- 36 i believe okay she was born in 82 how old is how old is she supposed to be like how old is she like, in the show well, in the show like in the show i've never seen this i've never seen the supergirl show i but, found like, out i found out that that supergirl in the show in all actuality is 52 years old but because she was like suspended in animation or whatever you know within mm-hmm. the, within the ship and stuff like that she's actually i think within the show she's 26 years old that's her age in the show, but in real life, you know, like not in real life, but 
26 in the show, but like 52 years in Kryptonian from when she was born. I mean, yeah, I mean, she definitely has it. the look, Brian. Doesn't she? Britt Marling yeah. really has that look, man. Yeah. I don't yeah. think she's too old. The show, I've never seen the Super Bowl <clears throat> show. Everyone, a lot of people though, that I know watch it. Um, I just can't get past, and I, I know this is not fair at all, but the main, the actress who plays her, Melissa, Melissa Benoist. Benoist. Yeah. I, so she, I can't stand her. I love her. Only be, only because the only thing I've ever seen her in, she joined the cast of Glee in its fourth season. Yeah. And I did love Glee and I, it, she's not the only reason why I stopped watching the show, but she was a main one because her character was insufferable. But what made it worse was that her character was not meant to be insufferable. Hmm. You want, you're supposed to like, and sympathize with this character, but her character was unbearable. You gotta separate that though. You gotta gotta separate that from the Supergirl. You gotta separate that from the Supergirl show. I think she's, she's really sweet and really charming in the Supergirl stuff. Is she? Okay. Yeah. Like, well, like her character in Glee was actually like super sweet, super charming, but like, and it's not, I mean, if you read about it, like, I mean, my God, like her character was like one of the worst things to ever happen to Glee. So, um, they just put a bad taste in my mouth. It was just hard for, I could never get over that, but, um, but everyone tells me it's a super cute show. Like it's really cute. It's fun. Yeah. Doesn't like take it. itself too seriously. So I like it. I I, I like Melissa Benoist. And it's what like six or five seasons or something. Uh, like they just finished the third season, I believe. Okay, for she feels like it's been on for a while. Yeah. Um, Reed Morano is the director of this. I don't know. Handmaid's Tale is such a sad and dour kind of like story. I. I can't see it, but Jake, you're right. Like we've seen the Russos go from comedy and doing like the, you know, the very action, very heavy action oriented, you know, Marvel films. I'm not saying like she doesn't have it in her. It's just, you know, I don't know. At first glance, it just seems like it's completely different. And 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 you can say to yourself, well, Brian, you're casting Britt Marling as Supergirl, and I've never seen her in anything light and cheery. And you're absolutely fucking right. So I. I'm a fucking moron, right? <laughs> I know. I, I'm totally. I, I'm. I'm admitting to that. Like Britt Marling is in the OA, and it's like that, that's not like a light and airy show. She was in another. She was in a movie called Another Earth, and that's not like some like. I, but I think my choice of Elizabeth Banks as director, I think that's pretty goddamn solid, and I like it. Yeah, I would not be opposed to that so, at all. All right, let's move into Star Wars news, people. We're gonna wrap this shit up the old Star Wars news. Hey guys, what are Lisa saying? You were supposed to be here with me listening to Pop Culture Leftovers podcast. It's not true. That's impossible. Ain't got a lot to talk about this week, but um, a Star Wars fan, Jose Ruiz, went to the Star Wars. Now listen, hear me out here. This fan went to, Jose Ruiz went to the Star Wars Resistance page on StarWars.com and he inspected the page. Cause you can click on your, you can click on your little browser there, your little web browser, you can inspect the page. Click on that little inspect page thing on there and it'll show you all this metadata. And within, the, with embedded within the metadata, it had a description about Star Wars Resistance that wasn't readily available and readable on the actual page and embedded in the metadata it says that star wars resistance takes place about six months before the uh, before the force awakens 
That's legit. Mm. That's legit. It's on a Star Wars website, and it's embedded in the page. That's legit, man. I've got the I got the screenshot. Yeah, I believe it. That's cool. I like that timeline. Yeah, I mean, we know that this new character Kaz is hanging out with Poe Dameron, so we know like this is like pre The Force Awakens. We just didn't know like how pre Force Awakens it was. Sounds like it's only six months, which makes me wonder like as this show goes on. Maybe if it's going to go on, like, Rebels go on four seasons, are we actually going to be, like, post The Force Awakens when the show goes on? Are we going to be carrying – are we going to be following these characters and their adventures and what they're doing? You know, Kaz, his pit crew, all these different characters. Um, are we going to be following what they're doing while The Force Awakens is going on? Of course, we you know, we will – Poe will not be involved in those episodes because Poe is going to be on his own mission with Finn and all this other stuff. And then his separation with Finn and then whatever he's going through, uh, within the force awakens. But are we going to be following? I know probably the first season is going to be like this six months before the force awakens, but like how long can you stretch the six months out is what I'm saying. You know, like, are we going to, is it going to bleed into the force awakens and following these characters, like what they're doing during the same movie? Yeah, I mean, maybe the plan is very much to plan with Rebels, you know, to just not, you know, not plan a lifetime of a series here and just get, you know, three to six seasons of something here I'm, and then move on to a, something else. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not, I'm yeah, not yeah. arguing that. I'm saying like, but Rebels took, we went, we saw Ezra grow up. We saw Ezra grow up over like three, four years. We saw that character get older. You know, that's what I'm saying. This, this, this series takes place six months before The Force Awakens. After the first season, are we going to be like month two? Or are we going to be fucking like bleeding into the same timeline as The Force Awakens and following these characters' actions during the events of The Force Awakens? I think that will happen. I, if, I would guess they would wait at least a couple seasons. Like wait till like season three to like shoot off like getting people – excited about that kind of thing you know yeah. it's yeah. impossible to imagine them not doing that because it's such an easy grab like you can get people that haven't even watched mm-hmm. the first two seasons to watch now because now you're advertising that you're concurrent with the force awakens well all i can tell you jake is like it's been confirmed that we are getting princess leia organa general leia organa by this time she's going to be in the series they got a different uh actor voice actor to play the role and Captain Phasma is going to be a part of this series as well. So, oh wow, yeah, we're getting more Phasma. Um, we need more Phasma because we didn't get a lot of Phasma. What well, Phasma that we did get was kind of <laughs> yeah, kinda, less is more with Phasma, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> very, very true. Um, so yeah, um, June, did you watch Rebels? Are you a Star Wars person? No, I love Star Wars. Um, I, in terms of the shows though, um, I've only seen bits and parts of the animated shows. Mm-hmm. Um, my niece and nephew are super into it. Um, so whenever I see my sister, um, I go visit them or whenever they visit us, um, I, I've seen parts of like Clone Wars and stuff, but so, cause I'm a little confused though. I feel, so are there two new Star Wars shows coming out? Cause I know you yes. have the John Favreau one. Yes. Okay. 
the John Favreau one is going to be a live action Star Wars series. Okay. That's going to be on the Disney streaming service whenever that is launched. Um, this is going to be on the Disney Channel. Uh, the first episode's gonna be an hour. It's gonna be animated. The animation looks more kind of like a self-shading animation. It's not like you're- Okay, this is the one that made people angry, right? Cause it yeah, looks- yeah, it's the race. <laughs> it's basically, you've got this character, Kazuda, and Ka- they call him Kaz, and Kaz, Kaz Zayano is, I believe, the character's name. Uh, and Kaz is gonna be a spy for the resistance. But he's also going to be playing this role of like a, uh, like a, not a pod racer, but kind of like a, like a, he is, a, he's kind of like a, a pilot slash, he's going to be in these races. And, um, he's going to be going undercover. He's going to have his own pit crew. And he's trying to find out who is loyal to the resistance and who is not. And his okay. main point of contact is going to be Poe Dameron. And I feel like what's going to be really cool about this is kind of like the spy element to it. And then also I feel like if he gets caught, like I don't know if Poe Dameron's going to come to his rescue. I think that would be kind of cool. Poe's like, hey, listen, this is your mission. And if you get caught, you're fucked. You know? So I, I kind of feel like the resistance doesn't have the resources to kind of like bail this guy out if he gets caught. I think that that would be really cool. That's me making up fanfic, but you know, I don't. That's that, kind of like what happened in um what Rogue One though in the very beginning though where you have um and I honestly I saw Rogue One the one time in the theater I can't remember the characters but you do have the two characters um one of them he's injured and then um the main guy he just kind of like late lets him get killed because he was like I can't carry you I can't. You know, oh, oh yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. That, was, that the, was when I realized that I was like, this is not going to be your typical Star Wars film. And at the time, my niece and nephew were only five, and I told her, I remember texting my sister, being like, "This might not be the one you take them to." Hey, Jake, have you seen the trailer for the uh, Felicity Jones? I wasn't a big fan. Have you seen the trailer for her playing Ruth Gator Ben uh, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg in that new movie? <laughs> no, but I'm not going to be able to take that seriously thanks to Saturday Night Live. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you just you just got Ginsburg. <laughs> I haven't seen that sketch. Oh, I love that with Kate McKinnon. <laughs> yeah, have you seen the one where she takes like the emergency, but it's like a packet that's as big as her head? Because she's like, I ain't dying. She's like, I ain't dying. I'll be here. At two. She's like, I got my. Oh, that's team. funny. Yeah, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. I've seen that. Oh my god! And it's like this packet of emergency, but it's so big, and she rips it off. She rips off the top and just like chugs it. Oh, you know, you know what I'm, you know what I didn't talk about in Good Pop Bad Pop was uh, Who Is America with uh, fucking uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Have you seen that, June? I no, I've not watched any of it, but I've heard, I've heard some like crazy things from it though. Oh my god, crazy it is, shit uh, from it. Save it if you want to save it for next week. We're gonna get Showtime here tomorrow. Okay, we'll so we'll talk about it next week then. But he fucking, we'll talk about it next week, but he fucking tricks a food critic into thinking that the food critic, the food critic thinks he's eating a human being and he likes it. (laughs) And then, and then, hold on, hold on. He tricks a food critic into thinking he's eating a human being. The, the food critic enjoys what he's eating. And then he asks the food critic to thank the family. And to tell them that their son tastes delicious. <laughs> oh, and that it would God. be, a, it would That's be so a, dark. It's dark, but it's fucking.
fucking funny. No, it doesn't oh, mean no, that because he funny, convinces but... like a. Sh- I think he convinces a sheriff to like admit that like he molest a kid or something. I don't know. Something oh my crazy. god, I haven't seen that one. That must be a new or one. Or like or some there's something where he like he convinces somebody to admit that they would do something really terrible. Oh yeah, he does a lot of that kind of stuff. And you're just like but it, and it's stuff you're just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, it's insane. It's a fucking insane show. He does he 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 pretends that he's like this ex convict who talks to like this artist and she like has her own exhibitions and stuff like that. And he shows her all the art that he did while he was in prison, and he draws it out of poop and cum. Oh, God. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh it is. And then he, and then he, he takes that same character, and he uh, talks to, like, a, a DJ, and uh, he, uh, he convinces this DJ to have him submit his music at like this EDM festival. So he shows up at this EDM festival and his music is basically like prison sounds. And some of the prison sounds that he throws into like his electronic dance music is the sounds of like men being sodomized. <gasps> oh my God. This is terrible. It's fucking <laughs> insane. <laughs> this, oh man. This show did is, you, um, yeah. Yeah. Star Wars news. Fuck you. Did whatever. You, did you guys talk about, um, resistance, the resistance trailer last week? Resistance. Well, who's in there? Is, isn't that what it's called? My bad. What's um, it called? Who's it? Who's in it? No, the new animated show. Oh yeah. I talked about it last week. Yeah. Yeah. Did you like the animation? Cause I think it's really fucking cool. I liked it. I thought, I thought it looked really good with like the ships as they blast off. Oh my God. When the but ships blast really off, pissed about it. I don't understand. I don't get it. But yeah, I've always been a mad. big fan of that self shaded type of like look. Anyway, it I like, love like, it when it they looks do like it in Vol- video games. It looks like, I, I think it's really cool. It looks like Voltron. It looks like uh, like the new Voltron stuff. It looks like um, like yeah. You're talking about video games. It looks like the Legend of Zelda game. You know what I mean? Yeah. It yes. looks like it looks like Jet Grind Radio. If you know that reference too, like look like that. But when the ships oh, when the ships blast off, oh my god, it looks it looks incredible. Like I loved it. Um, just kind of like watching his racer. His uh, um, he had. I don't know if it's from Naboo, but like on the side of that ship, it's got like a Naboo ship like drawn onto it. Yeah. But like when you see that ship kind of like blast off towards like the end of the trailer with that cell shading animation, it just looks gorgeous. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. In, in the HD, and it just yeah. looks so crisp, and the lines look so clean. I, think I fucking adore it. BB-8 looked great. I think my biggest <sighs> problem is, like, the characters that they have that don't have, like, a human as reference. Let me explain. Like, Poe Dameron, they can look at him and say, like, okay, we're going to make this character, and this is what he would look like with this style of animation and he looks really cool it looks like fucking oscar isaac in this art style but like this character of kaz like we have no reference for this character and the character kind of looks goofy <laughs> so he, he just kind of looks like oh, i'm kaz you know i don't know he, he look, <laughs> when you look at his facial expressions he just kind of <laughs> he kind of looks silly like a fucking like like <laughs> I'm Kaz and like I don't know but it feels like the characters that we're familiar with that we have like a reference point for like you know like oh that looks like Oscar Isaac but like with this style of animation that looks really cool and it's actually Oscar Isaac's voice and that helps a lot but like Kaz just looks like 
generic character. You know, he just looks like a generic kind of like animated character. I think like all, <laughs> I think like all the ships and like BB-8 and the robots and the aliens look fucking great. But like the humans that we've never seen before, like Kaz, looks stupid and silly as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else looks really cool to me. Yeah, I'm excited. To, I'm excited to watch it. I, I think the timeline's really interesting. Yeah, I, the, the animation looks really crisp and fun. If anything, it looks like great eye candy. Yeah, yeah, I agree, dude. I can't wait. I can't wait to see like. Uh, I know we've seen pod racing, but like here we've got like a different kind of like racing, and they're like racing through rings and stuff like that, and that looks like a lot of fun. And I want to get to know his pit crew and all this stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm down, dude. Yeah, I I Tupperware the trailer. It looked great. Uh, we got Star Wars Episode Nine uh, news here. It started filming August first, and we got our first pictures from the sun. Uh, and it was uh, these pictures were taken in a secret location in the UK, right right outside London. And Jake, I sent you this uh, article. Um, all we really saw was like it looks like Chewbacca, Poe Dameron, and uh, Finn are on some sort of a mission. We saw what looked like some people that were there that were kind of like in kind of like fur or camouflage or something like that. And then we saw these real life horses that they put like this gray fur on and then some kind of like uh, green tape on their faces for like reference points for like what alien creature they're going to look like. Yeah, we see this kind of stuff all the time when yeah. we see the spoiler pictures a lot. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it was hard to really get much of a read what do you think? for this picture, but it still got me excited, right? As vague yeah. as it was, I was sure. like, yes. Well, I was excited because I was like, oh my God, Poe and Finn are on a mission. They're, they're, they're going to be together in this movie. It's not just going to be like Finn and Kelly, Mir- Kelly Marie Tran hanging out, which like, you know, I had no problem with that, but I definitely wanted to see some more of like, you know, the the guys hanging out with like Poe and Finn. Oh no, I that, that was some of the best stuff in Force Awakens. Like I was sort of like I want yeah. these two guys on a road trip and a that, tie fighter. Thank you. And they, like that that that's what I hope we get here cuz like I was like, "Oh my god, these these two guys are reunited again. I wanted to see these guys. I thought they had a great dynamic on screen in the Force Awakens." Oh, they did. Mm-hmm. It was kind of sad to see them separated in that last movie. Um Did you notice Jake when they released like the cast list that we didn't get any uh Benicio del Toro doesn't look like we're going to get any more DJ at all. Yeah, I did notice that. I'm not a hundred. I'm not surprised. I don't need. I don't I'm need. Okay. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm fine. I don't need to hear him like fucking on skip the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. He had a list, like not a list, but he had a stuttering problem. You know, he. I feel like he fulfilled his purpose. You know, like he double crossed. Whatever he got money, like yeah. all right, he did his yeah, part. Yeah, but uh, but also you want to see like him getting his comeuppance, right? You want to see Finn fucking get back at him for like selling him out, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You can do that stuff in a comic book for all. Ah, no, I want to <laughs> see that in live action. Like, part of me wants to see. I part of me wants to see like. Finn get fucking uh, Lando Calrissian, who's a real fucking scoundrel, to go and fucking take care of this guy. You know, give him some old, like some fucking like OG vengeance. You know? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I wonder if we'll ever see. That's just me wanting DJ in a movie ever. I know. That's just me wanting fan service, Jake. 
I don't want to see this guy skate by at the end of the fucking movie. That's bullshit. That's like, no, no, that's like, that's no, it's like Liam Neeson's, (laughs) it's like Liam Neeson's family gets killed and taken. He's just like, eh, whatever. No, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. It's a hundred percent like that. Like made characters instead of someone no one gives a shit about. The stakes are real. (laughs) I don't know, maybe they'll address it in like, because if Family Guy is still happening in five years, which I don't see why it doesn't, you yeah. know, they got the rights to parody the first three, you know, the original three. I don't want to see do, the story continued the in thing. a... Like, so Sunday Farland will do something with I it. I don't want there the story go. continued in a Seth MacFarlane animated vehicle. Sorry. No. <laughs> I want... No, I just... I don't know. I just feel like you, you leave DJ and you just let him get off and, like, do his whole thing and... You know, sell weapons to the highest bidder and sell them out and fuck them over. And he gets no, I mean, there's no comeuppance. It's like, ah, not a fan of that. That's just me. I know there's other things to do, Jake, but at least give me a fucking deleted scene in the next movie. I'll like, give you that. I'll, I'll like, give you that. Give me a deleted scene in the next movie. You gotta, you gotta wait for the Blu-ray, but you can have a deleted at scene. The bottom of the, okay at that. the bottom of the screen, it just says DJ ship, and then it just explodes. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually, if that's the scene, I'd be okay with that in the movie now. Now, yeah. now, I'm, now I'm convinced. Just ship, explode, done. I would, yeah, I'm in. I would like it. You were right all along if that's what it's you were imagining. Just out of nowhere. Like, even in, even in the actual <laughs> movie, it has nothing to do with what's going on. Like, they're on a plant. Like, Finn and Poe, they're doing their mission. And then, uh, and then we get a scene of Ray. <laughs> we get to see a Ray training somebody. And then we get BB-8 doing some cute bullshit. And then all of a sudden, we just get a screen. It just says, space. <laughs> And then all of a sudden at the bottom it says DJ ship. It's like boom, and it blows up. In my imagination, the ship is really far away from the camera, and a big red arrow points it out. No, it's and you just see like a tiny explosion. Really far away. What if like he calls? What if he calls a distress signal? Like his ship is like a fire or whatever, and he goes distress signal. But then like Poe and everyone. Like, no, no, we don't want to no, see DJ. We don't want to see him at all. <laughs> we don't want to see that, but you hear it, but you hear it, and they're like, he's like, oh, yeah, I need help. And they're like, they pretend that they have a bad signal. No, no we don't want to hear him. And then they're like, we can't hear you. <laughs> no, it's not, it's, it's basically, it's just a scene where it's a space, like Jake said. <laughs> no one acknowledges that. No one, it yeah, at exactly. All. <laughs> it's just space, and we just see like, Way off in the distance, and Jake is right. Like I like the idea of like a red arrow that actually has to point it out because like that's how insignificant this <laughs> Otherwise, is. Otherwise, you would just think it was another star. Right, right. But it ha- it does say DJ ship. It says DJ ship at first. <laughs> yes, and then it shows us the red arrow. Then it's actually got to point it out to us. Like oh, it's here, and then it, it it's like it's kind of like a stay tuned moment for literally seconds because they're not going to spend too much time on this. And then all of a sudden we see like the tiniest of explosions. And yes, then, and then we're back to like C three PO saying, "Oh look what I've done! Oh bye, you know." And so like now we're back to the movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, there's no like disturbance in the force. There's no fucking mention of it at no. all. No. It's just like there's nothing. And like we don't even know why the ship exploded. He probably just didn't like he probably wasn't doing proper maintenance on it, you know? <laughs> just count his money. He was like, look at all the money I've won. 
I don't even want to think about that. Like, I just want, I, <laughs> I just, I just want to know that he's dead. <laughs> I like, I, I apologize. And your reason for wanting the closure is very noble. <laughs> what if it was in the little scroll in the beginning? What if it was like, here's all the stuff. All the I love that. I love that. It's the, in, in the opening crawl. Yes, I love that idea. In the and yeah. behind, hold on, June, June, June. Go into like the backstory and then no, no, the opening. I like that too. No, you all the stuff goes all the way off the screen until it comes up again. Oh, and yeah, DJ's dead. No, no, and it goes and it goes. DJ's gonna die in one. Two, three, yes. and then behind the crawl, you actually see the explosion. <laughs> see the little, the little tiny explosion. The crawl button. actually Ooh. says, "Now wait for it, wait for it, boom!" And then like the movie starts. <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. All right. Oh man, I don't, yeah, I don't understand all the rose hate when DJ was in the movie. Yeah, I wasn't the. I was not a fan of like <laughs> of that character and like some of the choices that that they made for that character. I I felt like the the stuttering was just a little too much. I don't know. I have I have friends that stutter, and I understand that. But I felt like it was just like a weird thing to kind of throw in there. It made no sense. It added it, no it sense. added nothing. It's not like it's like people that have stuttering problems are like finally we're represented in a Star Wars movie. And we're assholes? What? What? <laughs> it also we felt like something people? Like that you that. give a bad actor to do, right? Like, it, it's like you have Benicio Del Toro who can be, like, such a great character oh, yeah. and a badass on his own. Yeah. And it's like he doesn't need the stutter to stand out by any means. Hell no. Yeah. Yeah, real dumb. All right. Oh, yeah, Dominic Monaghan. Uh, this news comes from Deadline. Uh, he's going to reunite with J.J. Abrams in Star Wars Episode Nine. So... He was one of those little hobbits. Was he Mary or Pip? Which one was he? Oh, I'm so bad at that. He's Charlie he from was, Lost. Yeah, he was in Lost, so he he worked with JJ. He was Pip. In Lost. He was Pip. Yeah. So yeah. No, Pip. no, no. We shit. Fuck. Now I can't remember. Was he Mary? Huh. Or the same? I don't know. One's a little bit oh more. My, are you saying all hobbits look the same? Yeah. June is a hobbit <laughs> racist. Is what we just learned on this podcast. <laughs> Oh my god. Mary Pippin. She's like, oh, with their furry little feet and their fucking 17 lunches and dinners and breakfasts. No, and and early and second breakfast and third breakfast and whatever. If June got mugged by a hobbit, like, she could not pick pick the one out in a police lineup. Every time she sees a hobbit, she clutches her purse and shit. Yeah. She's always looking at the ground at the ATM machine. <laughs> every time yeah. she every time she sees a hole, she's like, fuck. She avoids it. It's a hobbit hole. It's a hobbit hole. <laughs> Anyways, so Dominic Monaghan's been cast uh in Star Wars episode nine. Uh no uh, ca- uh character description has been released. Um and uh but he's Back in 2014, he publicly expressed his desire to hook back up with Abrams in Star Wars The Force Awakens. And so now Abrams has brought him in. I happen to feel like this is going to be like another small role, kind of like Greg Grunberg has as Snap uh, Snap Wexley in the uh, Star Wars uh, universe. You know, Greg Grunberg being like a good friend of J.J. Abrams. 
and I don't even know if this is going to be a live action character. He could be 100% CGI, Jake. This could be a mocap character for all we know. Yeah, that's true. I feel like you're right, but it's one of those situations where I hope you're wrong because I, I think he's a fantastic actor. And, um, man, the stuff he did on Lost was so good. He was easily one of the best characters, when, it, especially when it came to acting skills. Who's he going to – yeah, I like him too. I have no problem with it. Who's he going to meet up with though? That's one of the things. It's like uh, we know Poe and Finn and, and Chewbacca are doing – that is a fun fucking trio to think about, right? Poe, Finn, and Chewbacca? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Abrams is going to have fun with that. Oh, my God. I can't wait. What a fun trio. Well, you know, like, what's BB-8 doing? You know, I don't know. I can't, I can't, oh, my God. I got. I got. I can't wait for this last movie. We don't even know the fucking title, Jake. When the title no, comes. No, no. They take forever to tell us that, too. I know. When the title I, comes out, I'm going to flip. I just want Poe to, like, treat BB-8 like a puppy. Like he does. You know, he did like he's like, oh, I love what if you're po, so cute, what if, my little boy. What he's like po, my boy. What if, and you're like, oh, that's adorable. What if Poe started like spreading peanut butter on his penis? What would you do? Oh no, that's not. <laughs> then you should get to a dark place. Not all like that. BB-8's innocent. BB-8's innocent, cute, and adorable. Well, Chewbacca did that with Han all the time in the back of the puff, and I'm telling you, it happened. There were lonely nights. There were lonely nights, and Han was just like, "Fuck Ugh. it, I'm gonna break out the fucking." Can't, uh, the jar of Jif peanut butter. We're gonna do this. Oh no, not back to that. <laughs> we, I know, we talked about it before with Chewbacca's purple red rocket penis. Um, <laughs> that's all I got. I think that's all I got. Dominic Monaghan, yeah. Um, I yeah, that's super cool. I hope he's a bad guy. That'd be interesting, yeah. I don't usually think of him as a bad guy. Um, yeah, he, he, he had a little bit of a dark turn. In a couple seasons of uh, Lost, so I know he's got it in him, and I think that would be really cool. Very cool. Hey, uh, we are done. Uh, that is all I have this week. But I wanted to thank June for joining us. Thank you, June. Oh, thank you for having me. It was so much fun again. Absolutely. Yeah, I could tell June was having a lot more fun this last like hour and a half. There was a lot less shuffling. Really, she was much more no, engaged. You know what? So, I really is, like, <laughs> I think I started drinking some beers, and like the hangover went away. That's good. Oh, yeah, that's right. You did have, you were suffering from a hangover from the day before. Like a really bad hangover, but like yeah. halfway through, I was like, oh, I, honestly, I didn't think I was going to make this whole episode. I, at some point, I was like, I might have to bail. But oh then my God. I, I, chugged, I chugged a beer and then I felt better. There you go. You made it. You been made a, it. Been, been a while since we had a tap out on the episode, but yeah, it happens. It does happen. So. Yeah. All right, Jake. Yeah. Thanks for coming back, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I'll be back next week. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> I think we're good again. I gotta worry about this shit every week. I gotta worry about this from week to week if you're gonna come back. Like now this is a thing. No. no. I think I'm good. I think right. I'm good. Alright guys. Yeah, thanks for listening. I don't know. I don't know what people are gonna think about this one. It's okay. No, yeah, no. It's not our best episode ever, but it's definitely not our worst. It's not worse. This is like mid of, middle of the pack, right? Yeah, yeah, June was good, and some problems there. This is not, so, like, like if if we're talking about Cliff Steele's penis, this is not flaccid, or this is not rock-hard Viagra. This is kind of, like, right in the middle. Like we're catching Cliff, like, maybe, like, this is maybe morning wood for Cliff Steele. Yeah, right? yeah, there's no veins popping off of this episode. Right, but it's not, like, 100% flaccid either, right? I agree. Yeah. 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 We're right there. We're right there. Yeah. We're right we there. could get it done if we had to. No, this is like the Goldilocks penis of the episode, right? Of episodes, right? It's just <laughs> oh, right. Oh. 
Yeah, okay. I mixed in fairy tales and a young girl with a penis reference. That happened. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> Porridge and penises. That, I'm going to start a podcast called Porridge and Penises. Porridge and penises. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck eats porridge? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I have no idea. I, I think that's something gone by the wayside. Do, do people eat porridge anymore? It's like, does anybody like wake up and like make themselves porridge? Like, where the who? Do, where do you go to buy porridge? What the fuck is porridge? Cracker, cracker Barrel? I don't know. That sounds like a place that would have to It does sound. I think, I think June's on top of it. Yeah, but, like, who the fuck orders Cracker Barrel porridge? <laughs> Very oh, old yeah. people. Uh, yeah, I'll take your uh, uh, two slices of bacon, porridge, and, uh, and an egg over easy. <laughs> who the fuck is ordering porridge? And, like, what is porridge? Like, I, I know what oatmeal is, but what the fuck is porridge? <laughs> Who's eating porridge, Jake? Who's eating in 2018? Who the fuck is eating porridge? Other than little fucking blonde girls lost in the woods going into houses that bears live in. What the fuck is that about? Trespassers, like little trespassing blonde girls. Trespassing blonde girls. Porridge. Oh, this porridge is too hot. Number one, what? Hold on. She should have backed up and been like, this is fucking porridge. Yeah, how hungry is she, really? How hungry are you when you're just like, I'm going to eat porridge? Like, seriously, like, I have to be to the point of, like, I'm going to eat a fucking soccer team in the mountains before I fucking put my mouth on porridge. I'll tell you that much. I'm not going to, you know what I mean? I'm going to eat fucking, like, a dead soccer team before I eat fucking porridge. No, I would eat the, okay, hold on. I would probably try the porridge. A hundred million dollars. Million. Oh <laughs> I don't know. What is porridge? What's the definition of porridge? I think it's just like soupy oatmeal, right? Or some shit like that. Is it oats? Is porridge made of oats? I don't know. I don't, I'm looking. No, it's not. Okay, like like soup. Okay, you pour oatmeal, right? But you don't call like you don't call like a, a different type of oatmeal. Porridge. It's not like you call soup. Porridge. It's not like you, call, you don't. Well, you don't call soup drinkage. Here we go. A dish consisting of oatmeal or another meal or cereal boiled in water or milk. It's just fucking yeah, oatmeal. I was right on the money. It's just more liquidy oatmeal. Oh, okay. It's not even a fancy name. Porridge. Porridge. That's pretty fancy. Jeez. Really. It's is it kind of oh, fancy, right? Is it spelled P O R R I D G E? Yeah. I heard you yawn there, June. Fuck you. I know. <laughs> what our porridge is an ex- conversation <laughs> is an exciting. I know. I'm trying to no. I'm trying to inject new life into this podcast. Talk about <laughs> porridge and, and bring that. No, bring that to, to public attention because people will talk about like Goldilocks. They'll bring up the story with the porridge, but people just go about their lives and they don't even know what porridge is. We've got access to Google twenty four fucking seven. It's, it's three hundred sixty five days a year. We can like look up anything, but we don't take the time to even look up what porridge is. There was three of us on this episode, and only Jake kind of like maybe thought it could be oatmeal. He wasn't a hundred percent sure. <laughs> that's true. That's true. 
But he found out, he found out this information. It's like, Neil deGrasse Tyson will talk about the cosmic universe and stuff like that. And yet we don't even know what the fuck porridge is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he, he could have blasted our asses. I know. He's like, oh my God, I'm going to tell you how a star is born. And you don't even know about soupy oats, motherfucker. <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson, you are a beautiful American. And we love you. And I love hearing you. And you're amazing. And guys, um, just like all good leftovers say, um, (laughs) (laughs) sometimes Neil deGrasse Tyson talks too much. I, you know what, Jake? Sometimes we all talk too much. I mean, at the end of of this episode, I'm talking about porch. How the fuck did that even get started, dude? I don't. I don't. I, I have know. no fucking clue. <laughs> Porridge. It's, just a, it's a dumb word too. Oh, it's because we started talking about Goldilocks. Doesn't porridge sound like fucking well, like? Why did we start talking about Goldilocks in the first place? I don't know. Uh, doesn't porridge sound like fucking like 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 oatmeal's dumb cousin? You know. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it does. Let's watch you date my sister, Porridge. <laughs> <laughs> Duh, I'm porridge. Duh. <laughs> oh God! I taste good with cinnamon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Spread a little honey on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, and then like oatmeal's just kind of like got its head down in shame and shit. Like, uh, I don't know oh, that shit. guy. <laughs> I am not. I don't care what Google says. <laughs> I know. I know. We're related I know. by marriage. I know. Yeah, that's like that's that's like not blood related. I don't know. That's through marriage. I, I'm sorry. That's inbreeding. That's like you know. Like as soon as Porridge starts talking, you hear like the Deliverance, like uh, fucking banjo music playing. You know. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't go out of the woods alone with Porridge. No. You're gonna yeah. get. You're gonna squeal like a piggy, just like. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we already said the outro and we still didn't stop. Just porridge is oatmeal's dumb cousin. <laughs> alright, alright, alright. Just like all good leftovers say in the doggy bags, thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Later. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture.
leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft of crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the poor kids. It's a trap. Toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it. Hey, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.